warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode Leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, five, four, three, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Ooh, the second week after we've taken a week off, Jake. Yeah, feels good. Did you have a good week? Oh, man. Oh, you know, here's the thing. Everybody, everybody, yeah, we took a week off, took a week off. Everybody's like, eh. there's a little bit of shock there for some people. They're used to their Mondays, their Monday mornings starting out with the old PCL. Used to, we well, used to, you know, waking up the crack of dawn, cracking, you know, opening up their, their, uh, their listening device, their phone, whatever the fuck, and then listen to PCL. And it was a little shock at first for some people, Jake. They didn't have that new episode, you know, pop up on their, uh, Spotify or whatever the fuck they're listening to it on. And then, and then, you know, and then they were like sending the messages on Facebook, like, yeah, yeah, it's well deserved, well deserved, yeah. And all right, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But then it was like, it, it, it felt like it was like, yeah, you deserve, but then it felt like there was like this little, like hint of like, all right, you've had your week off, get back to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, like a real job. Like, this is a real fucking job for me. Like, where people were, like, they almost felt like they were like my manager or something. Like, oh, I'm glad you had your nice vacation, but here's those TPS reports. <laughs> Welcome back. We need you every Monday again. It's fucked up, man. I don't, I did enjoy my fucking time off. I was able to, like, that one week, where I didn't have to prepare for the show. I was able to watch whatever the fuck I wanted to on TV. Jake, I'm just watching whatever the fuck. I'm I'm doing whatever the fuck. And I was I like I was like, you know, I never get to watch like older movies unless I'm going on like Scenic Cast or or The Real Zodiac, another podcast where they talk about older movies. I never really get to watch like older movies just for myself. I was like, you know what? I haven't watched it in years. I watched Escape from New York. First time I've seen it in years. Oh, awesome choice. So, and it was, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Absolutely. And I was thinking to myself, oh my God, they're talking about doing this remake 
with Wyatt Russell. Jake, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking it's time. I'm thinking it's time. I think they should do this. I'm really thinking that they should cast uh, Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son. And and I know they're making the movie, but man, I I, th- I think I think Wyatt Russell would be a great choice. Yeah, I think an Escape from New York remake could actually work really well. Yeah, like it's definitely been long enough. I, I think updated special effects and filming techniques could make that a really cool movie. I, I would keep too. the Cynthia Carpenter style like style score though. Yeah, absolutely. We are not alone. We've just been yammering on, yammer, yammering on. And our guests are just like patiently waiting. What if we never introduced our guests, Jake? Like, what if, like, what if it was just like one of these? We never introduced them. Are you there? Uh, you disappeared. You completely blanked out there. <laughs> so did you on my end because <laughs> you didn't say shit. I said, what if we never introduced our guests and they just fucking like waited in the wings the entire episode? I would love that. Let's plan that sometime <laughs> in the next few months. That would be amazing. But no, we do have guests. Uh, Greg Alenti, welcome. Thank you guys. Good to be here. I've missed you both. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah. You missed us that, that week that we were off. Now get back to work, right? <laughs> I meant actually not talking. It's been many months. It but has been. I missed you last week too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you want to plug anything, Greg? Sure. I'm on a, uh, I have a YouTube channel called Amazing Home Projects with Andy Gray. Um, it is a home improvement channel in which I do things that I have no idea how to do and often ignore best practices, but that's pretty much what I do. They are fucking hilarious, everybody. Check it out. It was Handy Thank Greg you. on YouTube? Yeah, it's Amazing Home Projects with Handy Greg. There you go. There's another guy called Handy Greg on YouTube. He does some other shit, but I do home projects. Uh, he jerks off. <laughs> he only has one or two videos, but he still comes up and search the fucker. So, oh, I, a lot of restraint. Yeah, Handy Greg sounds. You know, as his porn name. Jerks well, off. actually, my wife we call Handy Jill, and it's sort of like a running joke that I call her Handy Jill, having no idea that that. You know, Are there jerk off videos with like you just see a guy holding his dick and just jerking off? I've seen all the porn there is to see, and I will tell you those videos exist for Dude, sure. Yeah. How many views? I mean, but like I don't. Three? I don't seek them out. How many views? Like three on each one. I mean, I can't I imagine. I don't it. have. Yeah. I, I don't have the metadata on those videos right now, but I assume there's a niche <laughs> of people who like who like them and watch them. I, I, I bet there are, but it, uh, it's just, you know, I get. I, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't imagine that those are getting like millions of views, thousands of views. Well, you like cam girls, right? I, they're probably getting more views than our episodes get listens, but I will be that. Okay. If you like cam girls and look, you know, they're, they're nice every now and that's the same thing, but for women, just a guy beating his dick in front of a camera for a while. I could see a lot of women being into that. I could see a lot of guys being into that, Greg. And, and some guys. Sure. Yeah. I don't Not think, me. I don't think girls have to watch that. Girls can just ask any random guy to start jerking off for her. Yeah. There was a time in my life when I would have done that for pretty much anybody who asked. There you go. Uh, anyway, now that we've scared our next guest, Quentin Roberts from the, uh, Real Zodiac podcast. Welcome, dude. Hey, thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah. And you know what? I'd still do that, Greg. Oh, you jerk off on video too? Always. What the fuck is going on right now? I'm going to call you after the show. <laughs> All right, good. I mean, I can start doing it now. It's when, it's whenever you want it. Quentin, do you want to plug your videos or do you want to plug your podcast? Or do you want to plug, <laughs> or do you want to plug Greg at this point? I don't even know. <laughs> 
Yeah, I um I do a podcast called The Real Zodiac with Amanda, and um, we review movies that are old and new. Um, they fit into a genre that we're doing of that month, and we just got done with our sci-fi, which you were happily on, Brian. Yeah. And uh, we're moving on to sports now. Sports. They're moving on to sports. They're moving on to um, – fuck. It's uh, Huey Lewis. Sports album. Oh, great album. Great album. Fantastic fucking I love uh American Psycho. I know you fuckers are thinking about it too. I know you fuckers are thinking about I know you are. I know you're thinking about it. Patrick Bateman. Was it was it Bateman? Patrick Bateman? Was that the character's name in American Psycho? Christian Bale? I believe yeah. so. Yeah, I love his whole fucking rant about Huey Lewis and the news and talking about the sports album, him coming into his own as he's getting ready to fucking kill Jared Leto. Jared Leto, I was about to ask, was uh, that the Jared Leto scene? I, it's, I think it's the 100% the Jared Leto scene where he's got like all the plastic on the, oh god, uh, what a, what a, you know, that movie was not, that movie, I don't think it was revered at the time when it came out. It's like a cult classic now. You know yeah, what I mean? I feel like it's definitely more popular now. It than aged it was. very well. Yeah. I had a buddy who watched it all the time. Kind of scared me a little bit. That is very scary. Yeah. He watched it a lot. A lot. It scared me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like you can tell a lot from a person by the movies that they watch more than, more than others. Yeah. We're learning a lot about Greg from all the porn that he watches. Yeah. <laughs> Don't just have hand jobs porn. No, have you guys? I don't want to get into a thing. Are you serious? You know? hand, are hand jobs porn? And then Greg says, yeah. "No, yeah, it's fucking porn." No, no, no. They, they, <laughs> like a hand job on video is porn. Can I ask? Have, I, like again, I don't. I've gone to some dark places on this podcast, and I don't want to go there. Well, let me just have any of you guys seen VR porn, like with a real headset on? No, I've never seen VR in general. Okay, let alone porn. Okay, so I have an Oculus Quest headset, right? And just out of curiosity, like let's be honest, if you had a VR headset, you'd look you'd look at some porn, right? Just to see like what's what's it like with a head with a VR headset on, right? Am I no right? No doubt. Okay. Here's the deal. There's two things that make the experience really uncomfortable. First, you're sitting in a room with something blocking your eyes, and you've got your dick in one hand and an Oculus controller in the other, and anybody can walk in at any time. And you have no idea. <laughs> and that and that thought was going to be in your fucking head the whole time. Oh, that's the what makes thing, no. That yeah. hold on, stop right there. That's what makes it adventurous. Not when you have two kids. No, that may, ooh, oh shit. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's can you true. imagine walking in on your dad with a fucking Nintendo controller in one hand and like his dick in the other? Like what that would have been like for you? Oh my god. Oh, yeah, it's definitely not, it's, it's not a bonding experience like throwing the baseball around in the backyard. No, you know what I mean? No. This is. It's not. Yeah. So the second thing that's really awkward is they're still kind of figuring out how to make VR porn. So when you watch porn in VR, it's always the cowgirl position and the woman looks like she's like 80 feet tall. So it looks like you're fucking this gigantic woman and it's a little intimidating. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's just, they just haven't got the scale right. Oh my so, god! So if you ever walk into me, that. if you ever walk into me on my couch in, in, in a in a room, I'm on my couch and and you hear me saying, "Oh my god, I'm so tiny! I'm so I'm so <laughs> tiny!" <laughs> you know exactly what I'm doing with that VR headset. 
Yeah, I was really nervous, too, because the picture's in 360, right? So if I turn around, like, you know, you're seeing, like, the bottom of a guy's chest and his dick. And what's really cool is the guys are always in way better shape than I am. So I'm like, yeah, look at my abs. It makes me feel good, right? But then inevitably, I'm like, if I look behind, am I going to see, like, a zoom in on some guy's chin? But don't worry, because they black that out. So you're not going to see the guy's face if you look backwards. I just want you so, guys to know that. So it's all, all POV porn, this VR porn? There's it's no, pre- yeah, it's all POV. I think I'd rather be a voyeur. Like, and be able to, like, you know, sit in a chair next to what's going on. You're, yeah, but then where do you look? Like, the whole thing is you can look in different directions. So where would you look other than at the people fucking, you know? Oh, I, I'd gotcha. want to check out their houses. You know, you could kind of look. Yeah. Hey, what the fuck is yeah. going on? To I want to, I want to fucking, I want to fucking get in that pussy. What are you, what are you talking about, uh, Bob Vila? Or what, what the fuck is. <laughs> yeah, what's in the medicine cabinet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got you, you got two people fucking on the couch, and Quentin's doing a fucking tour. <laughs> Quentin, Quentin's having his own. He's going. He's going. He's having his own fucking VR experience with Are a realtor. He's hanging out with a realtor while these <laughs> while this couple's banging on the couch. <laughs> As you can sunroom. see, this is very spacious, and uh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Quentin's like, can I look at the kitchen again? (laughs) (laughs) Now, do they come with the house? (laughs) Yes! 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 (laughs) Okay, I'll take it. Um, all right. So yeah, that's uh Quentin, Quentin does uh the real Zodiac podcast. Uh that's spelled R E E L, not R E A L. And I think that is very clever. <laughs> I really appreciate that. You're uh-huh. the first person to ever mention that the name is clever. It is very clever. And like the whole way that you kind of like do uh, your movies and how you've got them broken down and when you do them is very clever too. People need to go to your Facebook page and check that out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, let's jump into, do you guys want to jump into iTunes review or do you want iTunes reviews? Cause we do have reviews or do you want to answer a question for me? I've been thinking about something. Let's answer the question. That sounds fun. Okay. What would be more popular? And I think, I think maybe both these things really exist. And if you want to look up if they really exist, that's fine. I know this first one probably does exist, but if there was a website that just featured big guys and small dogs, cause I think, it, you ever just like been driving around and seen like a huge man and he's walking the smallest dog ever? Not often, but I've seen it. <laughs> Greg, have you have you have you seen this? I have, and I have to admit, it is it does stand out to me when I see that. Does You're it, right. Is it one of those things where it's like, is he the small dog lover, or is he walking his wife's best friend in this moment? I thought you said small dongs. No, 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 Whoa. no. Big guys and small dongs. We've moved on from that. No, no. Yeah, I thought he was bringing it back for some reason. No. Okay, we're, on, we're on dogs, okay. No, that, that'll probably come up though, Quentin. Um, big guys and small dogs. 
<laughs> I did just Google it, and it appears as if there are multiple websites dedicated to pictures of big guys with small dogs. I, oh, I knew it. I fucking knew it. I'm sorry. I fucking knew it was a thing. No, it's not that I didn't think that it was a thing. I thought that that one was a thing. I thought it was a thing. And I don't know. It just sticks out every time I see it. Big guys and small dogs. Is other wives making them walk these little dogs? Or is the big guy into the little dog? Is he just a little, to be the big dog, is he a little guy. dog, big guy? I think both happen. I think more often than not, when you see it in real life, it's probably the wife or the girlfriend is, is yeah. making him walk it. But the websites, I'm sure, are full of like big guys that are actually huge fans of the little dogs. Yeah, here's the rock with two puppies in one picture. Yeah. I just, it's like, I want to see like, you know, fucking like a, like a guy like the mountain. With like a, like a, like a Yorkie, like a teacup Yorkie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh my God. I feel like any dog next to the mountain is a Yorkie. I would watch a whole channel dedicated to watching big guys with small dogs. Just take them on walks. It's fascinating to me. <laughs> <laughs> they have to make calendars, right? It just seems like a perfect calendar. Box. It's totally a calendar thing. But for me, I would watch this. I would, yeah, I would like, I would stream this. I would pay five bucks a month to watch. <laughs> and I would just come up with like, okay, you know, and then you, you could guess like, did the wife make him do it? And then before they go on to the next video, they tell you, nope, he loves, he loves, he loves princess. He loves princess. <laughs> He's unmarried and this is his doggy. I'm not the biggest guy in the world, but I do have a Chewini. It's an absolutely delightful dog. A Chewini? Yes. It's half Chewini, half Dachshund. Oh, wow. And okay. I have legit, like, I have pillows that we made of her yeah. picture and stuff. I really admitted this dog. <laughs> I like the mystery element that you've added to the uh, streaming service of yes. these guys, small dogs. Yes, it is. Uh, Jake, it's 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 total mystery thing. Like you could even make it like interactive, like have a poll. People could be watching it, and then like they could like on their phone, they could text in like, "No, this guy's totally walking it for his wife." And then it's like it's like you find out seventy eight percent of the people said this guy with the Harley Davidson tattoos is walking it for his wife, and you know, and then you're like. What the fuck? He bought that fucking little whatever the fuck Maltese. That's, that's his Maltese. <laughs> <laughs> How much for a year? I'm canceling DC Universe, dude. Uh, tw- dude, if you want to do the year package, it's literally only thirty nine ninety nine. Not not bad, not bad at all. It's fantastic. Comes with a free calendar. <laughs> Comes with a free calendar. And the next thing that I wanted to bring up, and this might exist too, is. I think it would be cool if they did this at like like a convention, like we went to C2E2, you know, like if they did a, a, a fucking event called Carrie Loki, where it's karaoke, but everyone dresses as Loki. Yeah, you get some variety there. I like it because Loki has more than one look and it, you know, encompasses both genders. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. You could have kid Loki. You could have like female Lokis. They all get together and they fucking sing some ABBA. I like it. I like it. Loki singing Dancing Queen. I'm in. Yeah. Hey, does Carrie Loki exist? I can't imagine that ever happening. You can't oh, right now. A hundred percent people at conventions have done karaoke dressed as Loki. But ha- are they calling it Carrie Loki? Is it officially Carrie Loki? 
Mm, I doubt it's officially Carrie Loki. But Lokis have performed karaoke for sure. They're missing they're missing it, not not branding it that way. You're on to something. Yep, I am definitely on to something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's quite a streaming service like the uh oh, no. big guy small no, no, dogs, no, no. but No. No. No, that's a million dollar idea, Jake. Let's not Maybe a weekly show. Let's not be silly, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys ready to jump into iTunes reviews? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. What the fuck? Yeah, Quentin, you sounded like you were done with everything we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like, thank God we're moving on. Jesus Christ, what the fuck are these assholes talking about? Can we go? Can we get back to talking about talking about big guys with small dongs? <laughs> Honestly, I was just kind of depressed after that. So yeah, I mean, we can talk about anything else now. Oh man! <laughs> All right, guys, it's time for iTunes reviews. It's iTunes reviews. What do we got here? What do we got here? Uh, this one comes from Nerdy JT. Nerdy JT. It's titled Better Than Danish Licorice. It's a five star. Goes on to say this podcast has easily become my favorite over the years. Each week brain. Spells my name wrong. Each week brain. Jake and their guests deliver an astonishing amount of content. Their joy and passion. Do you think he called me brain because I'm the brains behind this operation, Jake? Or do you think he just mm, fucked up? Not. No, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> it was, it was so easy for you to answer that with a no. <laughs> I knew I had to answer that as quickly as possible for humor's sake. <laughs> you delivered, sir. Um, each week, Brain, Jake, and their guests deliver an astonishing amount of content. Their joy and passion for reviewing TV, movies, comics, and games is evident in each episode. Except that one episode where Ray couldn't watch an eight-minute short. <laughs> I love it. Did he say that? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, the, their three to four hour episodes provide me with a much needed break from everything going on in the world right now. And for that, I am truly grateful. And that comes from Nerdy JT. That's awesome. Love it. Great review. Fantastic. Fantastic. The Ray review. thing will never die. It will never die. Mm. <laughs> Ah, what do we got here? Oh, great podcast. You know, this one comes from uh, Texas1997. Great podcast, dot, dot, dot. One tiny request. Uh-oh. Ooh. Carrie Loki? <laughs> it could be Carrie Loki. Um, been listening for a few weeks. A fan. Good content. Only advice would be to break up the podcast into maybe three segments. Oh, no. Slash separate podcasts. Sometimes the prospect of digging into a three-hour podcast seems daunting. Keep up the great work, four exclamation points. Love the four exclamation points. 
the suggestion. Listen, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, and I get that most podcasts don't run this long. But here's the thing. Here's the fucking thing. I hate time limits. I hate time limits, Jake. I hate fucking time limits. I hate feeling like, oh, we're, we're, we're talking about this, but we got more stuff to talk about. We better wrap this up, you know. Oh, we're out of time. No, we're out of time. We got to go. We'll get to that next week. I hate time limits. I fucking hate time limits. And breaking up the podcast, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. It's been, uh, oh, I'm at my breaking point with this podcast. Hit stop. Just hit stop and walk away. All right, come back to it later. That's it. There you go. There's your segments. You do, you do it yourself. That's what I'm giving you the power to make the your, the segments yourself. You every time you listen, it's a new episode for you. You can, you know what I mean, Jake? They're in control. I can't imagine most listeners listen to this in segments. Like I, very few of our listeners probably dead run episodes of PCL, right? Ah, uh, there's a lot of people that like you know, like I know semi dry chicken. He'll listen on the first fucking day it's released, the whole fucking thing. I think some people that are at work, you know what I mean, and they a lot. That, that's one of the things. A lot of people that like, I know we got mail carriers and people that work in offices and shit by themselves or whatever, and they just listen straight fucking through. And the reason they listen is because they don't want to fucking flip around and try to find like a new podcast to listen to. They just want to listen to the same fucking thing all day. And we make it for them, Jake. We make it for those people. Those are the people that I'm working hard for every week. I like it. I like it. Yeah. And I agree. You just feel so rushed. Like, okay, this podcast has to be 90 minutes. Yeah. It becomes like you're doing PTI at that point. Yeah, but he's, like, okay, this he, topic, that he's topic. saying we record like all the stuff and then we, then I have to fucking like divvy it out throughout the week. It's the, here's the problem with that. People see a bunch of episodes being uploaded in one week. It, beca- it becomes daunting to listen to all that shit. So I, you know what? I'm giving you a fucking choose your own adventure here with this. Like you can stop and start whenever the fuck you want to. This is like the Bandersnatch of podcasts. You can fucking I like it. Yeah, I like it. And do it by segment <laughs> if that's your thing. Because I, I assume he wants like Pop Culture Leftovers presents the Good Pop Bad Pop podcast and the News podcast and yeah. the bullshit iTunes reviews podcast. And you can just make that happen yourself. Yeah, make it happen yourself. We're gonna make it happen. Who sang, who sings that song? We're gonna make it happen. Jake, you don't know. Uh-huh. Who the fuck sings? We're gonna make it happen. That's all, that's the only part of the song I know. We're gonna I know, make it happen. I know. There's like, I have nothing Sam else. will pick it up, man. I know. <laughs> uh, so one of our listeners will tell me. One of them. One of them. All right. What, what do we got here? Great show. Great show. Greg, you still there? What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, I got uncomfortable because of that review, so I'm sorry, but I'm still here. Oh, no, talk to me. Talk to me, man. Hey, uh, segment three, we're going to talk about fucking that guy's ugly sister. How's that? There you go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, my. Wow. Gee, oh, Greg. That guy, I'd skip that but, one. But here's how I, here's how I, and I'm sorry, because the guy gave you five stars. Right? Yeah, he gave you So five I don't want to shit on him. So, sure. But here's the thing. Like, if I'm hearing that, I think you should be upset, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I hear that as, like, I want you to break it into segments and then the segments that I'm not into, I just won't listen to. And fuck that. Because yeah, the best shit on this podcast comes up in those moments between moments. Like you might, maybe you're not into DC, in DC, so you don't listen to DC news, but you gotta listen because there's great shit there. That's just my advice to that listener. I get, no, I totally get it. I totally get it. It's, it's, I've heard this, you know, I've heard this since we started. It's too long. This is it, whatever. And you know, if I listen to every suggestion, 
And there's a lot of podcasts that do. They change the whole format because they got one person telling them something, you know. You know, I want, hey, what about reviewing this? You know, and they'll like, that week they're like, you know, I, I, I make this for the people that love it and, 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 uh, I, you know, we do things our way. And, uh, you know, if you want to come along for the ride, that's cool. If, I mean, I don't know if it's, I, uh, the person likes it, but I, I can't. Just one person telling me that is not going to make me change the entire fucking way we do this show that we've done it for seven years now. Yeah, I wouldn't change anything. So. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Greg, I love you. I love you. I love your passion there, sir. I mean, I, I've listened to what episode is this? 300 and something? That's passion with a dash of hatred. Yeah. 343 I, is what we're on. And I'm, so I'm telling you, and who was the person that wrote that review? I'm sorry. That was Texas. Texas. 1990, Texas, Texas 1970. Uh, whatever. Don't they Listen. like everything bigger in Texas? Yeah. I've listened to it, and I'm not saying this because I'm on this episode. I'm, I'm being sincere. I've listened to every minute of every episode, and it's worth it. Just hang it. Listen to it. Relax. Make your own segments. And don't, you know, thanks for the five stars, I guess. Yeah. You know, but relax. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take the five stars. I appreciate it. All right. Nick Neva gives us a five star. It's titled, Great Show. Your seal... Oh, this is from a couple weeks ago. Uh, your seal and proactive comment had me rolling on the floor laughing. Thanks for helping me get through the work day. And that comes from Nick Netta. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> I love that the seal comment prompted him to, I have to write this up. <laughs> oh, I fucking love it. It's a good joke. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Fun episode. I, I, God, I love Stephanie. Stephanie's fucking great. Stephanie, you got me hooked on this fucking supermarket sweet bullshit. Like, I did oh the Amazon gosh. Prime, I did the Amazon Prime episodes. Are you watching it too, Quinn? Yes. Yeah, my buddy got me into it. I've been watching the collection with him. Dude, I watched this shit when it fucking aired. I remember watching this shit. I think it was like Lifetime or some shit when it was on. I remember watching this shit when it fucking aired. But, um, yeah, Stephanie's got me fucking back on this uh, supermarket sweep. I watched the couple of seasons that they had on Amazon Prime, and now Netflix uploaded this season, and I've been watching that. Apparently, Are there more on Prime? Uh there were, there were, oh, there, were, okay. there were, I don't know if they're still there, but they had two seasons on prime at one time. They oh, have, okay. Yeah. Um, but apparently David Ruprecht, the host has been getting a ton of Facebook friend requests since like they started <laughs> putting this <laughs> and people have been kind of like asking him weird questions. Like people have been wanting to see his feet so i don't know what's going on but i fucking love supermarket sweep i'm having a blast watching it um this is oh okay this next one it comes from bren crow pot who who's crap who, what's that noise that was me i'm sorry what are you doing you... i should have gone on mute i was opening a beer i thought you were playing with like one of the what are those little finger diddle things the little spinning bobbers Spinners? Oh, yeah. yeah, no, that yeah. was just me opening a beer, and I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. You can always open a beer on this show. I just, I, like, I, like, <laughs> was the beer, was the beer, did it come from Ikea? Because it took a long time to open that beer. <laughs> it was like he was trying to open it slower to not make it as loud. No, the that, top, that never that's worked. correct, and the top was a little stiff. <laughs> beer by Ikea. 
<laughs> All righty. Uh, Bren Crow Pod sends us uh, a five star here. Drawn by a disembodied taint is the title. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anymore. I'd like to see that uh, VR porn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Quentin's all in. Um, <laughs> it's, it goes on to say, these days I have mostly been sampling and deleting podcast episodes. That this one can hold my attention for four hours plus is miraculous. Thanks, Melissa, for leading me here. I happen to think maybe this person is talking about Melissa Sloter, past guest of PCL. Jake, we got to thank Melissa for this new listener. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that's a real compliment when, like, if he really means this, that this was the only podcast he didn't just delete after 15 minutes. Like, I appreciate that. That's a great compliment. It's fucking awesome. It's fucking Greg, does this yes. one anger you? No, it makes me very happy. All right, good. I just want to keep Greg happy. I I feel I feel like I feel like it's a delicate balance keeping Greg happy. I feel like you're like the Bill Bixby of podcasting. Like we don't want to make you angry, so you Hulk out. You know what I mean? It just it, honestly, and I'm, it it never dawned on me that you and it was still a five star that you would get that kind of feedback while I was on one of your episodes, and it upset me. Man, I'm glad that you were here though to stand up for us as a listener. Yeah, you're welcome. Next one's titled, and it's long. It's titled "Flick This Bean," and it's a five. <laughs> it's, who, the, who the fuck gets? <laughs> what, what other podcast gets? What other podcast gets <laughs> iTunes reviews titled "Flick This Bean"? <laughs> it's by Reckless Preacher. It's a. <laughs> and he's religious. That makes, wow. it, that makes it way worse. <laughs> You definitely earned that name, though. It's a, it's a, it's a, I didn't realize they took women into the, um, the clergy, but that's good. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. He must not be Catholic. Mm. Oh, God. We need to hook this guy up with disembodied taint. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Again, she's like, thanks, Melissa, for leading me here. Um <laughs> <laughs> anyway, goes on to say PCL is essential for a fine. Everybody's using that word now. Essential. Yeah, it's a real buzzword this year. Yeah, it is. PCL is essential for finding worthwhile media to consume. I love it when I start something. I'm like, I throw out that thing, and like nobody knows where to go with it, so I just drop it. Yeah, you got to test the waters. <laughs> That's where comedy comes from. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I looked down there. rapid fire. I'll, I know. I, I'll look I, I, I thought we were going to go down a, a rabbit hole of hilarity with the word essential. <laughs> I, I, Jake, we're just, we're just going to bring new comedic meaning to the word essential. Didn't happen. It'll be the running gag the whole episode. I know. Ooh, essential. <laughs> Next week's iTunes review will be Essential Podcast. Uh, flick this bean, essentially. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck I'm saying. Um, PCL is essential for finding worthwhile media to consume, current and classic, 
popular and fringe. Host Brian's machine-like dedication to watching everything so we don't have to is especially important in these COVID times. I always look to him and co-host Jake, as well as their awesome guests, to let me know if a movie or show is at least worth trying out. Thanks to these guys, I found some real gems that would have been overlooked, such as Buffaloed, Black Klansman, and Harley Quinn. Oh, Harley Quinn! Seasons 1 and 2 are now on HBO Max, people. Now on HBO Max. Just announced today, right? Just announced today. HBO Max. The death of DC Universe. It's happening, people. We're watching it. We are watching a service die. It's You're gonna, not watching it on Roku, though. There's going to be like a fucking yeah. Oh, I know. I'm watching my HBO Max on um on my PS4, and I and uh my PS4 Sony finally got Peacock, so I was able to get Peacock as well. Which oh my god! So I was watching. I'm going to get back to your review here, Reckless Preacher. I was watching Peacock for a little bit, and they got like the channels that you can go through. Jake, they had like a fucking uh, Dan Aykroyd. SNL like comedy block and it was all classic Dan Aykroyd sketches on SNL and I I was like I was like tuned in for I'd say for a good 20 minutes I'm just watching it man oh it's so funny Jane Curtin and they had this uh you know the sketch global consumer Jane Curtin's the host and she's interviewing Dan Aykroyd and he's the guy that makes the horrible toys for children Oh, one of my all-time favorites. That's so good. I think they did two because they didn't do the one with Chainsaw Teddy in this one. And they, and, and they didn't, they didn't, which is literally, it's a toy of a, it's a, it's a teddy bear with a chainsaw, a working chainsaw coming out of its belly. Um, was it the one with the gasoline soaked rags? It was, it was. <laughs> And, then, and he's like, yeah, this is one of my favorites. And then, and then they're talking about Halloween costumes. And she's like, and Jane Curtin's like, what about this one? It's a completely black costume. Covers the hands. You got the gloves, black gloves, covers the face, everything. And it's called invisible, invisible pedestrian. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, so funny, so funny. Remember Johnny Switchblade? Johnny Switchblade, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And then he they had turned his head, and blades would shoot out of his arms. <laughs> A bag of glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, this review. I'm ex- I'm super excited to try. <laughs> I'm super. <laughs> that was an amazing transition. <laughs> I'm super excited to try out the Danny Trejo doc. Uh, the off-topic banter helps the show feel more like I'm just shooting the shit with friends. It's hilarious when Brian and Jake argue about post-credit scenes, Jurassic Park sequels, or when Rebecca is in- in- unable to conceal her undying hatred of Tom Cruise and Chicago-style pizza. The pandemic is definitely starting to drain the well of content, though. I feel like I'm reading fucking Doogie Howser's screen at the end of an episode of Doogie Howser MD. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just ready for, like, the update on Wanda. Did Wanda suck your dick this week, Doogie? Did it finally happen? Still not yet. No, No, the only person coming in your window is fucking Vinny. Vinny Del Pino. Oh my he god. He did have sex with Wanda on an episode though. Did he really? They fucked? Yeah, I'm, I think it was, um, like one of the later seasons. And I remember the episode distinctly, but he was making out with Wanda like in the, in the Hauser family kitchen and then they just dropped to the floor and the camera cuts away. But the, the implication is definitely that he banged her. Oh, fucking A. Yeah, he totally lost his virginity. Oh my 
Go Doogie. No blog after they ended the episode that way? No, I think they had a blog at the end. I just don't remember what he wrote about. I'll Google that right now. If it was today, it would have just been a fucking eggplant emoji in that fucking the wet, (laughs) the wet emoji. The three squirts. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> beep, 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 Yeah, okay. <clears throat> ah, let's see here. Where are we on this one? Yeah, the, the pizza. The pandemic is definitely starting to drain the well of content, though. <clears throat> Clear my throat there. That's why we're a top podcast people. Hopefully everyone can just wear a mask so Brian can back, get back to his movie theaters and Jake can continue not giving his review of Stranger Things Season 3. Until things do get back to normal, would be awesome if the leftovers could go back and try to dig up some forgotten gems from previous decades to review. I really would like them to know that I and a slew of other folks truly value what they do and are thankful for their passion till all are one. All right, Reckless Preacher, if you want to hear me talk about uh, gems from the past, listen to me on my appearances on other podcasts. I, uh, every once in a while, I'm on Scenic Cast, and we'll talk about an older movie that we watched. I think we recently reviewed, like, The Thing, and then before that, I re- reviewed The Fly with those guys, and then, of course, The Real Zodiac with Quentin Roberts and Amanda, and uh, we reviewed, uh, what did... Oh, Total Recall. What what else? What else? Uh, Bad News Bears. I've done that one. Yeah, and uh, Once Upon a Time Once in the West. Time. Yeah. yeah. Once upon oh, a time and we West. did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, too. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. So, yeah, go listen to those. You know, I got a format here, you know, you know, doing a thing. There's here. still plenty of new content that we don't have to, like, start doing reviews on, you know, MASH or whatever the fuck. You don't, you don't have to defend us, Jake. Hmm. You don't have to defend us. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a whole other podcast where we do retro reviews. I am not doing a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I can barely do this one, Jake. <clears throat> I can barely hold this fucking thing down. <clears throat> Got one more here, I think. One more? Yeah. Lots <clears throat> this week. What's that? Lots of reviews this week. I know. You take one fucking week off and everybody thinks you're gone. So they leave a bunch of reviews to like get your attention. We're still listening. We still love you. Come back. They don't say it, but that's what, that's what, ha- that's what happens. Bunch of liars. You want to get reviews? Just take a couple fucking weeks off, week, weeks off. Um, been listening since Infinity War. It's a five star. It's by J Dog 25883. Oh man. What an original iTunes review handle. Oh, the most original I've ever heard. J, it's J Dog with two G's. Oh no, J Dog twenty five eight eighty three. Really entertaining show. I've listened to them all since Infinity War. Really helps me get through Mondays at work in the warehouse. Keep it up, guys. J Dog was a little upset at the old warehouse last Monday, weren't you, J Dog? <laughs> <laughs> there was a warehouse incident. Yeah, there was. <laughs> Greg, what was that incident? What happened? I don't know, but as an aside, can I mention something? Yeah, what's what's going on? I totally just Googled when did Doogie Howser lose his virginity? Yeah. And I totally nailed it was it was season three in nineteen ninety one and I just I just am proud of myself for knowing what season he lost his virginity. Was it okay. (laughs) How how, let, let me try to figure out how cliche it was. Was it after a dance? (laughs) 
Uh, I don't, I'm trying to find the clip on YouTube and I'm not finding it and I'm a little disappointed, but it was a very controversial episode. Oh, wow. Um, and they never depicted him having intercourse in the series again. So, yeah, but it was definitely season three and it was in the summer of 1991. I love how TV and all these shows try to keep all these kids like wholesome and shit, but we all know kids are out there fucking. Well, Blossom fucked everybody. Was it Blossom fucking everybody or was yeah, it? Blossom was, they made fun of Blossom cause like, she made such a big deal out of having sex. Like, remember they did that Saturday Night Live skit where she was deciding to have sex <laughs> for like the 50th time? Oh yeah, I remember Gosh. that. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were talking about her friend Six. Six always seemed kind of like a little bit loose. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think Six lost her, her virginity way before the Blossom series started, I think. I think they started calling her 69 after a while. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was season four, episode nine. Oh, you guys are on fire remembering what season these things happen. Wait, I won't I won't Google it. I swear to God. What season does Blossom lose his her virginity? Oh God. I'm gonna say season two, and I swear to God I have not Googled it. All but right. I'm gonna say season two. I actually I was gonna go with season two as well. Okay. I feel sorry for Greg's web browser today. <laughs> This is my work VPN too. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Remember, didn't I blossom? Didn't she like her dad played the piano, and then her uh, her older brother like only showed up because he had a fucking drug and alcohol problem. Like that was his whole thing on that show. With Joey Lawrence? No, no, they had an older brother. Yeah. There was another brother? There was another oh, brother. There's an, he, he only showed up when they wanted to do something that dealt with like drugs and alcohol. And every time like he came into a scene, they had to mention like, you know, oh, I'm going to an AA meeting. I'll see you guys later. Yeah, exactly. Eldest brother and recovering substance abuser, Anthony. Anthony. Yeah. He, they only, I don't they, mean that at all. Oh, they just used him. They used him as like a very special episode kind of guy. Did you know that Natalie from the Facts of Life lost her virginity in season nine, episode sixteen in nineteen eighty eight? It took nine seasons? Well, it's Natalie, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Joe lost her virginity in like season one. Fucking Blair lost her virginity <laughs> in that fucking episode of different strokes before the fucking show oh, is yeah. greenlit. Oh what? my god, Mrs. Garrett lost her virginity too. Girls, girls. <laughs> There's a website dedicated to when all TV characters lose their virginity, and I'm I'm scrolling through to find when uh, when Blossom did. Oh God, Greg, we got to move on, bro. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm so, I'll let you know later if I find it. Is that okay? <laughs> totally fine. Give us the update. Oh, man. Oh, everybody. Uh, Ryan Drost, host of Star Joe's. He did a Kickstarter in the past for Stealth Hammer, his comic book. He, it's, it's launched again and we're really hoping to get it, uh, backed this time and funded. Um, so do a search for his comic book. If you backed it before, back it again. Uh, Stealth Hammer is an all ages comic that tells the story of Jamie Taylor. A teenage college student who finds herself part of a grand legacy of protectors in a world of high-tech gadgetry and 
supernatural mythology. We did a complete episode talking to Ryan about this comic book. Uh, just do a search on Google for, uh, I'm sure that's what Greg's looking at now. Um, just do a search on Google for, no, Greg's just looking up whenever, when, 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 when celebrities. When did Stealth Hammer lose his <laughs> When did, when did, Jamie, when did, when did Jamie Taylor, star of Stealth Hammer, lose her virginity? <laughs> Stealth Hammer? <laughs> that sounds like somebody you want to lose your virginity to. <laughs> yeah, he, he won't tell anyone. <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah, stealth. Just do a Google search for uh, Stealth Hammer Kickstarter, and uh, you can you can back this project. The comic looks amazing, and uh, Ryan Ryan's a great dude. We've had him on the show many times. Um, yeah, back this fucking comic. You can get it for digital. You can get a it print. It's not a very expensive thing to help out with. Just like a couple bucks, and you're helping Ryan out. Yeah, there you go. Um, definitely, no, definitely do it. Definitely do it. I haven't done it yet. I did it last time, but I haven't done it this time. I should have, like, I should have fucking done this already. Why the fuck? What am I dragging my feet for? What the fuck? Yeah, I'm gonna get the print and the digital. There you go. And you don't you don't pay until the Kickstarter is over and fully funded. So even if you don't have the money now. If you're going to have it in a month, you can help Ryan out. Yeah. Yeah. You fucking. Own that shit. The beats. new art looks great, too, this time around. The art looks fantastic. Got an email here. As Greg furiously looks for when Blossom lost her virginity. I, I did find confirmation that in an early episode, she debates letting her boyfriend go to second base with her. But I'm not going to count that. So I'm still looking. Oh, fuck. I want you to look up. Did <laughs> Blossom was Blossom was an amazing show. I mean, I'm just going through one after the other. My God, there were a lot of very special episodes. Did Webster? Yeah, I was. I was. On. I'm not going to lie. I, I've been reading the Blossom wiki myself for the last five minutes. They had a fresh Prince of <laughs> Bel Air crossover. <laughs> Did Emmanuel Lewis as Webster ever lose his virginity? Ooh, gosh, I'm not, not as Webster. Oh, I'm sure Emmanuel Lewis fucking lost his virginity. <laughs> Got an email here from, um, oh God, I don't know if he wants me to read this, but I, I, I really loved this email and it came from Sean Tolley. Um, Sean, don't hate me for reading this. Um, he goes, hi, Brian. Uh, I just want to let you know how amazing your podcast can be. I've spent many years now listening to Pete, uh, listening weekly and always hearing stories and emails from people who are going through a tough time in life and have PCL to take their minds uh, off anything troubling them. Last week, I lost a best friend in a freak drowning accident. And my it's weekly, awful. yeah, it's terrible. And my weekly routine has been completely flipped on its head. I haven't listened to PCL since I found out the news of my friend, but I found myself for the first time in the situation of needing something to get my mind off the sadness of the funeral and not having him with us anymore. I listened to the most recent episode and I was instantly shocked by the smiles and laughs I got from the first 10 minutes of banter alone. Hearing you and Jake really did take me away from the pain of the loss of my friend. And it's a credit to you. The power of your podcast has to be able to do this. I finally understand what other people have meant in previous episodes when they mention how PCL has given them some moments of laughs and enjoyment through tough times. It's amazing what you have created. Please never stop. P.S. Do you happen to know when Blossom lost her virginity? 
in the show. <laughs> <laughs> I, ironically, ironically enough, Sean, we have somebody on it right now. I think we have two people on it. I keep getting distracted by other blossom backs. <laughs> I do too. What if what if we blossom found, saw some shit? Let's just say that. What if we found out like blossom lost her virginity from two guys? Would that blow your fucking mind? No, like no, Not like. Really. Dude, that would fuck a sitcom, a sitcom character, and she lost it from two guys. You're that would you? Would, oh, fuck off, fuck! I would that would blow my goddamn mind if she was being fucking. Both holes were being stuffed. It was double stuffed blossom. That would blow my fucking mind. Double stuffed blossom. <laughs> I would that, if it was double stuffed blossom, it would blow my mind. That would blow my mind if they tackled that in 1992 or whatever the fuck. That would blow my goddamn mind. And, and nothing. And, and nothing. <laughs> you know, do you know why six was called six? Mm. It's the number of beers her father drank to get her mother pregnant. What oh, the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, dark, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I I might do a Blossom Rewatch podcast. Greg, I would and, like to join you for that. All right, there we go. Oh, my God. That's incredible. I, I think all the episodes are on Hulu or Amazon or something. I don't know. They're out there. I fucking know they are. You know what I started? <laughs> you know what I started when I had that week off? You know what I started watching? <laughs> Oh, let's hear it. Benson. Oh, my, <laughs> oh my God. God. <laughs> I'm telling you, fucking Robert Guillaume. Fuck, Benson's a funny fucking show, man. That's a funny fucking, it's a, it's a funny fucking show. <laughs> and I started, I started watching Perfect Strangers. Of course, I've still been watching Family Matters, but man, I love, there's, I'm telling you, man, sometimes I just need these fucking old sitcoms to make me feel good. You know what I mean? People write in. Sean, thank you for that amazing fucking email, by the way, man. But you're, you're writing in and you're like, you know, you know, thank you and you guys helped me through this hard time. Well, you know what's help, what helps me through the daily grind? At old episodes of Benson. <laughs> does Benson have a notable theme song? It, it does. Like, as soon as I heard it, like, I hadn't heard it since I was a kid. It's just like this music and shit. But, like, he's walking onto the property of the governor's house. Like, you know, like, I love how, like, these old shows, like, they show you, like, the fucking, like, uh, uh, the setup of the whole show in the fucking theme song. Like Perfect Strangers is notorious for it. You see the whole fucking thing played out. You see right. like a cousin Larry fucking leaving New York and driving to Chicago for his new job. It's gonna it's be every, out. Every episode is somebody's first episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. And the, and then Balky's leaving the island of Meepos and saying goodbye to his family and all this shit. And you see the whole <laughs> America fucking or thing. burst. America or burst. Oh my god! <laughs> you see. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> talk about an iconic theme song. This, we are 52 fucking minutes into this and we haven't, we haven't done a goddamn thing. Yeah. How do you like that segment, bitch? <laughs> yeah. Get ready for this episode. <laughs> Pop culture leftovers presents garbage. I think, I think that guy hit stop a long time ago. <laughs> I think he's looking right, for the You're going to love this. Did you know CNC Music Factory did a guest appearance on Blossom? 
CNC Music Factory is mastery and oh, I don't, I'm now just <laughs> quoting their song. They did. That is amazing. <laughs> there was also an Alf appearance in an episode. Oh my god, that's I did know that. It was a crossover, wasn't it? Yes. You guys, you need to get off the fucking Blossom Wiki. What, what <laughs> we, I love about that is if you think about it, Blossom had a legit fucking encounter with a. A fucking alien and life just went on the next episode. Never came up again, never came up in conversation. She had an interaction with a it fucking might creature been... from another planet. I wonder if that's where she lost her virginity. <laughs> <laughs> did, uh, dude, the dude that played Willie like recently died, but did you see those fucking tabloid pics where he was sucking dick for drugs? Wait, no. he, what character is this? Willie. Willie! Willie, the Blossom? guy. Willie, no, dude, Alf's Willie, dad. Alf. The... Oh, didn't he allegedly? Did you say Alf's dad? Well, Alf's adoptive father. He's not his dad. He just lived with him. He's like a fucking. He didn't. Willie, hey, dad. He never called him dad. I mean, it's like a pet, right? Alf is like a pet, basically. Well, he ate cats. I mean. Whoa. But didn't didn't I, allegedly? Because <laughs> if I'm wrong, I feel really Alf. bad. Didn't that guy get busted for um, child pornography? Probably. I don't know. I'm not Googling this. But <laughs> no, I, I'm dude, not I know he was <laughs> – dude, I know he was – they fucking – there's tabloid pictures of fucking the dude that played Willie and he, he was sucking dick for drugs, man. He was like doing like crack and heroin and shit. Well, I mean, you know, he must have really wanted that crack and heroin or he loves dick. I don't know. One of the two. I think he liked both, man. It was a twofer, you know. <laughs> Okay. Hey, um, (laughs) (laughs) Willie enjoyed sucking some Willie. Anyway, yeah, that went over. Um, oh, he died. Yeah, he just died, uh, less about a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, they had to, they had to pull the dick out of his mouth. (laughs) Strangely, in his Wikipedia page, there's no reference at all to him sucking dick for crack, so I'll have to do that. It's fucking true. It's fucking true, dude. I've seen the fucking, like, I've seen the tabloid pictures. I don't think, I don't think there's tabloid pictures of him sucking dick, but there's tabloid pictures of him, like, out on the street and shit, doing crack. On the section that's personal life, it's basically like he just died. Yeah, yeah it's, there's no there's no bullet point that said suck dick for crack. Yeah, no reference. But you gotta you gotta you gotta Google it, man. Yeah, you gotta. I mean, do- Wiki, Wikipedia is open source. I might just add that bullet point now and see if anybody changes it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once suck dick for crack. He totally source. Pop culture leftovers. We're gonna th- we're gonna take we are gonna take a we are gonna take we are gonna take a break and we're gonna come back and we're gonna come back w- with the real answer. Did he suck dick for crack? <laughs> You'll have to find out in the next episode. <laughs> for some people, the next episode is like right now. For some people, they just hit stop and they'll they'll come back. To it, you know. Later in the week and listen to all right, we'll be right back.
welcome back. Welcome back. Hey, Greg, did you find anything else out? <laughs> I actually did. Um, oh, I'm, I'm so shocked. Is, I'm, I'm yeah. shocked. <laughs> so when, when we, before the break, I think we were talking about a gentleman named Max Wright who played Alf's dad on the hit series Alf. Yes. And you claimed, Brian, that he quote unquote sucked dick for crack. <laughs> yes, I did. So that's, <laughs> so that's what I investigated. And I did find some corroboration on a website called Washed Up Celebrities that cited a, um, National Enquirer expose. And I'm going to rule, I'm sort of like, if I'm your fact checker, I'm going to say that what you said is mostly true. Okay. Um, okay. They did have an expose, um, after they acquired some homemade sex tapes showing this actor having, uh, and the translation on the site is a little rough, having smoking crack and having gay sex with random homeless men he had literally just met. Um, and in one of the videos, he is shown having a discussion with his lover regarding the best way to smoke crack and then later telling him that a homeless man who he just had sex with was hot. Wait. So I think it's likely that he did suck his dick, but there's no direct connection in what I'm seeing here between the sucking of the dick and crack. I think he just did it because he liked it. Oh, okay. So like I said, he smoked dick for crack. He but, did crack and he sucked dick. Oh, it was. It, uh, I don't necessarily know that he sucked dick for crack. Oh, shit. I well, think he sucked homeless people's dicks because of crack. And because, well, he just enjoyed both things from what I can see. Yeah. No, it was just like, that's like, like I enjoy, you know, on Sundays watching anime and maybe like, you know, baking a pizza. This guy likes to fucking yeah. smoke crack and suck a homeless guy's cock. I mean, it's, right. you know what I mean? And it does he, say, their own. yeah, it does say here that he would, he would go out twice a week, pick up homeless men, take them home and pay them $100 for sex, which in my judgment is well above market for that kind of service at that time. So you got to give him some credit. He was really generous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that, yeah. And in, in, a, in a world where people get stiffed for like tipping and stuff like that, he was going above and beyond. He was generous. Yeah. Very generous. Oh my God, this episode. <laughs> Sounds like Max Wright was a good tipper. <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't just the tip with Max Wright <laughs> is what I hear. Um anyway, oh, real quick before we jump into good pop bad pop, um I've got a a fact here that I wanted to share to everybody, uh share with everybody. Um I found out this week that Netflix has over 5500 titles. And if you wanted to watch everything on Netflix, it would take you four years, two months, and eight days. Wow. To watch everything on Netflix. And that's straight. With no breaks. I know that's going to upset one of our listeners. But yes, if you just listen to it straight <laughs> with, with, with no breaks, it's four years, two months, eight days. It's insane. The last thing I would watch would be Stranger Things season three. Oh, you're such a cunt. <laughs> such a- <laughs> it really is a wonderful season. It's you a fucking, have to watch it. It's yeah. a it's a fucking no. Jake's out on it. The more people love it, the more he's gonna fucking hate it. The more he's gonna fucking hate it. It's just how it is with Stranger sucks, Things right now. Don't do. Did it. you say it sucks, Quentin? No, I'm just kidding. I no. just want you to watch it. Oh, that's not going to encourage me. You're missing Rose, who's one of the great characters on the show right now. Right. Don't even try to convince them. It'll never happen. 
Is it Jake? Jake, you're so out. I don't even want you to watch Strangers. You don't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> I might, I might check it out when four is about ready to come out. You know, you don't know. Yeah, I know you started it and you're like, nah, 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 nah. you didn't, you were, I did. I watched it. two episodes. Oh, ooh, ooh. You, you were very judgmental. I'm sure the entire time. Well, of course. You're, 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 you're basically that guy at that table, change my mind, holding that sign the entire time watching season three. Change your thing, season two suck. Change my mind. Watching. <laughs> Except I don't want anyone to change my mind. <sighs> All right, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you gave me an opening to rip on Stranger Things season three. I couldn't help myself. Who brought, did that? Did I bring it up? Well, you said talking about watching everything on Netflix and all the content on Netflix. Oh, and then you brought it up, and I defended it, and we went down that path. Okay. All right. It's a wonderful season, season three, Jake. You're wrong. You're wrong. Most times I sit here and I say, like, yeah, everybody, I value everyone's opinion. It's your opinion. You're wrong, sir. I have no opinion on season three. <laughs> my, my my stance is that season two was so awful. I didn't want to watch the series. Oh, you're crazy! You're out of your goddamn. Mind. No, you did. You did. You did say that you didn't like the start of season three. Oh yeah, but I I'm not judging the season as a whole. Maybe it gets better. Oh man. Anyway, let's move on here. Um, we oh we have been joined by somebody because we're going to talk about something here in a moment, real quick. Daniel Hepner, welcome. Hey, uh, that was hard to stay muted throughout all that. Uh, was that on air beforehand, talking about uh, the guy from ALF? Yeah, we were talking about him. I, I mean, oh, I yeah. Well, fuck it, man. Like, why not? Oh, just what a story to have to stay silent on. That was incredible. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure he... I I I, I remember fucking hearing about him sucking sucking dick and smoking crack. And, and there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with either of them. No, I mean, you know... Like the whole paying homeless people for it is probably not a best practice, but no, the act in and of itself is dead. no no objections on my end. Oh, I'm just going to say that absolutely not, absolutely not. You know. Anyway, he's dead right now. Rest in peace, Max. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what a tribute we gave to him. This wow. <laughs> <laughs> That yeah. money goes a long way. This whole episode, I'm gonna put like in remembrance. <laughs> I'm gonna dedicate. Yeah, so yeah, you know how like there's always that idea in philosophy of like the last na- time your name will ever be uttered. Like, what if this was his? Max, right? Oh yeah, talking about yeah. I'm, I'm, if I had to give the eulogy at his funeral, I don't know. I don't know what I would have, uh, probably awkwardly would have came up that he was sucking homeless guys' penises. Yeah. Is this true? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, real quick before That's we jump into like some of the good, oh, let me play the good pop, bad pop thing. Let's jump in. Let's, let's get into the segment. You guys, are you ready to dive into the segment? Got my seatbelt on. All right. All right. Time for good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop. Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. I I just kept thinking, like, if this is your first time listening, I am so fucking sorry. 
I am so fucking sorry. <laughs> Listener for life, I, I bet. Oh, bullshit. This is fucking terrible. Here's the rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Real quick, I did you guys get to watch the Bill and Ted Face the Music second trailer? Yeah. I did, yes. No. What the fuck are you doing? He's sucking dick for crap. What the fuck are you? (laughs) Who didn't watch it, Jake? I did not watch it, no. Why the fuck did you not watch this thing? But someone else um, also did not. I don't know. I didn't even know of its existence, I don't think. Oh, my God. Who who else didn't watch this? Me. I have no, you don't count. You're barely on this one. Exactly. You know, like uh, the beginning of a show where they're like, uh, also starring. This is all, this is, you're an also starring. You're like a cameo in this one. Oh yeah, I gotta walk on two lines and I walk out. You're like fucking Daniel Craig in The Force Awakens on this one. <laughs> oh, he's a stormtrooper? Like Alphon Blossom. I didn't know that. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I love, I, what'd you think, Greg? Uh, look, I'm just gonna say, I am to Bill and Ted kind of what you are to Jurassic Park. I fucking love anything that yeah. Bill and Ted do. I've shown the Bill and Ted movies to my kids and we laugh our balls off. Um, so I, I loved the first trailer and I loved the second trailer. The one thing that jumped out to me though, there were some very quick shots of what appears to be hell, I think, cause it's right after they show death and I was kind of, impressed by the production value <laughs> so i i loved it i loved the second trailer i would probably love anything bill and ted but i'm gonna tupperware the second trailer i'm really looking forward to this movie i'm gonna jump in i fucking loved it tupperware the fuck out of the second one i the second trailer it's fantastic i loved it it looks and that's the thing it's like i think people forgot i think people forgot how good alex winter and keanu reeves are together and like just them as Bill and Ted talking with one another. Cause we didn't get a lot of that in the first trailer. And it's like, they definitely saved a lot for yeah. the second one. Oh yeah. They, they saved, they saved death. They saved the daughters. They saved a lot. And I was really impressed by the second trailer. I thought it was very, very well done. And, um, we still haven't seen any of Beck Bennett and I, I think it was Larry Mayday. I was talking to him. Uh, through Facebook Messenger or something, and he and he said, and if it wasn't Larry, I apologize. But he was like uh, talking about how uh, Beck Bennett from SNL is playing Deacon, Ted's younger brother, and he thinks that Ted's younger brother is going to be the one that's married to Missy in this one. Oh. Because when you – I was listening to you guys when you talked about the first trailer mm-hmm. and when you were predicting who Missy was married to and I was saying death, death, death and you said death and I thought you were right on. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back your prediction but that would be – I think it would be hysterical if she ends up being married to death I, myself. I think that she's going to be with Deacon. I, I, I'm going with Larry now. I'm flipping sides. I, I'm going with Larry. I think she's going to be with Deacon. Bill's younger, I, Bill, uh, Ted's younger brother. 
I just think it would be funny if Bill and Ted go to hell and death is there and they see Missy and she's like, oh, hey, boys, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Quentin, did you see this? Yeah, I saw the trailer. I'm going to have to Tupperware, too, because kind of what you said, I love like the way that it seems like they don't even skip a beat. I mean, I know that they're going to have their children in this and everything, but the way that they're – their daughters were acting in like the trailer. I could tell that this is going to be just so much fun to watch. Oh, it looks like it's going to be so much fun. I was, I, I so, you know, the comic con at home happened and first off, I'm going to give comic con at home. <laughs> I'm going to give it a, the lowest of taste. It's, I thought it was terrible. I thought it was Agreed. terrible. Um, but you know, I did love the bill and Ted stuff. Um, but I, I, then I've started, I started like, I love Alex Winter and I was, uh, Kevin Pereira of G4, uh, used to do a podcast. I don't know if he's still doing it at all. And if he does, it's just on Patreon. But, uh, Kevin Pereira, who used to host <clears throat> Attack of the Show, used to do the Pointless Pod. And one of the last episodes he did was with Alex Winter. And so I went back and I listened to it and, and he was talking a little bit about Bill and Ted and, and it was just really interesting. I, Alex Winter just fucking like he hasn't acted. He, re, he, have, he kind of like, um, uh, retired from acting back in like 92 is what he said. And he's just been doing a lot of like producing and directing since then mm-hmm. documentaries and stuff. He did, um, I don't know if you've ever seen Deep Web. It's fantastic. Um, I highly recommend it. And, and he's just been doing documentaries since then. But man, he's fucking, he's a smart motherfucking guy. And it's so wild to hear his regular voice in an interview and not the fucking Bill voice that he does. <laughs> so yeah, love fucking Alex Winter. Anyway, let's move on to our first thing that we're really going to talk about here in Good Pop, Bad Pop. And this is why we brought Hepner on. Because Hepner last minute is like, hey, can I get on the episode? It's like, dude, dude, you're telling me about this fucking like three days before I, re- a week before I record? Hepner, I, you know what, Hepner though, I'll do this for you. I'll do this for you. I'll have you on for this though. I would only do it for you. I appreciate that a lot, man. <laughs> I mean, if you said no, it would have been, you know, what you gonna do? Them's the rules. Uh, uh-uh. no, I had to have you on. You're my fucking, you're my, you're my Transformers brother in arms. So we had to talk about Transformers Siege. This dropped on Netflix on Thursday as the Autobots and Decepticons ravaged their planet. In a brutal civil war, two iconic leaders emerge in the Transformers universe's origin story. Transformers War for Cybertron. Trilogy. This first started out as a toy line by Hasbro that was announced back in 2018. Uh, following the conclusion of the Prime Wars trilogy animated series that was on um, Go 90, uh, and after Machinima closed, this uh, they they announced this this uh, partnership with uh, Netflix. Um, and it's going to be produced by Rooster Teeth alongside AllSpark Animation and Polygon Pictures. And the first set of six episodes that we got is called Siege. Now, if they go by the toy line, the second set of six episodes, and it's going to be six episodes per parts of this uh, trilogy, the second is going to be called Earthrise if they go by the toy line, and then the third part will be called Kingdom. 
So, and it looks honestly like, I don't know if they're going to go by the toy line, but it looks like the story has veered from, at least from what I've read, it, it's kind of veered from like where the toy line went, where that story went. So anyway, um, Transformers, see, who watched this? I binged the whole fucking thing on Thursday in the morning. I like, I killed it. All six episodes. They're only like 23, 24 minutes a piece. And I just burned through it on fucking Thursday. Thursday afternoon for me. Yeah, I'm through five. Yeah, I just watched two episodes. You late? I have not seen Transformers yet. Jesus Christ. Jake, I was planning on watching it on Friday, and then ended up having some unexpected. Go, you go sit in the corner. You I go, will. I will go sit in the corner and think about Jesus. I will research more Blossom. Yeah, no, no, don't. That's the last thing I want you to do. <laughs> I want you to look up more, find out more about Willie from Alf. Um, Quentin, you watched two episodes. What'd you think about Transformers Siege? Um, the big thing is, do you want me to rate it first? Dude, you, you can talk about it and rate it. You can rate it right out of the gate. You can do whatever you want, man. Okay. I think, uh, for sure, I'm just going to give it a taste it. Um, I know that there's obviously four more episodes that I need to watch to get like the full story, but, um, being that it is, I, I didn't grow up with Transformers the same way you guys did. My big um, thing with Transformers was the Michael Bay film. Sorry. So, like, getting back into um, what seems like a step into what they used to be is what I felt with this show. Um, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, I, I could tell that that I needed to do a little more research, I guess, in terms. Like, I feel like this... This show felt like it was good for people who were well in depth with, uh, the Transformers that, you know, you guys grew up with. Um, and so it, it didn't leave me like confused or anything. I just, I felt like I was missing something when I was watching this, but also I, I just, I miss Peter Cullen's voice. Um, and I knew that he wasn't reprising his role as, uh, Optimus Prime. So, but the action looked great. I, I really like the action in the second episode, but yeah, I'm just going to give it a taste of for right now. Yeah, the Michael Bay movies aren't confusing at all. They're just so, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> They're not confusing at all. All the MacGuffins and all the lore and all the history, and it's just, it all makes perfect sense. So yeah. And all the action you can't see either. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, the shaky cam is perfect. <laughs> so mm. I taste it from Quentin. Uh, Greg, five episodes. You got one more left. What are you thinking, man? Yeah. So just a few things. I mean, um, I love, love the G1 designs. Um, just takes me right back. I actually think the animation style overall is really fantastic. I think it's a beautiful looking show. Um, I really was interested in the portrayal of Optimus Prime. This is like a slightly more fanatical Optimus Prime. Everybody around Optimus is begging him to surrender and he won't do it. Um, one of the things I wrote to, to your point, Quentin, Peter Cullen, huge loss. Yes. Um, you know, we're, we're dealing with probably a more nuanced take on Optimus Prime than we've ever had. And I just needed that voice. Um, I realized that other people have portrayed Optimus in different iterations of the show. But with this, at least as far as I can tell, somewhat 
slightly different take on Optimus. I really, really needed his voice. I was trying to hear his voice in my head. Um, felt like a great jumping on point. I actually thought, you know, having missed some of the recent Transformers stuff, like there, there were these little webisodes, I think, recently that I didn't catch. But I thought it was a fairly straightforward um, jumping on point. I, I also love the designs. I know you mentioned the action, Quentin. Because the designs are so blocky, there were times in some of the episodes for me where the action felt a little clunky, almost like these big blocky things just kind of knocking into each other. Um, I'm going to overall say it's a high taste it through five five episodes. Um, I would say that if Peter Cullen was doing the voice work, it would be an immediate Tupperware. But it just it's it's been very hard for me to get past that, and I realize that's probably unfair. Somebody will have to do this voice going forward, other than Peter Cullen. But um, it was it was a tough loss. So high tasted for me. I'm going to jump. Oh, go ahead, Dan. I can actually tell everybody why Cullen didn't do the voice for it because it was a non-union job. Ah, uh, well, all right. Well, I give the guy credit for standing standing his ground there. Yeah, I, I'm going to say something controversial. I'm going to jump in here real quick. I I love Peter Cullen. Like that's that's Optimus Prime, but I didn't miss him in this series. I thought whoever I I don't know who voice acted fucking Optimus. I think they did a great fucking job in this. That's just my opinion, though. I, I didn't miss Peter Cullen, to be quite honest with you. Like, and it's the first time ever of watching something where he didn't voice the character that I didn't miss him. Right. Uh, that's just my opinion, and like, I'm diehard Peter Cullen. I fucking love Peter Cullen. Um, I uh, this is as far as this series is concerned. I like. When we're back on Cybertron, I mean, I have never seen the Autobots so fucking beat up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ever. That was something I noticed too with it. And, and not only just the Autobots, but I mean, if you look at all of the characters, even Decepticons, look at Megatron. He's got like battle scars, you know, scratches and dents and, and, uh, you know, holes in his, in, in, in his, like, you know, in, in the metal in his, in his body armor and stuff like that. It's just, it's, just, it's insane to see all this, but like the Autobots themselves are in such a terrible position and they're just so low on Energon and they're trying to get the arc, um, you know, operational. And, um, I loved, Oh my God. I loved how they, you see both sides of Autobots and Decepticons and it's not harmonious. And I'm not saying like it wasn't in G1, but like this gets very much more kind of like into like the, I guess like the Autobot and Decepticon politics of everything. And you see that both sides are unhappy with their leadership and I, even just, oh, I don't know, Hepner, for you, did you notice like when like, you know, Thundercracker and shit like that transformed on Cybertron, how they looked exactly like they weren't the Jets. They were, they looked exactly how they did in the G1 cartoon. I was like, they really paid attention to detail, like their Cy- Cybertronian um, transformations and how they look. Yeah, it's, it's referred to as the Tetra Jets, I believe, in lore. But yeah, it's that old, the old school, like they're a weird pyramid triangle thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and even Wheeljack, we saw him transform there for like a split second, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, did we, oh, or maybe I'm thinking, did we see him? I feel like we saw him for like a split second transformed. We saw Optimus and he was still like a yeah. space truck, basically. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, it's a thing of like, they did a good job of paying attention to like, 
Okay, who in G1 did we see in their Cybertronian form? Okay, they need to look closer to that. And who did we not see in their vehicle mode on Cybertron before they came to Earth? All right, we can just do what they would normally look like for the toy line. Yeah, yeah. Um, I absolutely loved the kind of like how they changed up the relationship between Jetfire and Starscream on this. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like – I'm used to G1 where it was like they were Jetfire and Starscream were like, as far as I remember, they were friends. Yeah, they, they were scientists and yeah, explorers. Yeah, on Cybertron. And then like in this, they gave Jets, Jetfire and Starscream kind of like this Kylo Ren and, you know, General Hux relationship as as pertaining to like, you know, Palpatine uh, uh, in a Snoke, excuse me. And how they were kind of like vying for Megatron's, you know, um, you know, acceptance and shit like that. And they were kind of like battling each other. And, um, I, and then when they introduced, I guess I'm getting into a little bit of spoilers here, but it's fucking cool. You need to watch this. Was his name Sound Blaster, Dan? Yeah. The It was a clone of Soundwave. Mm-hmm. created by shockwave that went rogue <laughs> and i was just I, my mind was fucking blown when i saw sound blaster i was just like this was, is fucking so cool it was a good way of doing it because yeah sound blaster is just like the darker repaint of Soundwave from the toy line but he actually first debuted in the japanese follow of the original g1 because uh, Sandwave at one point in that season dies, and then he gets rebuilt or reformat somehow into Sound Blaster. So I'm, it was a good way of like paying homage to that and fitting it in there in a way. Because I'm sure, like he's shown up in other versions too, and I'm pretty sure in one of them he's been like a clone or something. So makes sense. I've never seen this fucking character before, and I thought it was fucking awesome. I, um, I loved the I, I loved the representation of like uh, Alita One. I thought it was cool. Um, oh man, I loved, I loved how they, Bumblebee, how he's, he, he, he starts off with zero allegiance, you know, and then, and then, and then we get an an Ultra Magnus that I never thought that we'd see. A very interesting Ultra Magnus. I thought that, and I think this, like, for me, I think it's a credit to, like, the writing and the story and how they did this that I didn't miss Peter Cullen's voice and how I didn't miss Robert Stack's voice as fucking Ultra Magnus. I just thought everything that they did here was pretty fucking, pretty fucking great. I, 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 I'm gonna give it a Tupperware. I fucking absolutely loved this whole season. And I can't wait for part two and part three. So I absolutely loved it. Hepner, what'd you think? Um, so it's a little bit more complicated for me because, I mean, there were things about the voice acting I liked and stuff that I didn't like. Now, I'm not a purist. I'm like other people play Peter Co- or uh, Optimus Prime, and I'm okay with that as long as it kind of fits the character that they're going for. And this version... It wasn't the voice itself that I had a problem with, but I felt like, and this is for a lot of characters in this, I felt like the voice acting was a bit stilted in places and for certain characters. Like, the Decepticons overall did a better job, I think, than the Autobots did in terms of just voice talent. And because, like, all the other Autobots, they all sound so gruff and gritty to where it's like, I don't even understand what you're saying in a couple seconds and moments here. So it felt out of character for that, but I guess 
they wanted to portray that as them being as against the ropes and up against the wall as they have been, as you were saying, Brian, which I appreciate. I like the fact of seeing that, like, they are very thoroughly and completely losing this war because it's a thing that, like, G1 and earlier versions never really did a good job of portraying, like, how bad the situation was on Cybertron. We've since, in more recent stuff, have had a much better like understanding of how one side of the war of at one point by the end of it was. But so it's good to have that on here. Um, I do think some, like you were saying, Brian, like the Starscream and Jetfire relationship was a really good change of pace for it. It still kept them as, uh, you know, a story together to a certain degree, but changed the dynamic of it from G1. They basically kind of shifted the Starscream Megatron contentious relationship over to Jetfire so that then they can probably set up for Starscream and Megatron later. Um, but I think uh, there was a lot of stuff that I liked, but there was some stuff I didn't like. Like, I'm not the hugest fan of the designs of them, simply because they are literally, they took the AutoCAD uh, schematics for the toys and just made the models off of that. So they're like 100% to the toy accuracy. Um, at times it was okay, but like you were saying, Greg, at times the action was a bit stilted and a bit clunky. And there's, I have a lot of that kind of, a lot of elements were kind of clunky throughout the entire thing for me. So I'm going to give it a overall, a taste it, you know, I'd like to give it at least a high taste it, but I feel like it, the issues I have with it are too numerous to be able to keep it that high up. I loved, honestly, I loved the action in this. I thought it was, at times it got fucking brutal as fuck. With some of these characters, um, uh, how they, you know, uh, you know, we got some, we got some characters that die in this. I mean, you know, and that's nothing different. I mean, we've seen that in, you know, in the animated movie for crying out loud, but like it is kind of brutal in this one. And then like, um, I love the, when the seekers are going after their old leader and, uh, and we got like that, uh, kind of like top gun fucking, Fucking, you know, jets and flying around and fighting each other, jet fight. I thought that that was awesome. And, um, another thing that I really loved about this one is, and I knew exactly what was going to happen. And I was like, Oh my God, they're going to do it. They're going to fucking do it. When Optimus Prime went to go talk to the guardians, I knew like, if you, if you're a fan, yeah. of G, if you're a fan of G1, you, you knew exactly who the guardians were mm-hmm. and you knew exactly you know, like who possibly could show up at the end of this thing to maybe help out, you know, with, with, with the, with the Autobot cause. And so I thought that that was a very fucking cool nod. I don't know. This, I, I binged this thing. I, I had a blast watching it and I can't wait for more. I thought, I, I absolutely, I absolutely loved it. And I think the actor that voiced Starscream did a fantastic job. Yeah, he did a great job. And he's the same guy who did it through the uh, Prime Wars trilogy, I'm pretty sure. Because I'm pretty sure, like, he and Megatron are the same voices. Mm. I'm almost certain of those two. I don't know about anybody else, <laughs> per se, but mm. I know those two were. Yeah. I, yeah I, they did a great job. I really enjoyed this. I had a lot of fun with it. So. Yeah. And, like, I will say, because I was a little negative on it, some things I really did love was, like, like they hint at but don't – go all the way in. And something I really wish they would have done was put the timeline on this further back. So we kind of see like 
Megatron as the miner and him seeing the plight of the lower class who are designated as miners and basically slave labor. And then going from that and then to the Kaon pits and the gladiatorial arenas to then starting this political movement. Because it's something that, that various versions in more recent times have talked about. And we never really get to see flushed out except for like in the comics. And something I'd love to see in animated form but i'm glad they talked about that and they gave a lot more nuance to megatron as a character instead of just being this violent tyrannical despot he's you know he started this thing as a political movement as reformation and when reformation didn't come we'll look at what's going on in some places of the country and the world still today shit gets violent and he already had seen how bad it can be so he rose up and started a war over it I really like that. I'm glad that they keep that origin for Megatron true. And it's one of the more recent, it's one of the more in-depth times they've at least even talked about it. Really. They, dude, I 100% agree with you that they should have went further back. I, I loved what we got here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that I didn't, but I think that they, dude, if you're, too, if I think you're 100% right that they should have went further back. Like I want to see, I want to go back to that beginning. Yeah. And like it's, this, well, it's too late now. Not- it's hold on. Yeah. It's too late now. Once you start with this, it's a little too late. They should have started there. They should have started there. Those gladiatorial matches, like that shit that was fucking teased when in, in the last uh, Go ninety, the uh, the machinima fucking shit that came out when we saw. Megatron, you know, beating the shit out of the Constructicons, you know? Exactly. And like, that's the kind of gladiatorial shit that he, that he likes that, man. He fucking likes that. He just, he's a fucking bruiser. He just, he's a badass. He just like, that's the kind of shit. Of course I would have loved to have seen that shit, but. And it's good stuff. Cause you like, that's where he meets Soundwave. That's where he meets, I think, Blitzwing. That's where he meets a, like a number of people who are, you know, main characters in the Decepticon army later on. So yeah. it's like, it'd be really cool to see that introduction. Yeah, but to do that now would be bullshit after yeah. they after they finish yeah. this. It's like, they should have started there. And I agree, I agree. with you. That, that should have been this first season, and what we got should have been season two. Yeah, I agree. I fucking loved it. I, fu- I, I did. I did. I had a blast watching this. I don't know. I, I thought, I, I liked the animation, and... Uh, I don't know. I thought the action was fun and, and, um, I, a lot, what really worked for me, I loved how they used jet fire. I loved how they used jet fire in this. And, um, yeah, he's become a real, like, standout character in recent years because he was gone for a long time after G1 and then the movie, he was in the second one, but like, he's really in the last, Six or so years become like a bigger player throughout a lot of stories. Was he called? Iteration. Was he called Skyfire in the comics? Yeah, but yeah, there was a copyright thing. I that's think. What I thought. And yeah. Daniel, I had Jetfire when I was a kid. Was that like a Robotech toy that they read? Yep. Yeah, I thought so. Cross. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you watch the the toys that made us episode, they actually talk about that. Oh, got it. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Right. But we'll say, despite being kind of lukewarm on it, I am excited to see where we go. I am excited still for seasons two and three of this. Yeah. Well, part two is going to be, if it, if it follows the toy line, it'll be called Earthrise and then part three will be Kingdom. So we'll see. We'll see. Everything I see, like I was looking it up, everything I see, yes, does hint that that will be what the names are. Everything I see becomes a Tootsie Roll to me. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you remember those commercials? 
<laughs> oh, I do. The train became a goddamn Tootsie Roll. I, everything, everything, everything I see becomes a Tootsie Roll to me. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Weird. It's a weird Midas touch right there. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I wonder if the dad for now said Tootsie you. Rolls when he was stuck in dish. God damn it. God damn it. Those, those cocks turned into Tootsie Rolls. That's exactly where I was going. That's where I was going. <laughs> that was my next stop. Jake was talking about Look trains. Jake was talking about trains. My next stop was that, was that fucking Willie second yeah. on that Tootsie Roll dick. Tootsie Roll or Tootsie Roll <laughs> How many licks does it take to get to the center of one? Uh, no, everything I see becomes any. <laughs> if you want to see that commercial right now, I'm going to try to Google that one. Uh, it's fun. It's fun. Like, uh, our, our millennial listeners, like Quentin, has no idea what the fuck we're talking about right now. Totally nope. lost. Right over my head. Right over right your over head. head. Right over your head. <laughs> Uh, Quentin, did any did any people you watched on sitcoms as a millennial end up sucking dick for crack, or is that just to Gen X that happened? You know, I heard a stint with George Lopez a while ago, but that's it. Not much humor there. Nope that that fell real flat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Quentin, I'm so glad you could join us for this one. Um, yeah. I'm fucking with you. Hepner, Hepner, Hepner. Yep. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. I'm glad, no, I'm glad that you could take the time to be on this episode. I wouldn't do this for just anybody because this opens the doors. This opens the doors. This opens the doors for anything. Oh, I like this. So now I want to be on this episode. But Hepner, you're the only person I do this for. No one else. Yeah, do a do a podcast with them, and then maybe they get an opportunity at the same. That's true. I did a I did a Transformers podcast with Hepner. If you if you do a podcast with me, th- then you'll get this you'll get this special treatment. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I do appreciate because I know you have two extra people on, so that's a lot to corral. So I do appreciate me uh, letting me on for this brief time, dude. I had another person wanting to be on this week and talking about Transformers, and I had to say no to that person because, uh, like, uh, it was, it's just getting too crowded. It's getting too crowded. It's it's like yeah, it's no, like absolutely. it's it's like the dad from Alf, you know, and he's in a room and there's like there's so many dicks. He just doesn't know too much the, dick. Too much dick. He doesn't <laughs> too much. Too much, too much dick. Too many. Too many crack pipes. Oh my god. <laughs> Where do you even start? <laughs> Where do I start? Oh my god. Alf's in the corner eating cats. <laughs> Blossom's doing crack. This is like a weird version of Cats in the Cradle all of a sudden. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Different meaning to Silver Spoon. <laughs> So, oh yeah, silver spoons. <laughs> I get it because you use a spoon to heat up the heroin and inject it in your. All right, thank guys. Hepner, thank you. Thank you. Hey, Hepner, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me on the Leftover Army podcast feed uh, with the podcast Leftover Army Monsters, giant podcast all out attack. Every week we talk about something kaiju related, movie or TV. There you go, people. Leftover Army Podcast. Oh my God, you guys are fucking killing it. You guys are killing it. And I'm telling you, you know who else is killing it? The fucking Nerdaholics guys. Lenny and Mark. They're do on the Leftover Army Podcast. Yep. They're doing What's Your Story? And they're talking to different people in the Leftover Army. And they're, they're just asking people, What's your story? And talking to different members of the Army. I've, I've been listening to these. I, I listen to Stephen Farshit. I listen to Kay Hotty. Um, I listen to Amanda Albers. I listen to AJ Simons. I didn't even know AJ Simons. 
who the fuck is this guy? But I'm listening to this guy. He's, he's a fucking listener of, uh, of PCL, Jake. This guy's out of England. Young kid out of England listening to us and shit. So I'm listening to What's Your Story with Lenny and Mark. Those guys are doing a great. I, I love it. I love this fucking community. I love this fucking community. I love this community when they don't tell me how to run my fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> still when you're at their best still fine for that off mic producer role oh man that off mic producer jesus christ what what the fuck what honestly like i'm not trying to say i'm not but i i, I put a lot of work into this fucking thing Jesus Christ, off mic producer. That might I still think that comment was not was an ultimate troll job. I don't think that person seriously uh, meant that. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of people. There's there's not a lot. There's a few people out there that are just like, Brian needs to hang it up and let Jake take over the show. That's a that's a troll. People saying that are trolling you. Retiring yeah. from podcasts, all right. <laughs> no one really means that. Oh, I think they I think there's some people that do. <laughs> I don't buy it. There's not a single person that seriously said that and meant it. it oh, giant no, I, trolls. I guarantee I'm problem with Brian on this. There's always like one or two people that listen out of spite constantly just to be like riled themselves yeah. up. Like, yeah. oh, I can't believe Brian said this. Yeah, just stop. Just stop listening. Why are you doing this? I yourself? mean, but even that person is secretly enjoying Brian more. Right. Like Brian's still the main event even to that person. I know. I, oh, I, yeah, no. And I love the fact that I've dominated their lives so much that they have to fucking write oh, it yeah, in. You are, you are rent free. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh God. I get under people's skin, Jake. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's one of my favorite things to buy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I kind of cheered up a little bit there. I'm sorry. Hepner. <laughs> yep. You got to fuck off, buddy. No problem. <laughs> Hepner was here for 15 minutes, and I think he said four times more than Quentin has so far in his first hour and a half. <laughs> I mean, Jake, you know me. I love to talk even with nobody wants to hear it. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hey, hey, at least Quentin watched some of this. <laughs> what the yeah, fuck? Good point. You're over to good pop, bad pop. Babe. I did, I did while you were talking about Transformers watch the Bill and Ted trailer. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I watched the trailer while they were talking about the that's trailer. what, hey, that's what, that's what we can do. These episodes go on so long, Jake, that the shit that you didn't watch, you can just watch it while we do the episode and give us an update at the end of the show and tell us what you <laughs> fucking thought. Yeah, I mean, like the six episodes in total is only like a little over two hours. Yeah. Even that, so you can get the whole thing done and then report back before this episode's over. There you go. Brian, will you, will you produce that part of the episode while I talk about the stuff I caught up on? Oh God! Can, can we, uh, Hepner? Fuck off! And then we're gonna move. <laughs> All right, yeah, bye -bye. you guys have a good one. Thanks, Later. dude. Bye, Dan. Later, Dan. Later, dude. Oh man, guys, I watched. Um, I I finished. I finished uh, Vinland Saga, the anime on Amazon Prime. It's the Vikings anime yes. that I was talking about like earlier in this year, uh, earlier like last year and like this year, I finally finished it. I got through like episode 14 and I took like a huge break from it and there's 24 episodes I believe in the first season and so 
um, when we took the break, I watched the last 10 episodes. Jake, this is, this is fucking fantastic, man. This is, I, I tupper with the fuck out of this. I loved this anime so much. I loved it so much. And like, uh, Jake, I can't recommend this. More. And this is only on Prime. Huh? It's only on Prime. I don't know where it is internationally, but like, um, I have not been, it's not on Funimation or, 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 uh, Crunchyroll. It's, it's on Prime. And, um, I finished it and like, now I don't, I don't know what to do. It's like, oh my God, I finished Vinland Saga, all 24 episodes in the first season. It's like, so good. So fucking, I tupper with the fuck out of it. Jake, you gotta watch it. It's anime, it's Vikings, it's amazing. The fighting is incredible. Um. Yeah, the art looks really great. It says there's a lot of real historic tie-ins with what's going on in the show too, that it's not just complete like anime nonsense. It's, um, it's incredible. Watch it. Please do yourself a favor and watch this. You watch this young boy whose father was like a very, the strongest of like the Norse army and you, and you watch him you watch this young boy, um, grow up. His father is murdered right before him and he's literally, he's raised by the man that killed his father. And he always challenges this guy to a battle to the death. And this guy always entertains him and this guy always kicks his ass. And you, you, you watch this kid as he follows this guy around and, and, um, through all of these battles and wars and everything. And he just, he sticks around just so he can kill this guy and avenge his father. And that's really all I'm, all I'm going to say. It, it, this is just an incredible anime. I'm, is there a big cast of characters or is it like just that main character that you follow? The cast of characters grow as the show progresses. And then okay. the cast of characters also kind of gets smaller because shit gets real and people die. So, um, I tupper with a fuck out of Vinland Saga. Vinland Saga on Amazon Prime. I cannot say enough good things about it. I'm also going to talk real quick about, I finally got, Neil talked about this on a past episode. He watched Good Time on Netflix. And this is after a botched bank robbery, Lance's younger brother in prison, Connie Nikas embarks on a twisted odyssey through New York City's underworld to get his brother Nick out of jail. This is on fucking Netflix now. Oh, um, I love that movie. You've seen it, Quentin? Oh, yeah. Dude, I love that movie. It's directed by Benny and Josh Safdie, the Safdie brothers. They did Uncut Gems. Um, it stars Robert Pattinson. Benny Safdie actually is in this movie. Jennifer Jason Lee, Talia Webster, Buddy Duras. Um Quentin, I don't know about you, but I'm just going to tell everybody this is an absolute must watch. It's fucking incredible. Tupperware the fuck out of this. Like if you need anything, because I mean, I am so sick of everybody giving Robert Pattinson like trouble because he's did, you know, he's done all those Twilight movies and they're like, yeah, I can't see him being edgy at all. I mean, this this will answer it in like 30 seconds. Dude, he is so fucking good in this. This is it's on Netflix. There is no reason not to watch this movie now. 
it, it, I'm telling you, Good Time, it is a fantastic fucking movie. An amazing movie. It's, there's a bank robbery. Shit gets fucked up for him. The, I'm, t- oh my God. His, his brother is, is not, his brother is mentally disabled and he brings his younger brother on this bank robbery. The cops are after them. They're running and Robert Pattinson's getting away. His younger brother slips and falls and starts coming, you know, to uh, running after his brother, Robert Pattinson. So he's running, to, but he, he runs through a glass window and gets cut up and knocked out and hurt. So they take him to the hospital and, so now Robert Pattinson is wanting to break his brother out of, out of, um, this hospital and get him out of there. And, oh, no, oh, dude, no, you just, just, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. I'm actually jumping ahead in the story. Watch this, just watch Good Time. Just watch, <laughs> there's so much that goes on to this because his brother actually goes to prison and I'm, oh God. Just please watch Good Time on Netflix, everybody. It's fantastic. It's an absolute Tupperware. I fucking loved it. I'm jumping ahead in the movie. <laughs> I watched this last week and I fucking loved it. And then I went down like a Safety Brothers rabbit hole and I found another movie that they directed back in 2013 called Lenny Cook. And for those of you who don't remember this guy, back in 2001, Lenny Cook was one of the top ranked high school basketball players in the country. And there was a time, this is a documentary by the Safety brothers. There was a time when he was actually ranked higher than both Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James. Jeez. He was expected to be selected in the 2002 NBA draft, but he went unselected. And this documentary kind of, um, goes through like his fall from grace and how it happened. Um, I remember this guy. I remember this draft specifically. It was the draft with Yao Ming being taken number one and um, by the Houston Rockets. And then the number two pick, my Chicago Bulls selected Jay Williams, who was Jason Williams when he played for Duke. But the NBA already had a Jason Williams, so he decided to go by Jay Williams. Jay Williams, that's another tragic story. Wow, fucking an amazing point guard coming out of Duke. Plays one year for the Chicago Bulls and then buys a motorcycle, doesn't have a motorcycle license, and then he drives into a fucking, drives his motorcycle into like a fucking like telephone pole or some shit and fucking gets all injured and never can play basketball again. Like he tried out for teams and shit. After that, he tried, but he never was the same player. Fucking sucked, man. Cause like Jay Williams, Damn. Jay Williams, they fucking did like a fucking ESPN special on him right after he came out of college. Like that's the kind of college player this kid was. This kid was incredible. And he had, he had a decent season with the Bulls, but their coach at the time was Bill Cartwright and he was a center. And so he was more big man focused. I don't know. They, if you had a different fucking coach in there that knew how to fucking work with a point guard instead of just working with big men, they would have done better. I'm now I'm getting into eh, fuck. But anyway, this Lenny, this, 
this fucking this documentary is is fucking incredible. I watched it on Hoopla. Uh, and I think it's also on the Criterion channel, but you can like rent it on Voodoo or whatever the fuck. I Tupperware the fuck out of it. Um, I'm not going to talk about it too long, but, um, sounds really tragic. It's, it's, you, I remember, I remember, like, I remember watching the draft that night and Charles Barkley was talking about like how some of these young kids the year before in 2001, all the young kids were getting snagged, snagged up. Like, the number one pick was Kwame Brown straight out of fucking high school. Very unproven. Very fucking unproven. Kwame Brown really never turned into anybody. And I remember the 2000 NBA draft. Fucking Darius Miles goes number, what was it, number three to the Clippers? And Darius Miles really never, never turned into anything. They were just taking these young players because, like, you never knew who, like, the next Kobe Bryant was going to be. You know? You never know. Like, some of these high school players, you never know. Like, uh, I remember, oh, fuck. You know, some of these high school players that came out, you just never know. So they, they were taking them really young. And so in 2001, you had a bunch of high school players being snagged up really early. And then Lenny Cook, he was hearing like, hey, you know, you're going to, oh, you're going to get taken. You're going to get taken. You're going to get taken. The people that were fucking, they were telling him you're going to get taken in the NBA draft. The fucking first round goes by. He's not taken. First round is the only round where you get guaranteed money. Second round, nobody picks him in the second round. He goes undrafted completely. This doc, this documentary then chronicles like him, like, you know, six years, like, like, what was it? So 2002, then it goes to like 2006 or something like that. So you get to see him like four years later and it's like, he's living in Virginia with his mom and he's like put on all this weight. And it goes to 2012, 10 years later, eventually. And you just, you basically just see him and he's like, you know, still living at home and living in Virginia and, you know, 30 years old now. And, uh, you know, just one of these New York basketball players that never turned into anything. And it's really fucking sad, man. It's really fucking sad. He's like, I really wish I could go back and, you know, I would have done things differently. I, I would have went to St. John's. Right. He would have been able to play. He, he had college eligibility, and he 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 turned it down because he he had people whispering in his ears that you're you're gonna you're gonna get taken in the first round. You know this team's interested in you, and it didn't happen. It didn't happen. You know Amari Stoudemire was the first high school player taken, I think, that draft, and that was uh, he was taken at number nine by the Phoenix Suns. And uh, yeah, it's fucking it's tragic. Lenny Cook, Lenny Cook, fucking tragic. I remember, like, I remember at the end of that draft, Charles Barkley talking about how, like, you know, some of these young players, you know, they're hearing, they're hearing misinformation. And it's really sad. It's really sad when they give up their college eligibility and, uh, they never turn into anything after that. You know, not every player is going to be a LeBron James or, you know, a fucking, um, even Sean Kemp, Sean Kemp yeah. can, Sean Kemp fucking rain man came straight out of high school it, 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 it doesn't always happen so so brian yeah. i went to villanova and i'm not i'm not ripping on villanova it was a one it's a wonderful institution but even the guys that go to school and get a four-year degree you gotta think of it like they graduate from college and they go from being like basically a celebrity to being a regular dude in the span of days and it's really hard i mean i've seen it firsthand it's hard for a lot of these guys to process you know 
because uh, what do you do if you're not good enough to go to the NBA? You can go overseas and play, maybe. Yeah. I mean, back when I was in yeah. school 20 years ago, there were different options than today. But um, I, it's funny having lived through that. And again, I'm not, I'm not criticizing universities, but I'm fully for these guys getting paid because I've seen how much money these schools make on these guys, and I've seen what happens to them after they get out. And we're focused on the dudes that make a career out of this. 90% of them don't, and they get fucked. Mm-hmm. And you know, the schools make a mint off of what they do for them. And then they go on with their lives. And, you know, if you're, maybe they end up coaching high school ball. Great. But it's, um, it's really tough. It is. It is. They, they, they talk about that in this documentary. I think they've got, um, oh God, what's his, I can't, it is, um, the coach Fratello. Yeah. Fratello, the czar. He's talking about, he's talking to some of these like young players coming in to like this, uh, this tournament. And he's like, you know, he's talking to him about like how hard it is to get into the NBA, how many people try to get into the NBA. And like he gives he breaks down the percentage of like how like how difficult it is to get into the NBA. And um yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, you can go overseas and you can make some good money overseas. But, you know, I remember like, you know, some of the players like uh Khalid uh, Al-Amin. Yeah, Khalid Elamine. I'm, I live in Connecticut, so I know, yeah. Yeah, he played, he played for the Bulls for a couple seasons, mm-hmm. and then he went, I think he went, did he play in Turkey? I think he played somewhere in the Middle East, and I'm not stereotyping, I legit think he did. Um, yeah. So it might, it might have been Turkey or somewhere like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's rough. I know, like, and you got guys that stay all four years, like Mateen Cleaves, and then he gets, you know, he, go, he goes to fucking the Pistons, and then just, he's never the fucking point guard that, that he was, like, in college. You, you never know how these guys are going to translate. But here's the thing, it's like, how would Lenny Cook, how would he have, how would he have performed if somebody had, had drafted him? Could have been a completely different story. Or how could it, you know, how, what, what kind of player would he have turned into if he would have went to St. John's for one year? You know, and I think that's why in 2006 they kind of changed it where players can't come, you know, straight out of the NBA, uh, out of the, out of, out of high school and go straight to the NBA. Of course they waited until like they could get LeBron James. Right. Before they pass that. But, you know. I don't understand how something like that even happens. Like, is it just that one's, one team is supposed to draft him and he leaves the school early? And if that one team changes their mind, he's not on any other team's radar at that point? It's like bad advice from an agent, right? It's definitely bad advice from the people that are around you. Like he, he's hearing that, you know, like, here's the thing, Jake. It's like one team... One team is like, yeah, we're interested in Lenny Cook. And then it's up for their pick, but they did not expect that this other player would fall to them. So they're mm-hmm. like, they're like, um, yeah, let's go with this other guy. So they get the other guy. And then like, he might not have been on the radio for anybody else. I gotcha. That was the part that was confusing to me. It's just he's not being scouted by any other team and they're going to go with people that a lot of times names that they know. A lot of times teams pick for size too. A lot, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, we need a big man. We, we, I don't need a small forward. You know, you know, I need a big man. I need a power forward, a center. So a lot of times, you know, teams will just pick for size just to fill, you know, like a position. Like, I, I don't, I don't need a fucking small forward. We've got too many small forwards as it is. Like, why would we need another small forward? So I, you know, yeah. Let's move on. Lenny Cook, if you can rent this one, 
If you have Hoopla, watch it on Hoopla. If you have Criterion, watch it on Criterion. I, I Tupperware the fuck out of this documentary. I thought it was fantastic. And uh, I really felt bad for this guy. Really fe- felt bad for Lenny. Um, Quentin, you son of a bitch. You got me hooked on something. Not crap, and I'm not sucking dick. Okay. Like, oh, good, 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 good. You got, you got me, you got me, yeah, you got me hooked on some crazy delicious. Oh, right. You son of a bitch. You sent me a message, and you're like, "Hey, check out Crazy Delicious on Netflix." I knew you were coming on this week, so I was like, "Ah, let me, let me check out this fucking show, Crazy Delicious. It's one of these cooking competitions, you know." And um. I had heard you talk about it on the, on the Heroes of Noise podcast. What I did not know about this fucking show is the set design. And the, let me explain this. It's a cooking show. They have people on there and they give them like, uh, you know, like a task and ingredient that they're going to have to cook. They're going to have to make this and, and they have to do it in a very inventive way. But they're, the, the set. They make it look like an enchanted forest. And, and you're basically out in this enchanted forest. I love the set. You're out in this enchanted forest and you're like, you're picking out of this garden, like what you're going to use as ingredients for like whatever dish you're going to make. And then the judges of the show, they refer to them as gods and they make them dress in white and they have like real people in like the culinary world that are respected, that have their own restaurants or write their own blogs or whatever. Um, they're the judges of this cooking competition. And I started watching this and slowly but surely, Quentin, it sucked me the fuck in. And just yeah. some of the stuff that they make is just so bizarre. And right. go ahead, man, talk about this one because you were the one that fucking turned me on to this show. Yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, it's a big Tupperware. Like the whole season is fun. Um, I can't remember because it's been a while since I've I've watched it. I think when I sent it to you, I was probably like maybe three episodes in, but I finished it by then. Um. I think there's six episodes. There maybe are seven. six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, each episode is so interesting because I am just so excited to see what they come up with. And I mentioned on Heroes of Noise that they made uh, strawberry cheesecake boneless wings. <laughs> um, and like the guy who made that also made like a lobster mac and cheese like cake. And it's these crazy, crazy dishes that they come up with that is the reason why I keep watching it. Cause like, um, the big thing that they did was, uh, they would, they have like the host or announcer or whatever, um, tell you what the dish they're preparing and they'd show you like a little picture and you're like, well, how in the world are they going to actually make that into something edible? And you watch it being done. Like, I think it's cut so well. Everything is paced perfectly for a cooking show. And like I told you, I felt like it, took nailed it and just spun it on its head and just like, cause I mean, I know that you got me hooked on nailed it. So I'm glad that I got you hooked on crazy delicious. Yeah. I love this show. I it's an absolute Tupperware. It, it, what's different about this than nailed it. Nailed it is just like you have fucking people that are novices that can't cook for shit. 
Right. And here you have people that are fucking like thinking outside of the box that actually have some talent when it comes to cooking and you never know what they're going to come up with. You had like, uh, what was that? That pizza challenge and you had a guy that made like this volcano pizza. Yeah. With like the, like the, um, breaded, they, they were like, uh, fuck, why can't I think of what they're called? Like stuffed cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with the breading and everything, and like that's what you ate, and like you dipped it in the marinara sauce, which was like the lava. Yeah, I mean, some of these, some of these things that they create are just like amazing, and it's like, man, I wish I could try it. I wish I could eat that. I, that looks yeah. very interesting. Um, <laughs> I mean, just very colorful dishes, and um, I think the hosts are very, like the judges, excuse me, are very like personable and i like you know the swedish guy i like the heston guy that has like the glasses and you know i really enjoy the judges on this one i think this crazy delicious on netflix people i highly recommend this one like if you if you like shows like top chef um i love top chef if you like shows like that you'll love this the people are very experimental with this food sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't the judges can be very critical, but I really, really enjoyed, uh, I've watched two episodes now. I'm going to continue with it. I'm, I'm trying to like, you know, dole it out over, you know, days. I don't want to just binge the whole thing, but, um, the two episodes that I've watched, I've, I absolutely love this fucking show, Quentin. So thank you. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Let's talk about one more thing and then take a break. Jake, I feel like you want to take a break now. I feel like it, I feel like you... no, I, I'm good. I'm good. I, I've been I've basically been taking a break the last 15 minutes. I don't know why I need one now. <laughs> You've been taking a break for the past fucking three years. What are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm actually surprisingly good this episode. What? I'm ready for another hour? You ready for another hour? Okay. Did anybody get a chance to see the rental? I did. I, I did watch this. Yeah, me too. The rental. This is a video on demand right now. Uh, it's a, it's a horror. Two couples on an oceanside getaway grow suspicious that the host of their seemingly perfect rental house may be spying on them. Before long, what should have been a, ce- a celebratory weekend trip turns into something far more sinister as well-kept secrets are exposed and the four old friends come to see each other in a whole new light. This is written and directed by Dave Franco. Yes, that Dave Franco, the actor, James Franco's brother, his younger brother. Uh, it stars Dan Stevens as Charlie, uh, Alison Brie, who just happens to be Dave Franco's wife. Um, Sheila Vand, Jeremy Allen, and Toby Huss. Um, and, uh, this is one, this is one that I, I, I when I, when I saw that it was written and directed by Dave Franco and it starred Dan Stevens and Allison Brie, I was like, and it's a, it's a thriller slash horror movie. I was like, I have to watch this. I have to watch this. And, um, I'm just going to start off and say like, I'm glad that I did. I was not disappointed. I was not disappointed. I, I really think that this is, I think it's written well. I think it's directed fantastic. I think like, um, uh, the, the cinematography is really good in this one. Um, I think that I, I loved how you've got all these 
little different stories that are happening within this, within this, um, within this movie. You've got, you've got like, you know, uh, Dan Stevens and his brother are taking, you know, their, uh, you know, girlfriends or wives or whatever to, to, to get away, to go to this rental house, this Airbnb. They don't specifically call it an Airbnb, but it's an Airbnb situation. And, uh, Dan Stevens works with his brother's girlfriend and they're very close to their jobs. Like when the movie starts, you actually see Dan Stevens with his brother's girlfriend together and they're getting along so well that you actually think that they're a couple. Well, the movie then reveals that no, he's actually with Allison Brie and then they're all going to go on this trip and go to this and go out into the forest into this uh to, into this rental and spend the weekend there and get away. But you find out like they have problems within their relationship. You know, um so all all these different compartmentalized stories are going on. And the last half hour, shit just fucking ramps up. And it's like all these different stories don't matter because like the bigger problem takes over in the last half hour. And um I'm trying to say all this without spoiling this movie. I fucking loved it. I thought it was, I was engaged the entire time. Um, I thought all the different separate stories were fantastic. And then shit just hits the fan in the last 30 minutes. And I fucking, I really, really enjoyed this. Um, I, I, I was like, at first I was going to give it a high taste it, but the more I thought about it, I was like, I really, I, I thought that this was really well done. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I thought the rental was really, really fucking good. Um, you think it's the, it's this one thing and then it turns into something completely different. I, I fucking loved it. Um, Quentin, what'd you think about the rental? Yeah, I'm just going to have to try not to repeat what you said because this film was awesome. Great directorial debut for uh, Dave Franco. Um, yeah, I give it a Tupperware. I loved everything about it just because it felt new and felt refreshing. It didn't feel like a horror film. Um, cause is that what it's being categorized as, as a horror film a horror, or a thriller? A horror slash thriller. thriller, yeah. Okay. Either one. Yeah. This – I don't know because I've I've talked about this a couple times with many different people about the horror franchise and or horror genre that I feel like it's finally changing into a way where like we're we're coming into like a new genre of horror where it's just like smarter smarter horror like it's not worrying so much about jump scares but like taking its time and then like you said Brian the last. 20 30 minutes that's when shit hits the fan and then you start like understanding this is exactly why they had us like waiting all this time you know yeah and like nothing of what we nothing of what we thought was of importance is important right, right now the, yeah, the game has changed <laughs> like it felt like it was a drama you know through a very good portion of it and i mean it was just two couples you know but man, it just 
yeah, like ex- exactly. The problems that they have in like the first hour means nothing, and that's what I love about. Like I, <laughs> and, I bet, yeah, they would have paid a million dollars to just have those problems, and that's it. Right? Yeah, and it's like <laughs> as as soon as those problems are kind of like addressed, they're, they're it's very short lived because yeah. there's no resolution. And yeah, Greg, what'd you think about the rental? So and this is probably a little bit unfair, but when my mind goes to sort of actors making their directorial debut, I I sort of was comparing this to Jordan Peele's work, which is – it's just not fair to do. Um, so I liked it a notch below what you thought, but let me just share a couple things. The cast I thought was superb. I thought that Sheila Vand as Mina was the real standout here. I'm a huge Dan Stevens fan. Um, I thought she was absolutely phenomenal in the role as uh, Mina. Um, a couple of things that I thought were really interesting, though. I think a really good horror movie makes you think about what you would do in that particular situation. And as they learn more about the circumstances that they're in, um, to me, there were a few logical problems in the way that they were acting and behaving based. And I'm trying not to spoil anything, but um, – I felt like I was making some logical leaps late in the movie that were that were tough to make. Um, one thing I'll bring out, and this is a huge nitpick, so it's unfair. They're at an Airbnb. At what? This is not a big spoiler. At one point, they find a door that they're not supposed to go into in a, with a keypad on it. Mm-hmm. If you've ever be if you've ever been into an Airbnb, that's totally not unusual. <laughs> like there there are many rental homes that have rooms that you're not allowed to go in. So they're playing the sinister music and I'm thinking back to every home I've ever rented in my life that has a door with a lock or a keypad that you're not supposed to have. I'm like, you know, that's not really a big fucking deal. It ends up being a big fucking deal, but um oh, I thought shit. That that's where they keep the cleaning supplies. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Exactly. Oh, no. I've, I've, that's where I keep my porn. I've yeah. stumbled across right. a room that has house, which is a little unusual, but paper towels like and formula four oh nine. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I, I would give it a good, strong taste. I'm definitely going to wa- look out for Dave Franco's future work. Yeah. Um, I don't think this is genre defining or anything like that, but in terms of a VOD release when it's hard to go to the theater, absolutely worth the watch. Oh man. Yeah. I, I, I don't know for me, this, this is, I think this is something that I needed. Like I, I needed something like this. I thought, it, and uh, Sheila Van was fantastic. I 100% agree with you. I 100% agree with you. I don't know. I just really got sucked into all the stories. I got sucked into into all the stories. And it's that last half hour that just fucking like just shit just fucking went nuts. And I and 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 uh I think it's that last half hour that just solidified how much I loved this movie. Um Jake, what did you think about the rental? Yeah, I'm more there in line with Greg. I thought this was a strong taste it for me. Um I actually found the last half an hour to be my least favorite part about this movie. Mm. I was a little bit more sucked into what was going on between our four main characters. Um, I thought all the performances were really great. I thought Jeremy Allen White as um, Dan Stevens' brother was the standout performance to me, but they they were all really good. Um, I thought the cinematography was really amazing. Um, Dave Franco did a great job directing. Yeah, but I was just a bit more involved in the other storyline that was going on. And I understand it's a thriller and I know why they did what they did, but I thought they could have let some of it marinate just a little bit more like characters would find out information about other characters and there was no time 
to get any kind of dramatic response from that happening because of just the tone of the last half an hour. And I, I found that to be a little bit off-putting. I liked, I liked that there was like really no resolution to like the kind of like the drama that was going on. There was something very much more sinister going on here. And like, think about, think about, no, think about, think about like how this actually could happen. Like the Airbnb is a thing and think about like, first off, I'm just going to say like what happens in this. It's not too much of a spoiler, but like how private is your stay at an Airbnb? Could someone, could someone be watching you? Could someone be watching you with the technology that we have today? Could someone be watching you? And then like, you know, I mean, could the wrong person be watching you? I if you're staying at my house, the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, definitely yes. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but I mean, with an Oculus Rift. With a, <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's what I I don't know. That's what I I kind of like that like, like something like this actually could happen. And yeah, I didn't I didn't hate this movie by any means. I just. At the end of it, I was like, well, that was fun enough, but it's something I'll never need to watch again. And it's just like I didn't feel like either side of the coin had resolution. I didn't need it. I felt like I felt like we had all these like I felt in my opinion like you had all these compartmentalized different stories that I was really invested in. And like it, the movie just kind of does like – None of that matters in the end. It doesn't yeah, matter. It's very there's, from dusk till dawn in that way. Yeah, there's this there's this other thing that's going on, and it just kind of takes over. It takes charge, and that was shocking enough for me to really enjoy and appreciate this movie quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely adored the credit sequence, though. I gotta say, yeah, I th- that was awesome. That was fucking awesome. Oh, I don't know, people. It's, 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 I don't think it's divisive. I think we all like enjoyed it for different reasons. It just seems like me and Quentin kind of like we're on the same page. We loved it. And, you know, it's definitely worth the watch. Definitely it, worth it, the watch. In a, in a world in which it's hard to go to the movie theater, watch this movie. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, I'd love to see a sequel. Or like something like an anthology series with just like uh what hap not what happens in the but like the reason why um the events happened in the last like thirty minutes. So was was Franco and I'm trying not to spoil anything, but there's a bad person in this movie who does bad things, right? You have the same question I have. Was was Dave Franco trying to set up one of these iconic horror like a Leatherface, a Freddy, a Jason? Is that is that where you were going? I um, no, no I, I mean, I had that question too. Like, I thought of sequels and the sequel would obviously, like, I, I don't think sequels helps this movie. I think the more you kind of deconstruct that character, the less interesting it gets. Mm-hmm. I just, I had questions that are very spoilerific, so I don't even want to ask them. Right. I'm just happy you watched something, Jake. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so how, how would, I'm curious. So, Brian, how would you compare? I know you liked Midsummer. How would you compare this film to like Midsummer, for example? Uh, Midsummer, I, I don't know. Midsummer is like it, it. Midsummer is one of those things where I loved Midsummer a little bit more than this. I'll be honest with you. Midsummer is wild uh, because it's like it's a horror movie 
that takes place in 100% daylight, which I think is like mm-hmm. something that we don't see a lot. Like right. I, the, the last movie that I think that kind of like did this was um, the Kevin Bacon movie. Greg, I hear you open up another beer, dude. I got to be honest. This is, <laughs> I'm a married man. I don't get to party a lot. I'm on like my seventh beer. Dude, that's fucking amazing. Shit's, shit's getting very real. <laughs> Damn, dude. Are you just like sucking them down with the straw? I, I am. I'm drinking a lot. Dude, I, I'm going to run out myself. <laughs> I, I might have to start drinking vodka here. Hold on. What the? How many beers do I have Whoa. left? I have two. I have two. Shit. And you I'm guys know from C2E2, I cannot drink a lot. I'm a huge pussy. I went to bed both nights. <laughs> Uh, I, I no, I Midsummer's great. What was that? What was that Kevin Bacon movie that just came out? That fucking that that most of that took place in the daytime too. Was it real recent? Yeah, it was the one that just came out. It was supposed to hit theaters. Oh, uh, uh shit! Um, you should you should have left. You should have left. Yeah, you should have left. A lot of that. I mean, some of it took place at night. Midsummer, hundred percent, takes place in the daytime. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. It, yeah. I love that they make a point to say that too. Midsummer, yeah. Midsummer is there's two cuts that you can watch on Amazon now. So they do have like the extended director's cut on Amazon, I, which I have not watched yet. I yeah, think that might be the one that I saw. And the the reason why, like, and again, I like this movie. I don't find that anything staying with me, whereas some of the imagery in Midsummer, uh, like, you know, I'm laying down to go to bed that night and it's still there, you know? Um, but it's a different kind of movie. Yeah, yeah. I had that problem with Hereditary. Like I would close my eyes and then just see things, you know, like Tony Collette looking at me, you know, like that's, that's, I felt like, um, and not to go too much on a tangent, but I felt like, uh, Hereditary was a lot scarier than Midsummer. I, I just was not the biggest fan of Hereditary. And I talked about that because, the way the movie was advertised it was advertised as as like just like a just a scary fucking movie i i don't know i thought it was too cerebral for me i don't know i don't know i loved midsummer though it's so good you guys want to take a break i got another hour in me second i i don't i i gotta take a break let's take a break let's take a break we'll be right back we'll be i got more we got more good pop bad pop I got more. Jesus Christ, I got so much more. This is fucking stupid. How much no, more? No, no. This is a great episode, Brian. Not, no. It's, no! I'm serious. No, I agree. I agree. This is a fun episode. Mm, don't even. You're going to jinx it. You're going to jinx it, sir. Sorry. It's going to go downhill from now. Great. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, hey, <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll be right back. <laughs> you know, I fucking love you guys. I fucking love everybody on this podcast. Matt, Qu- Quentin, I fucking love you, dude. You're a great fucking guy. Greg, you've been with Thank PCL you. from fucking like very early on. In it's like day one point one. Yeah, yeah. Because I I was episode I was the Man of Steel episode, which you you got a lot of listeners that episode. We did. That was episode eight, I believe. So seven, seven or eight, something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. But I went back and listened to one through seven. Trust me. Oh yeah, I know you did. It got I, that was a slog. I'm sure. No, it wasn't. 
<laughs> Ryan, I I actually listened to Iron Man three like two nights ago. Really? Yeah. I could not believe. <laughs> First off, I didn't really know your opinions on Iron Man three. I was like, fuck, okay. But uh, yeah, I I've been going back just listening because you know I I, I want to learn the progression i guess when it yeah. comes to a podcast that's been on for you know almost seven years a lot of it yeah, is Iron just, Man 3 is a classic sorry a, go ahead i'm sorry no a lot of it is just like um it's just like uh the like the chemistry that you build with your co-hosts at the yeah, time and i how, know how the show evolves you know um i don't know man i i don't know i, I uh, taking that week off and i know i i i I, I I needed it, guys. Thank you, for everybody that understood why I took it off. Um, I needed a week to recharge my batteries. I really did. I I I felt like I felt like I wasn't bringing it, and so I felt like I needed to take a week off. Um, I had some other stuff going on. I talked to you about it, Greg. Um, yeah. Talked to you about it, Jake. But I had some other stuff going on, and I just wanted to. And, and, and it's nothing, I can't pinpoint it. It's nothing I can pinpoint. Like, like, oh, like, like, this is why I gotta take it. I just needed it off. I just needed it off. And I'm sorry. And I, like, I felt so fucking bad that week. Like, like, it's literally like f- Thursday, Friday before that week. And I'm thinking like, record something. Just do a bonus episode for these people because like, I don't. Feeling guilty. Huh? I'm feeling guilty, man, because like, we always record. I was thinking like, maybe I could just fucking do like a bonus episode where I just get, some, you know, people on from the army and we can all talk and have a good time. And, and I was like, no, Brian, just take the fucking week off, recharge the battery. Recharge the battery. I'm glad you did. I'm glad I did too. I needed the week off. I needed to come back. I don't know if I've come back strong. All we've talked about is Blossom and fucking uh, Max Wright from ALF getting his, you know, sucking dick and smoking crack. I don't know. I, honestly, I don't know. What, I, I, don't, I don't think without a break you could have gone there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe that break was needed. Let's take a quick break. Speaking of breaks, um, let's take one now. We'll be right back. Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No. I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight in Dan and yogurt. And the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway... The whole point of this is to tell you that PopCultureLeftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. Hey, we're back. Jesus Christ, we got so much good pop, bad pop left. It's sickening. It's sickening. <laughs> that one listener that wants us to break it up in segments, it doesn't know what to do with himself right now. 
<laughs> no, no. This act two is fucking breaking his brain. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, we're like in day three of fucking good pop, bad pop right now. It's like act two, part four. <laughs> I want to talk about Tread on Netflix. Push oh to his. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> push to his breaking oh, no. <laughs> push to his breaking point a master welder in a small town at the foot of the rocky mountains quietly fortifies a bulldozer with 30 tons of concrete and steel and seeks to destroy those who he believes have wronged him this is not a revenge action movie starring Liam Neeson. This is a fucking documentary. I, when I read that fucking synopsis, I thought that this was an action revenge movie. And then I looked at it and it said it was a documentary. And I was like, what the fuck? It's directed by Paul Soleil on June 4th, 2004, a 63 ton bulldozer fortified with steel and concrete, systematically destroyed numerous businesses and homes in the small mountain town of Granby, Colorado. The rampage lasted over two hours and resulted in more than $8 million in damage. State and local police were incapable of even slowing the machine, though it was armed with three high-powered firearms. No one but the driver was killed. His name was Marvin Hemeyer. Tread explores the polarizing perspectives on this man, his motives, and what drove him to his breaking point. Um, oh my god. I, I, uh, uh, who, who, who got to see this one? Yeah, I watched it. I watched it too. I did not. Jesus Christ, Jake. It's a, it's a fucking theme with you. <laughs> Yeah, don't break it now, Jake. <laughs> I already I, broke it. I'm starting fresh. Your fucking your fucking tombstone's gonna say I did not. <laughs> I, I cannot consume as much TV as you can, my friend. I wish I could. <laughs> He's on a show called Pop Culture Leftovers. And you did all right. Anyway, tread, tread. <laughs> 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 tread oh my god i i um i at first when this documentary started i mean it builds up it builds up until we finally get and like what's crazy about this is all the footage that we actually get to see but like you know like what was that what was that movie with uh was it falling down? Do you remember falling yep. down? Michael Douglas. Michael right. Douglas. Yeah. Falling down with Michael Douglas. A man that like, you know, he's, he's in that movie. Wasn't he like backed up in traffic and he just loses his shit one day and fucking just goes on a tear, you know? Yeah. And that's yep. what, that's what, oh, Jake, you've seen that? Yeah. Let's, yeah, yeah. Well, let's Isn't talk, so? let's talk about falling down there. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to switch and review that one, right? right. Uh, I got to get some new This is turned into a falling down review because Jake watched that one. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. What's, fu what's fucked up is Jake is like, yeah, I watched that this week. 
<laughs> movie came out in 1993. <laughs> I'm, fuck, I'm fucking with you, Jake. Um, I'm sorry. I'm fucking with you. Um, Tread. This, like, you basically see, like, this man is, he moves into, like, this small town, uh, Granby, Colorado, and, um, this whole town is pretty much dominated by the same people that have kind of, like, lived there, that own this land, the Thompsons, and the Thompsons own land, and, like, he starts, he goes to this auction, he buys this piece of land that was, uh, desirable to other people in the town, and it just kind of like goes into like he, they make it sound like they they turn his his new life that he's trying to start in Granby into like a nightmare where um um they won't let him <laughs> he he wants to start like his welding business there and there's like there's this whole situation where like they won't let him get connected to like the sewage Right. And they just cause problems for this guy. And I don't know, Greg, Greg, I want you to tell me your thoughts on tread and then we'll kind of like, I do, I, I, as far as like spoilers go, I do kind of want to get into like where this ended up going to. Yeah. I think you have to get into some spoilers and it's interesting because I don't know how screwed this guy got. I don't know how screwed he was or what was just in his head. I mean, I think everybody knows somebody that just always acts like the whole world is out to fuck them. And I'm not entirely sure whether the whole world was really out to fuck this guy or if it was all just in his head. Right. I mean, because um, when you when when they talk to the Thompsons and when they talk to everybody else else in this town, it, it, they seemed pretty genuine. <laughs> Like at one point, somebody was willing to pay for him to hook up to the septic. Like what was the – but by then, it was just this crusade he was on to just get revenge against everybody. So I, I found everything before he gets into the tractor, which by the way, the description is going to spoil for you. So that's not a spoiler. But yeah. everything before the tractor, I was kind of in taste at land because some of it is like all the intrigue of a local board zoning meeting. It's yeah. just a little like – it's a little, it was, it, I found it a little tedious. Once he gets in that tractor, fucking Tupperware of Tupperwares. I mean, mm. as it, one of the things that I really loved, the score, once he gets into that tractor, almost reminded me of Hans Zimmer's score in The Dark Knight, where you have this almost accelerating <laughs> heartbeat that starts and never stops for the whole remainder. It gets gradually more and more intense as he's on this total fucking rampage. I mean, the last uh, 30, 40 minutes, I felt like my nails were going to dig into my knee. It this, was really, really intense. This guy just feels like the whole world is out to get him and to stop him. And like, he's basically taking this to like a biblical fucking level where he's saying like this is what god would want him to do is to like, like a prophet yeah like you know like these are his oppressors and god would want him to stand up for himself and like this is like he's justified in what he's about to do and, and so and the level go i'm sorry brian i was just gonna say like he buys at an auction this huge bulldozer 63 ton bulldozer and a lot of people just thought that he bought it as intimidation. He ends up bringing it in, like, like, uh, driving it inside of his welding, uh, business. 
And um, unbeknownst to everyone in the town, he is fortifying this thing with steel and concrete. It looks like by the time he gets done, it looks like something that you would see in a Mad Max Fury Road mm-hmm. movie. Like it is 100% fortified with steel and concrete. Um, there is he has these little ports where he where he can shoot this um, um, this rifle. And then there, but, uh, there's no way to get inside. There's no access point where you can get inside. And he's viewing everything through video screens. And like this guy was so smart as far as this is concerned. Like he knew that he would be bulldozing into businesses. There would be rubble that would collect on top of the bulldozer. And he had these like high pressure, like, um, blowers, you know, that would Mm -hmm. blow the dust and debris off of the near where the cameras were so that he could still see out of it. And, um, they, they show you actual footage of this bulldozer just destroying this town just going on a rampage and like the police can't stop it the police can't stop it like they're shooting at this fucking thing and the bullets are just ricocheting like there's no way to stop this guy they're at the mercy of this guy who's just taking revenge on this town that and this is real this is this is fucking all real quentin did what did you think about dread Well, I thought it was funny because I remember you mentioned, hey, check out Dread. I watched it last night or whatever. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. And so I saw like the Netflix synopsis and exactly what you read. And I was just like, what? You know, like I never heard of this ever happening. And I mean, I, right away, I'm just going to give this a Tupperware. Um, at first, Greg, I was with you. Like it felt like a like a low tasted, honestly, because of the buildup. And I'm just like, yeah, 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 okay, yada yada yada. Let's let's get to the tank. Let's get to the like uh, the dozer, you know. And like from when they mention when that bulldozer comes in to the end, I am hooked. And Brian, yes, like I love that they had the dramatization of it like you got to see inside the the dozer mm-hmm. with like the reenactment or whatever and then like the actual footage that they had mm-hmm. like it was eerie almost mm-hmm. like watching it oh i loved i loved every minute of it this yeah this is <laughs> this is a must watch it is i've never seen anything like it and they get into why it didn't kind of like uh, become like a national sensation. It was big news for one day. And then Ronald Reagan passed away the very next day and the news went with that. So it just kind of like people kind of like forgot this. And so like I kept thinking to myself, like, why have I never fucking heard of this? Yeah, that yes, exactly. I was just waiting to see how this was never mentioned, but it being like overshadowed by Ronald Reagan's death. I mean, that's that's crazy. Tupperware the fuck out of this. It's on Netflix. It's called Tread. And I highly, highly recommend watching this one. Yeah, it may seem a little slow at first, but I'm telling you that last like, you know, 20, 30 minutes of this is just like, wow, it's incredible. And the footage is just amazing. 
highly recommend it. Frayed on HBO Max. Have you guys watched any of this? I got the first episode. I wasn't able to watch it. No, not me. Oh, big, big shocker, Jake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 man. Twist. Um, I'm fucking with you, Jake. I love you, Jake. I'm fucking with you. Don't. I know. Don't I even. Know. I don't even. That, though. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, on Tread, can I ask a question that's kind of a spoiler, though? I know you want to move on, Brian, and I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. So this may be a spoiler. So five, four, three, two, one. The tape that we're listening to throughout the whole documentary. Yeah, yeah. Is is that his suicide tape? Because I was unclear about that at the end. I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. And that hits you like a wrecking ball. When you uh, obviously it hit me like a wrecking ball slightly over my head, but that it that really is super eerie. I think I think that's what they implied when they played that Miley Cyrus song at the end of the documentary. (laughs) 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 When they showed the guy naked swinging around, yeah, Yeah. that was an odd odd thing to see. It was a bold choice. It was a bold choice. It was a bold choice. It wasn't tasteless in any way. (laughs) Not at all. Afraid on HBO Max. You watched the first episode, Greg? I did. I, uh, hold on. Let me jump in here. This, uh, HBO Max. This, I, I think this originally came out last year on the Sky Network. So, but then HBO Max, like, I think, like, I don't know. I, they worked out a deal or something with Sky or whatever the fuck. And they're, like, like, they're playing it as an HBO Max original. Um, Sky is like a, it's you know over in um, uh, you know I think it's like it's 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 like a cable network over in the UK, and um, it's set in 1989. I've read that it's set in 1989. I've read that it's set in 1988. It's one of those years, and it follows the story of Samantha Sammy Cooper, a wealthy London housewife. She is forced to return to her hometown of Newcastle in Australia after the death of her husband. She returns to Newcastle with her son and daughter and moves in with her mother and brother Jim. Sammy revisits her past and the events that led to her to flee as a teenager. She soon realizes that everyone in her hometown hates her and she tries to get back to London, but she finds it difficult as she has to face numerous obstacles along the way. The series was created and written by Australian comedian Sarah Kendall, who plays Sammy and... I binged this whole thing. I, I, I didn't, I'd say I, I watched the whole thing. It's six episodes. It's about 48 minutes each episode and, uh, six episodes in the first season. I watched it over, over the course of three days. Um, I'm just going to start off. By saying, this is one of my favorite shows that I've seen all year. <laughs> I fucking love this fucking show. I, I, I could not stop watching it. Guys, we're not going to talk about Umbrella Academy season two this week unless any of you have watched it. I have um, not. I haven't either. Uh, we know Jake hasn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I finished the whole season. <laughs> shut, shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, I didn't watch season one even. <laughs> yeah, me either. <laughs> season one is incredible. Oh my god! Did uh, Jake? Uh, did uh, Greg? Did you watch season one? 
okay, this I'm going to sound like an asshole. There's a guy on Umbrella Academy that is like a shitty Billy Joel from Billy Joe from Green Day. He's like the drug addict dude. Yeah. And there's something yes. about this guy in the first three episodes that just fucking set me off. Like I found him very unlikable and I bailed on the whole show. And everyone loves him, but I just hated his guts. Oh, man. I don't, and I can't describe what it was, but I, it just wasn't into it. When you first said Billy Joe from Green Day, I yeah. thought you said Billy Joel. Because I, I, I did play Billy Joel, and that's because Billy I'm seven Joel. beers deep. <laughs> <laughs> and now I just want to hear, I just want to hear a Carrie Loki version of Uptown Girl. <laughs> that's all I want to. I want to hear Loki singing Uptown Girl. <laughs> Uptown God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I fucking love Fred. I, I love this was. This, the creator, Sarah Kendall, who plays Sammy, is so talented and so funny. I, I finished it. I actually finished this today, like, I'd say an hour and a half before we started recording. And I, I am so hooked on this show. I hope we get a season two. And I love it. It's a comedy. It is very funny. Like, I don't even know how to kind of like explain like how, how good the comedy is. Her brother, um, that you get oh into. Oh my God. Ben Minge. I wrote his name down because he's a star. He's so funny. And the way he misuses words. He's the Australian version of Tyler Labine, in my opinion. <laughs> He is freelance gynecologist, (laughs) freelance gynecologist, his shirt. (laughs) I love him. I love this show. Greg, what did you, you watched one episode. What did you think? Are you going to continue with this series? The only reason why I watched one episode is because there was a lot of stuff to watch this week. And this happened to be the last thing that I watched. Okay. Um, but I'm hooked. Um, you know, so when you hear about the show, it, the concept for me, I couldn't help but think of Shit's Creek. It's very much like, yes, a thank story, you. Right. Thank yeah. you. It's, now, it's, a, it's, a, it's a riches to rag story. Yes. Like she, she, um, she was living like this life. She was, her, her husband was a multimillionaire and, um, she, her, her husband ends up passing away and, 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 and she's brought to, to, uh, the, the morgue and the guy's talking about how he passed and oh how, my gosh. And, and, and he, he had been doing, oh my God, he'd been doing, um, what did he, like, what, what? every time you think that it's gotten bad enough, yes, the way he died. That's not the way he died. It was like, it was like, okay, it was <laughs> like, worse. she thought it was a heart attack. And then like, there was all these drugs that were involved and he starts going through all the drugs. Like, like, I don't know, like, was it cocaine? I don't know. Like all these drugs. And then he mentions petrol and, and, uh, cough syrup and all this Cubic shit. <laughs> <laughs> and how he wasn't alone. There was another woman there with him and apparently it was a fucking prostitute. And like, he died with this, with a fucking, like a, like one of the, and this takes place in 1989 and he dies with a fucking cell phone in his asshole. <laughs> and so it's gotta be like a Zach Morris fucking phone in his ass. And, um, come to find out, like, this guy had been, like, uh, a lot of, like, uh, he'd been involved in a lot of fraud. And, um, 
And so like they're having to sell away like the, you know, the estate lawyer is having to sell away all their property and, and settle with these banks and stuff like that. Cause this guy's like in debt. And so she's forced to move back to Australia and she takes her kids to Australia and, um, the kids are finding out a lot about their mother that they didn't know. And kind of like hilarity just ensues with like all these people that fucking like hate her after she got, after she's back now. Greg, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, this show doesn't go for nonstop laughs necessarily, but I found myself just very hard belly laughs at some of the gags. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, again, I don't want to spoil it for people, but moments like, you know, booking the Thompson twins for the funeral. Yes. <laughs> um, there's also, and again, I'm going to be, I'm going to tread carefully here. There's a moment at the end of the show when a young man uses a, a incredibly offensive term um, in today's society. Mm-hmm. And the dad corrects him in a way that is incredibly funny. Um, I really laughed so hard at this episode and um, I, I would definitely recommend it. I'm, I'm completely hooked. First episode, absolute Tupperware. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait to see more. And for me, I thought the whole cast was remarkable. Yeah. Jim as um, I, I think he's, he's her brother, right? That Yeah. Uncle yeah. Jim. Yep. Hugely, I mean, just definitely a, a great character. So I can't wait to see more. And he, like, he doesn't know how to use certain words. He uses them wrong, like charlatan. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to come off a lot smarter than he really is and, and doesn't use words the way that they should be. I fucking love it. I finished it today and the show actually, like, it's, it's a mix of humor and then drama. Cause like, yep. there's some serious shit that they really get into this and they get into like um abuse a child abuse in this they and they get into um uh alcohol addiction and stuff like that this show is a fucking fantastic like i guess like the only thing i can kind of compare it to is like i feel like sarah kendall is like just as talented, in my opinion, as Phoebe Waller-Bridge is here in America, as far as like, you know, with Fleabag as fucking, I think Frayed is like one of these shows that I think more people need to be, to be, they need to be watching. They need to be aware of like, this is just as good in my opinion. I love Frayed. It was so funny. Like, she, and I'm one episode and she plays it very straight and everything is going batshit around her. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it's a great performance. I, I can't wait to see more. And this is one of those shows that I'm, I'm not into the family drama stuff. And when I saw the previews, I thought that's what this was. I, as soon as it was done, I went to my wife and I was like, we, we have to binge this. Show. Yes. It's it, so it good. So fun. It's so good. Frayed on HBO Max people. It's like. You know, like if you're not watching, if you're not using your HBO Max, like this is one reason to be watching it. Uh, another re- reason to be watching HBO Max is all the Studio Ghibli shit on there. Jesus Christ, are you kidding me? Oh my god! Yeah, it looks gorgeous on there too. Fucking amazing. Um, Speed Cubers on Netflix. Did anybody watch Speed Cubers? Yeah, I did. I did as well. Not me. <laughs> 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 uh, I 
how about the Lone Ranger? Did you see that? Too? No. <laughs> what a what a crazy callback. People 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 wonder why. People wonder why I have guests on the show. <laughs> I need I need somebody that's watched something. Oh man, this is this is becoming my final episode. <laughs> Jake, I have to say, what what exactly did you do this week? Oh, hold on, hold on. What, what exactly do you do every week? <laughs> I mean, this week I watched The Rental. I watched a thing we haven't talked about yet. And I watched one other show. And other than that, I, I worked and I played games. All right. I'm, I am sorry. I, I did not mean to question how you spend your time, and I am sorry for that. <laughs> you are fine. Jake, Jake watched, Jake watched a show called Fucking Off all week. <laughs> it's what he watched. I, I wish I watched a show called Fucking Off. Jesus. That sounds awesome. Welcome to, yeah, it hey! Awesome. Hey, welcome to Fucking Off. <laughs> Speed Cubers oh. is a documentary on the lives of speed cubing champions Max Park and Felix Zemdegs. Directed by Sue Kim, uh, speed cubing. Speed cubing. <laughs> Who the fuck is laughing at me? You do this fucking shit. <laughs> speed cubing, which I'm drinking. I'm like six fucking beers in. Uh, speed cubing, which is the competitive sport of solving a Rubik's cube in mere seconds, has grown into a worldwide phenomenon. In recent years, for nearly a decade in the sport, Felix Zemdegs from Australia has reigned unchallenged as the king of cubers, the greatest of all time. That is until now. The cubing world was stunned when an unknown challenger named Max Park from California took home the gold medal in 2017 and emerged onto the global stage. Since then, Max's rise to the top has been swift and steady, save for one obstacle in his way, Felix. The two have been trading wins and world records steadily, neither one able to truly dominate while the other still competes. But rather than developing into a bitter rivalry, Felix and Max have instead grown their competitive relationship into a tender yet complicated relationship. Uh, friendship. Uh, Max is highly autistic and his family has been using speed cubing as a means of therapy for his uh, nascent social skills and emotional development. They would... Um, I, I didn't get the rest of the synopsis. Anyway, uh, Speed Cubers, it premiered on Netflix, uh, this week. Greg, what did you think about the Speed Cubers? It's, it's like so, a, it's a 40 minute documentary, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing, obviously, to mention up front. And, and I implore you, if you're listening to this, spend 40 minutes watching this. Um, one thing I want to say up front, Brian, is I have a nephew who is severely autistic mm-hmm. and I, I found this um, a very emotional watch. Um, the, the 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 thing I'll say is I I Tupperware Felix as a human being, and I Tupperware their their friendship. It is so profoundly beautiful to watch the friendship between Max and Felix over the span of this movie. And what I really appreciated about it is it really captures. Um, Autism is such a profoundly challenging thing for a family to deal with. And there's also such beauty in these people. Um, 
it's just hard it's hard to articulate but i think this film captured that so well mm. um you know again it's an easy watch it's 40 minutes it it um it really tells a beautiful story of friendship at the end of the day and if that's all you take from it it's it's worth your 40 minutes so i'm i'm going to give it a tupperware for that reason and if it's because of the connection that i see there so be it um, but I, I, I really enjoyed it and I was profoundly touched by it. I'm also going to give it a Tupperware and I don't have like a huge connection. Um, I, I do have a buddy who, uh, that I used to work with. I used to work with him and his wife and their son is autistic. And, you know, by the age of, you know, four and five, their son had not, had not talked, had not spoken. And it's one of those things when, you know, when you're talking to them and they're talking about, you know, their son and how much they love him, but they're also like, they're also like saying to you, like, you know, he hasn't spoken and I might, I might never hear my child say, I love you. And like, you know, like that's how, you know, like how hard that was to hear them say that. And these are good people. These are really good people. Um, and so to hear them say that was really hard for me. And to hear these parents in this documentary basically like really being honest about like when, mm-hmm. when Max was born and how they felt about their son being autistic and how hard it was and how they cried it out. But then they were like, okay, let's get down to business now. Let's try to be the best parents to this autistic child that we have and like, try to be the best parents that we can and try to understand this thing. And like, I think, I don't think anybody could have done a better job with Max than they did. Like, I don't, I don't, I really don't. I think like they, I, I, I watching this documentary and like how the kid was, um, how he was introduced to, uh, how, how the mother noticed that he was in his own little world and like he, like he was letting nobody else in, but she, she would start to mimic what he was doing and how he brought her into that world at that point. And they started to bond. And then he started to get into like the Rubik's cube. And then he started to be a big fan of Felix and how Felix, like, like this guy was like, you know, he was king shit of fuck mountain when it came to Rubik's mm-hmm. cube, the speed cubing and this, this new kid is like coming along and just like beating his old records and like how he didn't hold it against Max. And it wasn't like, you know, like when you're watching like the documentary King of Kong where Billy Mitchell is trying to take down Steve Weeby and take down his record. This is the complete opposite of that. You've got, you've got like the guy who's holding all these records, who's basically like befriending this up and comer speed cuber of Max Park. And it's a beautiful fucking friendship. I tupperware the fuck out of this one. So what did you think, Quentin? Um, this was easily the best thing that I watched all week. Oh, wow. I, like I, I don't know if there's really much I can say to, um, like add on to everything that you were saying because Max, his character, like his, who he is was just perfect for such a, and it was a short documentary. Like it wasn't, you know, three to four hours long. It was just so short and sweet and just to the point. 
and I loved Max. I loved getting to know who this guy is and seeing him become this, you know, speed cuber and just the relationship that he had with, um, with his, with, what's his name? I'm sorry. Felix. Felix. Yeah. Felix. Thank you. Um, I, I don't know. There was just nothing more wholesome than this watching this. And thank you, Brian, for like telling me to watch this. Cause I don't know if I'd ever find it. And I'm so glad that I watched this. Oh my God. Words that I've never heard Jake say. Brian, can I bring up one other detail? Uh, Can I bring up the fact that, like, not only do uh, we see, like, this amazing friendship between these two, but, oh, my God, these guys are fucking solving Rubik's Cubes in, like, fucking six seconds. And six seconds is almost late in some cases. It's incredible. And and sometimes they're doing a one-hand solve. Yeah. Go ahead, Greg. I'm sorry. No, you know. Go ahead. Uh, sorry. It's just, look. it's just amazing to see people that like know all the different <laughs> algorithms or whatever the fuck when they're looking at a Rubik's cube and they can see like where it is, like where the different colors are positioned and they know exactly how to move this thing to get it solved within merely seconds. You know, and like mm-hmm. you're saying six seconds is too long. Yeah. Sometimes you, you want to get it down to five. You know, I mean, it's like sometimes six seconds is too long. Somebody, somebody can beat you if you are at six seconds. Like you want to get it down to five. It's, it's insane. Go ahead, Greg. No, there's this little detail and I, I, I am not an expert in autism, just to be clear. But, um, one of the things I know is that it often comes with, um, issues with senses and sensory issues. And my nephew, for example, Hearing loud noises is very, very difficult for him. And one of the things that I noticed was Max, and they never mentioned this in the, in the film, he has earplugs on throughout every competition. Mm. You can, you can see he has these orange earplugs and it, it really touched me to, to see that, to know that not only is he solving Rubik's cubes in five seconds or six seconds or seven seconds by looking however many moves in advance and using one hand, but he's fighting probably intense sensory overload to do that. Um, I I just found it so moving and such a wonderful picture of a family and a friendship. And um, again, thank you for recommending it, Brian. I would have never seen this had you not brought it up. Oh my God. It's like, you you see like Max and they're showing him all over. Every time they show him, he's got his, a Rubik's cube in his hand. All the time, like, mm-hmm. like from the time that they leave the, you know, they, 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 they're on their way to the airport. He's in the back seat with the Rubik's cube. They're, uh, fucking leaving the airport. He's got a Rubik's. And it reminds me of like watching like, uh, of, of basketball players, you know, like when they're, when they're, you know, always dribbling a basketball, you know, like you hear stories about Michael Jordan always had a basketball and he's always dribbling, you know, pistol Pete Maravich always had a basketball that he was dribbling all the time. Same thing goes for these fucking speed cubers. You know, I didn't know this was such a fucking huge thing. This is fucking huge. They got like a fucking, they got a world's championship, a world's championship. They got fucking, they got fans. They got fans that take their pictures with them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the, people know who these the, who these speed cubers are. It's fucking insane. It's called the Speed Cubers. It's on Netflix. It's forty minutes. Give it a fucking watch. Helter Skelter. Watch it. Watch it. Helter yeah. Skelter on Epics. 
Quentin, did you watch Helter Skelter on Epics? Brian, I like I, I know that we even talked about this prior, yeah. but I thought this was insane that the reason why I got into the Manson murders was because of you. Because we talked about it on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. And uh you told me to check out that podcast, uh fuck, now I can't even remember what it's called. You must remember um, oh, do, I can't. Do you know, re- you know I what I'm can't, talking about? I can't remember the name of the podcast. Yeah, yeah but yeah. <clears throat> but whatever that is, you got me into that, and then you know you said Helter Skelter to watch, and I was like, "Fuck! Oh my god, this is awesome!" Yeah, I watched this first episode, and I give it a Tupperware. Yeah, this is uh, over 50 years have passed since Charles Manson and his cultishly devoted followers committed their horrific crimes, and yet the public remains truly in the dark about the Manson family and their journeys into the abyss. How can one story be so well-known, so legendary, and yet so little understood in the most comprehensive telling of the Manson family, yet told in a visual medium, Helter Skelter features never-before-access interviews from former family members and journalists first on the scene and in the courtroom, weaving these original narratives with archival footage and newly unearthed images. It will upend what people think they know about this layered and complex story and cast an entirely new light on this crime of the century. Um, Greg, did you get a chance to see this? I did. And one more personal connection, but I'm not related to Charles Manson, but <laughs> I have, uh, I have an uncle who correct, who collects autographs. It's like his thing. And he, one of the things my uncle would always do is he'd, he'd like write people, random people. And he'd say, Hey, can you send me your autograph? He wrote Charles Manson, uh, in the 1980s and just asked Charles Manson for his autograph. And Charles Manson sent my uncle pages and pages of letters, handwritten letters Whoa. that we, we think were written by Manson. I have seen them and I, I would tell you, I have read them. I have, I couldn't make sense of what the fuck they said. It was just craziness, right? I remember seeing like swastikas and stuff on the paper, but my uncle has pages of letters allegedly handwritten by Manson. And I've always had some interest in the Manson story because of that. Um, so I was naturally drawn to this docu- documentary. I did only watch the first episode. Um, a couple things that I'll say, I, and I just couldn't get this out of my head. I was waiting for Brad Pitt's Cliff Booth to show up and solve this whole fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get that out of my head. I was like, if only we had Cliff Booth, none of this would have happened. So for those who haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, definitely a great companion film to watch. Yeah. Um, I struggled a little bit with the directive, the, the style of direction here. Um, I have a little bit of a challenge with my attention span and the very quick sporadic cutting between archival footage and everything else was challenging for me to hang with in that first episode. Um, what I'm, but overall, again, my interest in the story, I, I'd say high taste it. What I'm really curious about, if you guys have gotten deeper, I'm just, does this say anything new about the Manson case? And it sounds like it does because of this new footage that we haven't seen before. But what I saw in the first episode was all stuff that we, we know and we've seen. Epics is releasing this week to week. This was actually supposed okay. to come out like last month and then they mm-hmm. pushed it back, um, because of the current climate of the country right now. Yeah. Um, smart. They pushed it back. Um, what I really enjoyed about this was like, I've always heard the connection between Manson and the beach boys, but this really gets into his friendship with Brian Wilson in a way that I've never fucking heard before. Creepy. 
So I, I, for that, I think that this was like definitely worth the watch because like I knew that he had fucking, you know, he was a songwriter and like what's crazy about this is like you think like, like would any of the Manson murders have happened had his career taken off? And I'm thinking to myself like who else maybe wouldn't have fucking caused so much, um, death and mayhem and destruction had their career taken off. And I was thinking of Hitler, if he would have taken off it as an artist, mm-hmm. as a painter, right. would Hitler have been like, you know, this, you know, genocidal maniac had his career as a painter taken off. And I keep thinking to myself, like, would Charles Manson have been this terrible person had his career as a music artist taken off and, and I see like kind of like the correlation like between those two in this documentary. I, I, I thought it was fascinating. Um, I think it's going to be six episodes total. Uh, it's coming out yes. weekly on ep- Epic. So yeah, it's going to be six episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of story to tell here. There's a lot of story to tell here and we've barely, we've barely touched the surface apparently. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I really like that they talk to the family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's the the edge, I guess, that you were kind of talking about, Greg. Like this mm-hmm. is very new. These interviews with the family members because I'm seeing people that I've heard of, you know, and like I'm seeing their faces. I feel like for the first time, and man, it's just it just adds another layer to what already seems like such a fucked up thing. So it's, it's just, it's, it's cool to watch. It is. I I feel like we are getting a definitive kind of fucking, you know, breakdown of like the events that actually happened here. Because like, I've, you know, I've heard of like, you know, like, why was he doing this? Why was he committing all these fucking murders? And, and, um, I've heard different stories and I feel like this is, this is actually giving us like the, it's, it's a definitive kind of like, uh, uh, answer as to like, you know, um, why these things were happening. Helter Skelter on epics, people. I, I give it a, I give it the first episode of High Taste It. I, I thought it was, uh, very, very well done. Did you guys watch Host on Shutter? Yes. Yep. Jake, just, just. I'm hanging my head in shame. Just, just. (laughs) (laughs) Jake's wearing his tap out shirt right now. Um, Oh man. Host, a a new Zoom based horror film from award winning filmmaker Rob Savage, uh, set to premiere, uh, on Shutter. In all its territories, host was shot remotely during quarantine and features groundbreaking scares, stunts and surprises, all filmed by the actors in their own homes, operating their own cameras, helping pull off their own practical effects and lighting their own scenes. Due to social distancing precautions, Savage never set foot in the same room as his actors at any point during production and instead directed them remotely. The project was commissioned, written, produced, and was released in under three months. Host is the story of six friends. That's incredible. That's incredible. This is all during done during COVID-19. 
This is all during, done during quarantine, this movie. I, I think that's a feat within itself. I'll just I say that. I didn't know any of that context. <laughs> Isn't that wild, Greg? That's crazy. Yeah. And it really makes you think a lot. Host. About what you saw. Yeah. yeah. If you, guys, I'm telling you, like I had to, one of our listeners uh, on the PCL Discord was like, you know, I've been, I've been going back and forth. I've been waffling about getting shutter. Is it worth it? Shutter is worth it, guys. Shutter is worth it, in my opinion. They're dropping new content all the time. And I think it's like five bucks a month. Shutter is worth it. Shutter is the real deal. If you're into horror, this, I think Shutter is definitely worth it. Uh, anyway, host is the story of six friends who hire a medium to hold a seance over Zoom during lockdown. But they get far more than they bargain for as things quickly go wrong. When an evil spirit starts invading their homes, they begin to realize that they might not survive the night. Uh, it stars Haley Bishop, Radina Drandova, uh, Edward Leonard, uh, Gemma Moore, Caroline Ward, and Emma Louise Webb, uh, who also operated their own cameras, helped pull off their own practical effects, and lit their own scenes. Um, the... I, god damn it. I, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it's not long either. Like how, how what was the runtime on this one? I can't remember. It was definitely under an hour and 30 minutes. It was very it was, short. It was an hour. It was an hour. Yeah. yeah. I thought it might have even been like 50 minutes. 50 minutes. Yeah. It might have been yeah. 50 minutes. Um, so with a 50 minute runtime, I never felt like I was getting, I was losing interest in this. I felt like it was very easy to watch. It was very, it was, it was a quick watch. It was very easy to watch. And they're holding this seance over Zoom. They have specific instructions by the woman that's holding the seance. And one of the people involved in this actually more than one people involved in this do not take it seriously. And start to kind of like mock the whole thing. Um, one girl at one point starts to make up uh, a story about uh, a guy that uh, she went to college with that like commits suicide and how she felt like, you know, like that, that presence was involved in this whole seance and just kind of like mocking the whole process. And then real things start to happen within this. And everybody is affected by this same kind of like spirit, this demonic spirit um, with and we're all watching. You're watching this all on different cameras. It, it This is not filmed like a traditional horror movie. It, it's all screen based. So if you've seen um, I'm trying to think of the John Cho movie um, that I absolutely friended. No, not unfriended. John Cho did, uh, John Cho did a movie that I absolutely loved. It was all, um. Oh, searching. Sorry. Searching, searching. And I loved it. It was all screen based. This is also another screen based, uh, fucking movie. And oh my God. I, you know, and I'll say there's, a, there's a jump scare close to the very end that, did it, if it doesn't, it scared the shit out of me. Did it, I loved it. I loved it. Did it, I, Greg, did you, did, did that work for you? It did. So, so a couple <laughs> things. Is, is this genre defining? No. Is it, is the concept a little bit gimmicky? Sure. Um, 
it's really timely and a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and definitely worth your 50 minutes. Uh, I think they really get the most out of this concept that they can. Um, a couple of things that I'll mention, um, to me, the women in this film looked and acted and felt like real women. I noticed that one of the co-writers was uh, female. Um, the director is not female. Um, I'd be curious what like, uh, you know, you've had some co-hosts like Rebecca Daling, Stephanie Chapman, Pretzels. I, I'd be curious what a female <laughs> viewer would, would think of, but th- these felt like um, very earnest, realistic characters to me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think um, when you see found footage films, and this is kind of a new twist on found footage, the question that you always ask as a viewer is, would I put the camera down? And this is the first time I've ever been sold on why you would not put the camera down. Because the only connection they had to other people was through the Zoom meeting. And that was really intriguing to me. I thought that was a really interesting twist. I also have to say, Brian, you mentioned earlier that um, the rental was the best credit scene you've seen in a while. To me, this had the most clever use of credits I've seen this week. Very, very clever credits yes. at the end of the film. But yeah, I, I yeah. would I would say again, don't don't look for Oscar material, but a hell of a lot of fun in fifty minutes at a time in which you need to watch this movie in the next who the hell knows when we're getting out of this. Watch this movie now. Yeah. It's really timely and fun and definitely worth your time. And um I did not subscribe to Shudder until this week and I'm totally keeping Shudder. Um did it's you, definitely worth five bucks. Did you use the code shut in i did not ah guys use the code shut in you can get a free 30 days of shutter uh you know for five bucks i'm more than satisfied it's yeah it's worth it um quentin uh well what would you rate it uh i'm gonna give it a tupperware but again this is not this isn't like train to busan this is not right um, right 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 but but for a fun watch during quarantine absolutely check this out talk to me quentin yeah, I'm giving this a high taste it. Um, I had a lot of fun, but I really think like the behind the scenes stuff is a lot more interesting than the actual movie to me. Like that is so cool that they made a film like this where like the director literally had to ask for certain character beats and acting skills through the camera instead of like in person, you know, <clears throat> was I happy with the film? Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, I just hated – I know that you guys really liked it, that jump scare. I hated the way that that thing looked um, just because like – but the buildup was great. Um, whoever the medium was, I really liked her too because mm-hmm. they had a lot of cool stuff and I loved the way that they used that one character. Uh, man, I wish I could remember her name, but she had like the background where it was her – Walking around, yeah, oh, best yeah. gimmick in the whole movie, easily. So good. Like you so can't good. do that in other films, and that was just so perfect to use. And like that, that got me with what they use with that. That was great. But the the character that you were talking about, Brian, because I I don't want to spoil too much. The character, like some of the characters, didn't take it as seriously. The one person that never took it seriously, fuck her. I was so annoyed with her from the moment she got on the screen. Oh my god, she was that so was, annoying. To that me. was uh, actor Gemma Moore, 
who, when I tweeted that I was watching this, I think she like liked it or retweeted it or something. A lot of people that were involved in the production, when I, when I, when I said that I was watching this movie, either retweeted us or liked the tweet and stuff like that, which I thought was very cool. So they're very proud of the movie that they made. And I think that they should be. I think this is a very good fucking movie. I'm going to give it a yeah, high taste. as a well. lot of fun. I'm going to give it a high taste as well. I thought it was very well done. And it's like, especially a movie that's made during the pandemic, like fucking very impressive. And 50 minutes. That was min- the coolest part. 50 fucking minutes. Yeah, man. 50 fucking minutes, I'll fucking take it. I thought it was a great story. A fucking seance held over Zoom. Oh, man. <laughs> and shit starts to go fucking crazy. Like when that, that fucking scene where the fucking girl sitting on the chair and the chair fucking moves with her on it. I'm like, oh, fuck. Here we go. We're in for a fucking ride. Like, you know, this is like, you know, we, we've been looking for something like what's what's going to be the, the next paranormal activity. This this kind of like filled a little bit of that void, I guess. You know what I mean? I I got I kind of got burnt out by Paranormal Activity five or whatever the yeah. fuck we were on. You know? Yeah, I only yeah. made it to three on that one. Yeah, so I kind of got burnt out. You know, when it comes to that kind of stuff, and like this movie, uh, basically doing it everything screen based over Zoom during the pandemic. This is like the Casablanca of fucking coronavirus movies. Casablanca was the only movie that was made during World War II that had to deal with World War II. Or, right. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I was just kind of like, I was fucking, um, I was, I was really blown away by this. And the fact that all these different actors were doing their own special effects, their own practical effects on their own under the direction of this director and it all came together pretty well in my opinion i i was kind of blown away by this i'll also give it a high taste it and for 15 50 minutes it's definitely worth watching on shutter shutter is shutter is definitely you know what i um quentin i haven't seen yummy yet but i heard you talk about it on heroes of noise and i'm really oh looking- my god get on that please okay i will i will yeah i'll get on it I'll get it. Maybe I'll take another week off of PCL. I'll get some time to watch that. <laughs> it might be worth it. <laughs> did you guys end up rewinding at all to see little jump scares, like hidden things that you might have missed? I did. I totally did. So like the part what the with- fuck was in the attic? Sorry. Oh, the, oh. the legs? That, yeah, those were looked legs. like legs in 18th century, like Hamilton era stockings. Was it me? Those were, those are like, they, they look like, really long legs to me yeah. just like really right. long legs yeah because i think it tied into like the the main girl's room whenever she took that picture which is really fucking cool i loved how they yeah. did that with the with the um the flash on the camera because like yep. i kept thinking that we were gonna get a jump oh god never mind i, I don't want to get too much into spoilers well but, i mean yeah. okay they they basically like by that one girl disrespecting this whole seance they summon something dark they actually created something dark. So I yeah. please watch this. It's called Host. It's on Shutter. I highly recommend it. I'm going to talk about something here real quick. I watched a show called uh, a movie, excuse me, called Double World on Netflix. I didn't ask anybody else to watch it. So if you watched it, I'll be surprised if you watched it. If Jake watched it, I'll fucking I'll try to <laughs> I'll, I'll try to suck my own fucking dick on the podcast. <laughs> 
<laughs> man. <laughs> Unfortunately, I did not. Seriously, I would fucking, I would fucking break my fucking neck right now trying to suck my own dick if you watch it. You just have to remove some ribs, man. That's it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember that rumor that fucking, what was it? Marilyn. Marilyn Manson. Yeah, that was a bullshit. <laughs> I remember talking about that. I remember talking about that. Oh man, I've yeah, I've talked about that many a time. Double World. It's on Netflix. Uh in a fictional universe comprising ten nations seeing the neighboring country become more and more powerful, a warlord organizes a com- a competition to reveal the best warriors. Hearing the news. Yi Long, a, a valiant young villager, decides to take up the challenge despite the doubts of his village. So begins the journey. It's directed by Teddy Chan. This is a Chinese film. Uh, it is subtitled. Uh, it is a Chinese fantasy film. And it features amazing martial arts and awesome fantasy and a lot of like wire work and stuff. You'll see, you'll see some, you know, stuff that's reminiscent of like, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon as far as some of like the, the, uh, the fight scenes. There's, uh, but, but, but on the flip side, like th- there's this whole, uh, th- there is this competition that's going to happen and they're going to take the three best warriors from each of these like different you know, 10 nations and they're going to come together and they're going to fight. And whoever wins, you know, wins this contest, um, becomes, uh, they get, uh, they get crowned. Like, um, I forget they get, they, they get a title. They get, a, they, they get a very important title. And, um, so you, there's a journey to get to this competition as all these different, uh, you know, groups are, are going through the desert and you see amazing fight scenes here. There's like, there's a, there's this desert battle where they fight these oversized scorpions. Like these scorpions are huge and they're fighting scorpions. Um, you get introduced to like this young female fighter. She's got like this huge sword that she wields. Um, once they get to the competition itself, like one of the first, like, fighting competitions they have is like there's all these gigantic chains that they have that that are crisscrossed these huge chains like metal chains and they have to fight on top of these chains while being actually chained together so three people are chained together and fighting against other sets of you know three as they're on this arena that's basically made up of chains and these chains are constantly moved to change the way that this arena is actually kind of like set up. I'm doing a horrible job of setting this up. I fucking, I loved this so much. I Tupperware the fuck out of this. It's called double world. And it reminded me of just like watching shit. Like, um, it's hard, like Clash of the Titans when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like, like, like this awesome fantasy shit that you would watch when you were a kid. It's just such an, oh God, I, it's so good. It's so good. They, there's like, they've got, uh, some of the special effects aren't great. Like there's a dragon like snake that they encounter called the King Beast that doesn't look like Game of Thrones level, but the way that they use the King Beast is amazing. I, Please watch Double World, people. I'm, I'm telling you, this is so good. It's so fucking good. I tupperware the fuck out of it. 
please watch Double World. I've done a horrible what job. What did you watch this on? Netflix. Netflix, wow. Yeah, it dropped this week, and I loved it. I loved it. Oh, my Is God. Is like an import or a Netflix or actual original movie? Um, it, they're they're going to call it a Netflix original movie, but they, they bought it from... I, I, it looks like they probably bought it from, from overseas. Yeah, it sounds really cool. I'm really interested in the fantasy element of it and that kind of movie. Oh, Jake, I'm telling you, it's so good. It's so, I loved it so much. I loved it so much. And like, that you've got three different characters. You've got one who comes from, like, we don't really know his background. He could be of royal ancestry. You've got one who fought, like, in the wars. Uh, back in the day, and then you've got like this young girl who's got like this huge sword and shit. Dude, you gotta watch this. I fucking loved it. Oh, double, it's double world. What is it called? Double, yeah, double, double vision. I thought you said double world. Oh, double world. It's so fucking good. Double where the fuck out of it. Todd McFarlane. This is the last thing. We're in good pop, bad pop. We're gonna we're gonna move on. We gotta move on after this. Todd McFarlane. Like how I won't. This is directed by David Oster. Uh, Todd McFarlane, like hell I won't, follows the, uh, the rebel who at the beginning of his career was turned away by numerous comic publications. He decided that since no one was recognizing his talent, he would take matters in his own hands. McFarlane eventually becomes the CEO of McFarlane Toys and president of Image Comics and legendary artist. The, the documentary provides an in-depth view behind the mastermind that brought us Spawn and some of Marvel Comics' most well-known artwork. It paints a portrait of his struggles to navigate and upend the status quo in the comic and toy industries. Um, Jake, I know you watched this one. I did. Thank God. Greg. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, right. you were there. Oh, sorry, I'm really drinking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I I'm a I love Todd McFarlane. Um, just for context, I used to own Hulk issue 340, which is the famous cover where you see Hulk in the reflection of um, Wolverine's claws. Oh yes, I I read the shit out of that book. I, the cover fell off. Um, to me, McFarlane's art in the eighties and nineties, it was like the coolest graffiti you've ever seen Mm. when they talked about like Spider-Man's webs coming at you. Like I, that totally resonated. So I I very much was a a sucker for this um, documentary. A couple of things though, I'll say Um, I really wish we would have heard from Rob Liefeld and Eric Larson. We didn't for some reason. Um, We heard from Mark Silvestri and Jim Lee, which was nice, but there, I felt like there was more texture to the story of the formation of image comics that we got in a documentary that I saw on Amazon prime that we did not get here. That was the image revolution, correct? Yes, that's correct. It's it's an amazing documentary. I've watched that one twice now. Yeah. Yeah. You get, you get Rob Liefeld. I feel like it's probably because he might have, he, a strained relationship with Liefeld. Some, some burned bridges, right? Yeah. I don't, I yeah. don't know why Larson was not involved, but yeah. So yeah, Larson, I know is, it's a strong personality, but I just found it odd. Um, you know, I, I a couple of things that I thought here, um, there was a lot of nostalgia for me and almost what I would say is a little bit of sadness. And, um, to me, the comic industry is not, it, it's so clearly not today what it was then. 
when you had 3 million issues uh, for Spawn number one selling. I mean, they make a really big deal out of Spawn 300. And I had, I Googled this because I knew it was the number one comic mm. book that month. Spawn 300 sold 300,000 copies. That's that's one-tenth of what Spawn number one sold. So there was a little bit of sadness for me for a time in which the comic industry was so monumentally important. And yeah, but that was, that was uh, honestly uh, to rebuttal that is like, yeah, that's what killed comics is it that. Totally agree. Yeah. 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 Because, because when it was a collector's, it was people just cashing in on like being collectors. Like when fucking Jim Lee's X-Men number one sold, you know, all that it did and fucking McFarlane's Spider-Man number one sold all those fucking issues. X-Force number one. Yeah. You can go it, on and on. Exactly. Yeah. Liefeld's X-Force. Yeah. Like it's, it's all because the collectors were in on it and everybody bought it. So it, it fucking, the value was nothing. Cause like there were, there were so many issues, so many first prints, so many people bought that fucking issue that it really meant nothing at that point. That's kind of like what killed comics for a long time. That's so. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, maybe it's just nostalgia. Call it what you will. Um, I, there was like, I was finding myself getting a little bit depressed almost. Um, I thought they leaned a little too heavily into Spawn 300 for my taste. Again, you know, I, I know landmark issue. They never even mentioned Dave Sims Cerebus, which is the title that Spawn broke the record of. And I thought that was a curious choice. Um, but overall, I'd say, yeah, very- they, they say the number of issues, they say the 300 number, but they don't credited at all yeah i thought that was odd especially since dave sim did an issue of spawn i think it was spawn number nine um way dave back it's what- kind of an unmentionable in the comic industry these days why is that do you know he's he's been canceled oh uh, I, I honestly i don't i didn't know that at all so if that's why oh are you guys talking about like what 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 spawn broke the record of yeah yes. i thought it was i thought it was fucking hellblazer Oh, I thought it was Cerebus. I thought it was I thought it was Cerebus because I know Cerebus famously got to 300 issues and it was collected in these black and white, you know, oh, phone booth editions. Was and, was Hellblazer one creator that did all Hellblazer three? Hellblazer is technically a DC comic book too. At the end of the day, but it, yeah, was it one creator that that did all 300 issues? Because like it did, it went, it hit 300 and it ended. It ended after 300 issues. 300 was the last issue of Cerebus, to my, I, I'm reasonably sure. And Correct. Yeah, that was the whole goal from issue one was to have a 300 issue independent comic book. Yeah. I don't know if like Hellblazer was like written by one guy or not. Anyway, so, sorry. So I- yeah. So no, that's all right. So I'm going to say high tasted, and I would say if we didn't have that image documentary on Prime that you mentioned, probably a Tupperware. J- just to hear yeah. the insight, um, I prefer that other documentary. Um, this was a little bit of an ego play for Todd, and I don't blame Todd for that. He deserves it. Um, but um, I prefer that other documentary just to tell the story of what happened at that time. I'll I'll agree with that. I think the Image Revolution is a superior documentary i liked i did like that they get into the lawsuit about tony twist Uh, yeah that's great i actually um he played for the peoria riverman jake oh yeah we we loved the tony twist references in the early issues of spawn i I was a kid i met tony twist Did you have to just grind his gears? No, I met Tony Twist before like all this happened. I think I met, I think I met Tony Twist. Well, it would have been 1991 
when I met Tony Twist and I got like an right auto before probably. I got an autograph from Tony Twist. Um in the my I had a friend who had season tickets and he like after every game we could go into the back and like meet the players and stuff like that and get uh autographs and stuff like that and Tony Twist was back there and I got a Tony Twist autograph. But yeah, they talked about that Tony Twist um lawsuit and I was like, Holy shit, yeah, I remember meeting Tony Twist. So that's crazy. Yeah. Did you rate this? No, I haven't rated it. I'll give it a I'll give it a high tasted as well. I, I really enjoyed this quite a bit. It's not as good as the image revolution, but my God, I what I really loved about this is like Todd talking about like kind of like how um the character of Spawn is and uh um his determination and his drive comes from Todd's love of his wife. And you really saw that come through in this documentary. <laughs> you really did. Like Todd is like such a family man and such like a, such a good husband. Um, and I, I think like it really, what I do Tupperware is like Todd basically kind of like, um, opening up in this documentary mm-hmm. to the point where he's like, I, I don't understand why my wife is still with me. That like that was a real fucking moment, man. Like, and I'll tell you what, my mind went to those early issues of Spawn, and, and I gotta be honest, I never. To me, Spawn was more about the art, right? And if 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 you guys love the Spawn story, so be it. There's nothing wrong with it, but to me, it was eye candy, and it really was all about Wanda. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. This this was a low taste it for me. I, I, Todd McFarlane's one of my. 10 favorite comic book artists of all time, but man, I don't know. This felt like it glossed over a lot of the more interesting things I would like them to talk about. Um, it almost felt like a propaganda film for him <laughs> to get money for the spawn movie. Like maybe that was the whole intention of this being made. I, I thought for a while watching this. Um, so that was kind of weird. Um, man, I, I love Todd McFarlane, but like, I, I really wanted to know more about just like, the downfall of it all, you know, cause there was, he took a lot of hits and they just kind of, that's like a three minute segment of the doc. It felt like, you know, the problems he had with McFarlane toys. I, I find the Neil Gaiman lawsuit really interesting mm-hmm. because he's such a revered person within the comic book industry. And that was very interesting when it was happening, um, with the dark ages spawn stuff. And they just kind of briefly gloss over that. Um, I mean, yeah, if you're a Todd McFarlane fan, this is 100% worth a watch. But if you're not, I don't think you have no business being here. It's not that fascinating to an outsider, I wouldn't think. Quentin, did you get a chance to see this? No, I didn't. So I'm learning a lot. I just didn't have time to watch it. Right on. Yeah, Todd McFarlane, like hell I won't. It's on sci-fi. I think you can watch it on YouTube as well. I don't know. I think you can. I think it's on Sci-Fi's YouTube. I watched it on the Sci-Fi app, and woof, they brutalized me with commercials on that thing. They were like three-minute, 30 breaks between why didn't, like every hey, segment. And why didn't you bring this up in your uh, Good Pump Head Pop, man? What, the uh, Sci-Fi? No, the commercials from Sci-Fi. Oh, they were bad. They were all tosses. Oh, all right. And it was one of the, I don't know if you've seen one of these streaming services, but it was the same five commercials every time. Oh, I hate that fucking shit. Oh my God. Yeah, was, it, was it, was it, was it apartments.com? You're watching Jeff Goldblum the whole fucking time. No, it was, it was not that. Unfortunately, I, I really <laughs> did my best to tune out what was going on. 
But the way they they do this with every show on Sci-Fi Network. I don't know why, but the commercial breaks are set up where you get one really big 15-minute segment. And then mm-hmm. every segment after that is about four minutes shorter. To Like the last two segments are four-minute segments. Yeah. And that really made it annoying with all the uh, paid commercials. Jesus Christ. I, you know, I think our listener that wanted us to fucking uh, break this show up into, like, different fucking episodes is right. Like, we're like, I'm sticking the same. We're, we're like three fucking hours in and we haven't even fucking got to the news yet. We're going to take a quick, we're gonna, the news episodes next. We're going to take a quick break. I don't care if anybody had personal good pop, bad pop. You can fuck off with that shit. Yeah, you can, I agree. You can fuck right off with that shit. Seriously. You can, I don't, Quentin. Greg, if you had personal good pop, bad pop, you can take that and shove it straight up your fucking ass. All right? You got it. You got it, man. I had personal, and I told it to fucking stick it up the ass like an hour ago. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to come back with the Pop Culture Leftovers news. We are going to blaze through this shit. All right? We are going to fucking blaze through the rest of this fucking show. All right. Remember how earlier I talked about how I don't like to be on a time limit? I feel like I am now. <laughs> See, I I was saying we shouldn't do episodes like PTI. Let's do a PTI news. Oh my god. Seriously, we're going to burn through this shit. This is like the the rest of it is going to it's going to be the premature ejaculation version of PCL. Finally, something I can relate to. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Quentin, I knew, I knew there was a reason we had you on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Baking pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Baking pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon pancakes. Baking pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Hey, we're back. Oh, fuck me. Um, <laughs> quality break. I feel really refreshed. It's yeah. time. It's time for the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye. Read all about it. It's a leftover news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. Oh my god. I got a bunch of news here. I'm gonna skip a bunch of it. I'm fucking. I'm ready. I'm ready to wrap this shit. We're going to fly through this shit. What is it? Dave Franco is out doing fucking uh, promotions for his uh, directing debut for the rental. And he revealed to uh, Insider, this comes from Dark Horizons, that he's preparing to take on the role of one of the 1990s most iconic figures, rapper Vanilla Ice. Remember we wow. talked about, remember we talked about um, the project last year. We talked about to the extreme. Franco spoke publicly about the role for the first time in a profile story for the magazine saying, quote, we have been in development for a while, but we are inching closer and closer to, re- uh, to pre-production. 
Currently, there's no start date on the project due to the pandemic. The project was first heard about last year when the film To the Extreme popped up in a listing and ultimately made last year's blacklist. Penned by screenwriters Chris Goodwin and Philip Van, the synopsis reads, from a high school dropout selling cars in Dallas to having the first hip-hop single to the top the Billboard charts with Ice Ice Baby, a young Vanilla Ice, a.k.a. Rob Van Winkle, struggles with stardom, extortion attempts, and selling out as he makes music history. Franco says he envisions the project to be tonally akin to The Disaster Artist, less broad comedy and more played for real, which makes it both funnier and more heartfelt. Vanilla Isis to the Extreme album sold 15 million copies worldwide and spent 16 weeks atop the Billboard 200. Ice briefly... Ice briefly dated Madonna and starred in his own film, Cool as Ice. Have you, have you guys ever watched Cool as Ice? Yeah, dude, I, I, have, I said on this podcast, we used to have the movie poster in our living room. Oh, man, Cool as Ice. But Sardom quickly faded as he's now a fixture on reality TV circuit. Franco confirms he's been talking with the real Vanilla Ice, who is making us privy to information the public doesn't know. So... Yeah, this is happening, and Dave Franco is playing Rob Van Winkle, a.k.a. Vanilla Fucking Ice. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm excited because of that description. It really sounds like they're going to do like the Suge Knight stuff, too. Uh, yeah, Suge Knight yeah. fucking him, holding him upside down over a balcony, and that's... What was it? That's how, uh, they, 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 they fucking, uh, took a bunch of fucking money from him and that's how they started, uh, was it Death Row? Death Row, correct. Yeah, yeah Death Row Records. I'm bad at this, but any casting ideas for Suge Knight? Oh, fuck. I don't know. Like, they, they've cast Suge Knight and other shit. They probably, they'll, they'll probably get somebody else though. Yeah. Uh, they should probably cast, what's his fucking name? From fucking, um, Black Panther. Oh, I, I don't, I don't know. The I was thinking of the, the same other, guy. The other tribes guy. Or yes, the, it is, uh. The dude who played Mbaka. Oh, Winston. Uh, Winston Duke. Duke. Winston, Winston Duke. Duke. Winston Duke should be fucking, uh, Suge Knight. Yeah, he'd be perfect. great. The dude from us. Yeah, I fucking love Winston Duke. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see this movie. I, I hope this project happens sooner than later. I think it could be really cool. I think Dave Franco's the perfect guy for this. I, I wish he was involved in the making of the actual movie almost more than starring in it, though. Oh, he's just starring. He, 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 he's the perfect fucking, like, think about, like, fucking, uh, James Franco as Tommy Wiseau in The Disaster Artist. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, yeah, it's a great fucking movie, but I think Dave Franco as Vanilla Ice in this is going to be, I think it's going to be pretty good. Yeah, I'll definitely be there for it. Oh my God. Who did not watch The Last Dance on fucking ESPN? Greg? I'm halfway through it. You're halfway through it? Did you, Mm -hmm. are you watching it on Netflix now? Yes. Quentin, oh, are you, it's on are, Netflix now? It's on Netflix now. Uh, on, on July 19th, it dropped. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually gonna be watching that this week. Alright, you better be watching it. Jake. Oh, I, I promise. <laughs> Jake went, I don't know. You can, 
Well, I, I do know. want to see it. I didn't know it was ever going to be accessible anywhere, but like the ESPN stuff. It was, a, it was, a, it was a, well, it was an ESPN Netflix co-production. So it dropped on ESPN first and then Netflix picked it up on uh, July 19th. But, um, if you didn't get a chance to see it, you can watch it now on Netflix. I saw this headline. This was from Fox Sports. Scotty Pippen finally responds to rumors of bad blood with Michael Jordan. Chicago Bulls legend Scotty Pippen has finally spoken out. An original report came out back in May that Pippen was so angry and beyond livid at Michael Jordan for how he was portrayed in ESPN's The Last Dance docuseries. Pippen's unhappiness supposedly derived from Jordan calling him selfish and that he didn't realize what he was getting himself into with the 10 part series that spanned five weeks. Pippen, however, decided to clarify his true feelings for Jordan. Quote, my relationship with Michael is great. Great as ever. There's nothing changed. He said on the windy city podcast, quote, this documentary has not changed our relationship. We will be friends forever. Jordan and Pippen were the catalyst for the nineties bulls team which came away with six NBA championships over an eight-year span. They were also teammates on the 1992 Dream Team, which won an Olympic gold medal. Despite all the criticism Pippen faced in the docuseries, Jordan said on many occasions, including The Last Dance, that, quote, there would not be a Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen, and every championship I won, you saw Scottie Pippen. When Pippen was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2010, he asked Jordan present him. So, I don't know. I just thought, I thought that was interesting. Every, you know, I just wanted to follow up on that. I think, like, the last dance for me this year has been just, it was an incredible watch, an emotional watch for me. It really took me back to, like, you know, the 90s and, and watching those, uh, those Bulls teams, that dynasty. And, um, I don't know. Just wanted to kind of, like, follow up on that. Cause, like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of people out there saying, does it spit? What's that? Does it spend that much time kind of painting a disturbance between Jordan and Pippen? It spends time kind of like talking about – not really. It does spend time talking about how Pippen did some things during um, Jordan's time out of the league where Pippen was kind of like the leader of the team and um, – Pippen had a real chance here to kind of like take back some decisions that he made and say, yeah, I regretted making those. And like, instead Pippen was like, no, I didn't regret that and blah, 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 blah. I didn't really feel like the documentary kind of like made Pippen look like he didn't appreciate Michael or vice versa. So, so I, I got through the episodes that talk about basically like Pippen took a hometown deal, right? He, got, yeah. he never got he never got paid. Exactly. And I felt very sympathetic towards Scotty. But I, maybe I haven't gotten to the part yet where Michael's because his dad dies. Right. And he leaves for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might not have gotten there yet. But uh, but my my view of Pippen as of where I am in the series is that he's very sympathetic. I mean, they, they introduce us to his family. He seems like a great family man. You know, mm-hmm. I guess I have more catching up to do. It's like, and you, OK, documentary is great. I think it's great. What a lot of people don't realize is that Pippen wrapped up his career in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Pippen came back to Chicago. His he fi- he signed a two year deal with Chicago, and he was only able to play for one year. 
of that two year deal. I think he got injured that last year and couldn't come back. But he finished his he finished his career. He played one more year in Chicago. If you didn't know. I know a lot about the Bulls. It's crazy. John Starks. John Starks played for the Bulls people. John Starks. I just remember him as a Nick. Oh dude. John Starks from the Nick. Fuck yeah, John Starks fucking Bulls hated him. Bulls hated him. Chicago hated him. He played for, John Starks played for the Bulls for a very short time. Just a handful of games. And what was fucked up is when he played for the Bulls, I remember watching these games. The, this never happens. The Bulls team, the Bulls home crowd in Chicago would still boo him even though he wore a Chicago jersey. It was fun. I never seen anything like it. Never seen anything like it. Cause That's Chicago, Chicago is pretty like, they're, they're pretty accepting. Like, I mean, Rodman, Rodman, who like no other team would take him on. Chicago took him on and we loved him here in Chicago. We loved him in Chicago. I say here in Chicago. I'm in central Illinois, but I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. But we loved him and like John Starks, just like all the, that, the, the hatred and vile that we had for John Starks, we still couldn't accept him. He only played for the Bulls for a handful of games. But yeah, Jerry Krause brought him over to Chicago. It was fucking weird. It was fucking weird when he played for the Bulls. Anyway, what else, what else do I got for news? <laughs> Let's move on to Marvel news. How about that? How's that sound? Let's do it. Fuck it. Marvel News. Marvel News. I got Marvel quick news from comicbook.com. This might be happening. I can't confirm it, but Michelle Yao... Uh, the actor, she's from Tomorrow Never Dies. She was in Crazy Rich Asians. She was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Earlier this year, it was revealed that Star Trek Discovery star, she was in talks to join the cast of Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Those rumors were never officially confirmed. Yao recently on an Instagram post has fans thinking she's definitely in. The actor shared a photo of herself getting tested for COVID-19 in Sydney, Australia, which happens to be where the upcoming Marvel movie is filming. And the Instagram post said, second test, sorry, so wimpy, then has fab dinner to calm nerves. Four more days. So she's in Sydney doing something. People are kind of putting this together. So it looks like Michelle Yao might be starring in Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. So that's exciting. I like her a lot, and I think she'd be a great addition to the cast. Don't know who she's playing, though. Yeah, she's great. I think she brings a lot of gravitas to the project. Loki TV series news. This comes from Dark Horizons. Marvel Studios managed to get at least two months into filming on its event series Loki before the coronavirus pandemic shut it down in March. Filming is reportedly now slated to resume in August at Pinewood Atlanta Studios. Recently, actress Gugu Bambatha-Raw, who is presently unknown role in the series, spoke about working on the show and 
how her character will be a part of something not seen in the films or shows as yet, but will be familiar to comic fans. Time Variance Authority. We know that Time Variance Authority is going to be a part of this series, and it looks like, uh, what's his name? Owen Wilson is going to be part of the Time Variance Authority. Mm-hmm. Um, the fictional organization monitors timelines to ensure someone doesn't go messing around with them. Uh, she was talking to Entertainment Tonight. She says, it goes to other places and you get to see Loki mature in a different way. It's going to be exciting for the fans to really see Tom and that character take the center of the story. Okay, she says we're going to get to see that character mature in different ways. I want everybody to remember that the Loki that we're seeing in this series is the Loki that we saw in Endgame that basically was the was the Loki that we saw at the end of Avengers that hasn't experienced the death of his mother Frigga, that hasn't experienced the death of Odin. This is the the Loki that didn't sacrifice himself for Thor at the beginning of Infinity War. So, I mean, this is a very, this is a different Loki. This is not the, so we're going to get to see this Loki. It seems like, it seems like we're going to get to see this Loki mature, just like we saw the other Loki mature. So, like, it's going to happen either way, is what it sounds like, from the quotes from Gugu Mabatha-Ra. Even though we're starting with an evil Loki, it's not set in stone that he will stay that way much like the current timeline Loki he could kind of become more noble you sound like shit what the fuck are you are you talking in a fucking McDonald's like are you talking in a Big Mac's box or something a Big Mac box like, what are you, no I don't know why it sounds so you bad you sound like shit you sounds good to me alright you sound like Jake, you're not you're not cleaning an aquarium are you Blank? <laughs> <laughs> no no <laughs> get away you <laughs> Jake's part-time job at SeaWorld. <laughs> He's got his head in a 20-gallon fish tank. He's on night shift. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. Yeah, you sound like shit over here, Jake. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Do you want me to reboot? Ah, fuck it. Do whatever you want, Jake. You know what I mean? I don't know. Watch a show. Don't watch a show. Sound like shit. Sound like shit. Don't sound like shit. Do what you want, man. You do it. You know what I mean? Have it your way. (laughs) Who said that? Burger King? Have it your way? Uh, That that was Burger King, yes. Yeah, have it your way, Jake. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You ever go to McDonald's and try to customize your order like that? They'll straight up tell you to fuck off. Have it your way? Well, there's only so far you can go with customizing McDonald's. That's all I'm going to say. Oh my God. Okay. Like, like how far did you go? Where did you take this? I wanted everything but onions on my burger. Uh huh. And they told me to fuck off. What? They said those exact words? Basically. That sounds like McDonald's. Yeah. You can ask for everything. You can ask for without onions. They can make that fresh. But then they pulled that COVID shit. They're like, you know, we can only do so much right now because, like, I don't know how not putting onions on my fucking burger has anything to do with COVID. <laughs> I'm sorry. We can move on. No, I think we need to land here. 
I'm I'm very interested because Craig, I worked I, at McDonald's. I think like you, you know, really? earlier yeah, I, I worked at McDonald's as well. Earlier we had the listener that was basically saying like, you know, could you break your show up into different segments and, mm-hmm. you know, disperse them throughout the week? I honestly think that you have found a new avenue that we can take the show in where we can talk about special orders on McDonald's orders. I think like that should be like the show going forward. I think like, I think that's the new direction of the show. I think like that's what we should be talking about. I think that's important. Can, can I get some particular insight from both of you guys though, then having been former employees of McDonald's? Yeah, sure. I love the vanilla milkshake at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. When I order it, 60% of the time, the machine is broken. I'm to- that's what I'm told. Yeah. So it's who's who's the fucking asshole who invented that machine that barely ever fucking works or have they been lying to me all these years? They've been lying to you. Like the machine Why? it takes Why? A, it takes a long time at night. It takes a long time to like clean the machine. Mhm. To get it you know what I mean? Like if you want to close the store, you got to clean the machine. And it takes a while. To, they just clean it early and they tell you that it's broke that way they don't have to fucking like clean it later. Son of a bitch. Prime time to get a milkshake is 11 to 3 o'clock. Next time they say that shit to me, I'm calling them on it. Good. As you should, man. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to do you any good. Though. Yeah, because then oh, they'll just spit in your milkshake. No, it'll do me yeah. good. We talked about, Mike, I'll get a fucking tractor and bulldozer and I'll put metal on it and I will level that fucking McDonald's to the ground. <laughs> Let's tread lightly here. Come on. Oh, man, I had so much more news that I wanted to talk about, but I hate this episode so much that I just want to end it. Come on. This has been fun. I think you're stupid. No. (laughs) (laughs) You really do? No, dude. How do you think? That hurts a little bit. No, dude. (laughs) Dude, I love you. But like, how do you think this has been fun? I, I, I like your show. I've listened to, I, and this to me has been a fun episode of your show. Then you should be like, wow, it's really fun that Brian's trying to streamline this show and that it, and that he, <laughs> and that he thinks it's, it's stupid. I don't yeah. think I don't think you're stupid. That was a mean thing for me to say. And that's that, okay. I'll get that, over it. No, someday. that's I mean, that's good. No. I'm not gonna lie, it cut me deep, but it, I'll get over it. Well that's a fucked up thing for me to say. That was a fucked up thing for I was thinking like, oh that might be no, funny in the funny. moment and then it came out of my mouth and you were all like your pussy got hurt and I was like, Oh fuck. No, no. I feel oh, like, it's okay. No, it's I feel like it, it, I'm not gonna it, lie, it hurt. It was funny in the moment. Thank you. You're welcome. I mean it was funny to you guys, let's be honest. Yeah, I did laugh too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love how everybody else concurs and, and, and uh, <laughs> I'm glad you got enjoyment from my pain. I know. I Is there felt, anything else you want to say to me I, while we're um just so you guys can yuck it up at um, uh, at your expense? I feel bad for you at all, just, Greg. You've gotten plenty of enjoyment from my pain this episode too. So. Yeah. What are you just talking about? Yo, you brought all <laughs> Jake, you brought all that pain on yourself for not watching anything. Oh, I'm not saying that I didn't, but it's not. I didn't revel in any of your non-watchingness. I totally, I just, I like your opinions 
and you you know this week you didn't really watch a whole lot of. Th- I just was curious what you did since you didn't watch a lot of the stuff. But that I was that was just a question. It's it not just this week. It's literally every fucking week of the show, Greg. You act like this is fucking like new territory. Yeah, I mean, it's a, but it's part. But Jake, Jake watches other stuff too. I mean, he's always you know. Deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> now the show is shit. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to ruin pop culture leftovers by not watching like a ton of shit. Well, you've been. Well, you know, three years later, you finally say that. Are you kidding me? No. I didn't realize you're so mad at me. I'm not. Oh my! This is a I fucking. It's a fucking. Oh God! If you really felt that bad, if you really felt that bad, you would have watched something this week. Knock it off, right? right. I mean, Make I did watch like no. three or four things. I mean, I just didn't have time to watch nine or ten things. <laughs> Jake, do you still want to do that um, Blossom retrospective podcast with me? Because I'll totally. Down. I'm still okay. down for that. Great. Yeah, I can, I can hear episode three now. Oh, I, I didn't watch it. <laughs> he's had, he's had like 30 years. <laughs> Ooh, didn't see that coming, Greg. Wow. Way to pick your co-host. <laughs> We're going to do a special feature on the episode where James Marsden punched her in the face. <laughs> Jake, I'm just fucking with you. Jesus Christ. Oh, I know. I know. I'm not mad at you. I'm, you know, I just, I wish I did, was able to watch more of these shows. I wish there was unlimited hours in the day. <laughs> but I mean, I, I just, I do other things a lot of times too, you know? Oh my God. Now we're getting all serious and it sounds awful. Now, now it's, I'm going to get, now I'm going to get the Brian, Brian's a bully emails and all this other fucking I shit. I don't think I'm already writing mine right now. I swear. <laughs> you, I, all the Brian's a bully shit. You fuck, you're fucking pussies. All these fucking pussies out there that listen to this shit and have to let me know that I'm a fucking bully. I don't know. The pussies can go away. I, I'm, you're not a bully whatsoever. Jesus Christ. It's, 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 it's that week. It's that week where I'm fucking calling it out. I love you, Jake. I'm just calling it out. <laughs> I'm calling, this is the week where I'm calling it out. DC News. Are you ready? Oh, Jake, Jake, Jake. <laughs> yeah, I thought we were skipping all this. Oh, God. <laughs> now I skipped a fuck ton of Marvel segue. news. You have no fucking idea how much Marvel news I skipped. I skipped a bunch of fucking regular news. Um, the DC news is actually probably the most interesting shit this week. Um, Dave Batista tried out for, uh, the role of Bane in Matt Reeves, the Batman. This comes from comicbook.com. Marvel Cinematic Universe star Dave Batista responded to fan speculation on social media that against his best efforts, he will not be playing the role of Bane. In Matt Reeves' upcoming The Batman, rumors surrounding Batista and the Venom-driven Batman villain began circling last December when the actor tweeted a photo outside the Warner Brothers studio lot with the caption, It won't come to you, so get after it. Hashtag Dream Chaser. More recently, Batista finally responded to speculation after fans asked to make it happen. The actor confirmed that he wouldn't be playing the role and he retweeted a fan and he said, unfortunately, it's not. Tried my best. So it's not happening. Dave Batista will not be playing Bane in the upcoming Matt Reeves, the Batman. 
I don't know. Somebody's going to get the role. It sounds like. You don't think it was just maybe a creative decision to not use the character at the end of the day, or that he just did not land the role. I mean, everybody else is fucking in the in the, in this movie. Yeah, Penguin, yeah. Cat. I I mean, I don't know, man. I the mean, Riddler too, right? Yeah, the well, oh, yeah. Paul Big role. Paul Dano's playing the Riddler. Yeah. Uh, that's right. I, I was just making sure I couldn't remember. Paul Dano's playing the Riddler. We've got Colin Farrell as the Penguin. We've got, um, uh, what's her name? Zoe Kravitz, Kravitz. as Catwoman. Um, but, uh, yeah, Bane. It looks like the, I, I guess they're casting a Bane. I mean, if you'd think, oh, here's the thing. I was thinking to myself, like, okay, so. If if Bane was showing up in the Suicide Squad movie, Batista m- might get, you know what I mean? He might get it because it's fucking James Gunn. But, like, if they're going to use Bane in the Batman movie, I mean, there's a good chance, you know, I mean... I, they might not be looking at Dave Batista as the guy for, for Bane. So do you think there's any chance that this all went on when James Gunn was on the outs with Disney? And because if I'm like, I don't know, but if I'm Disney, I don't like I don't like my actors also playing DC characters. I'm not happy with that. I don't, I don't know if there's anything contractually that keeps there's nothing doing it. But. There's no I, I there's an article you can look it up. I can't find it. I, I won't be able to find it right now. But we talked about it in the past. Contractually, there's nothing stopping any of these actors from playing Marvel and DC characters. Gotcha. Gotcha. Unless they included it in their initial contract, but there's nothing. I mean, you can play a Marvel and DC character as far as I know. There's nothing contractually stopping them. And I think, and if there was, it wouldn't be forever. It would be probably like a minimum, like anywhere from three to 10 year clause. Yeah. Well, the other thing is we don't know. Do we know if Matt Reeves, Batman is in the DC, well, let me, is in let, the same universe as James Gunn's Suicide Squad? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Can I just point this out real quick? Taika Waititi, I know this is completely different. Taika Waititi, who directs Thor Ragnarok and is going to direct Thor Love and Thunder. There's nothing stopping him from acting in the Suicide Squad, which is happening. He's acting in the Suicide Squad. He's going to be a voice actor. Oh, no way. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's nothing stopping him. There's also like James Gunn is directing the Suicide Squad and also coming back to direct Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Um I, I, I know we've had our fair share of like actors like be in the MCU. Um, but as far as like, we're talking about a clause or something like that, like two to three years, there's nothing like that as far as I know, because Idris Elba is in the suicide squad and he was just most recently Heimdall in the Marvel movies. So yeah. everything that I've read is saying like, there's nothing against them also being in DC movies. I just think like the Marvel movies, if you're a big character, if you're playing a big part in the Marvel movies, it's going to be hard to fucking fit a DC movie in your schedule. Right. You know, Prime I mean, the time that makes sense. Yeah. Like think about like Brie Larson, who's going to be Captain Marvel. Like when is she going to fucking have a, have the time to play a DC character? 
if they cast her. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it, she's going to do other movies, yeah. they're probably not going to be big franchise flicks like that. Yeah. There's no way you're going to get fucking her playing Captain Marvel and then also them casting her as like Barbara Gordon. It's not going to fucking happen. It just, she just doesn't have the time. It just doesn't make sense. That's a huge commitment. I can see her like doing like an independent film in the interim between Captain Marvel movies. But like for her to fucking like try to work out a deal for where she can play like Barbara Gordon. Right. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Batgirl's going to be a big part of the DCEU when they do introduce her. So it's going to be very difficult. Um, but as far as I know, there's like, there's nothing like everything I've read. There's nothing contractually that they ever set up that they can't be in a DC movie. Did you see um, Zoe Kravitz in the Catwoman costume? No, shut the Holy fuck up! Balls! It is a Darwin Cook illustration come to life. It is nailed. Um, I saw somebody in the army shared it today on Facebook. Really? Um, with and you, you have to see it. It is amazing. Ah, rest in peace, Darwin Cook. I fucking yeah. love. I fucking love Darwin Cook. I got. I got to see this. I got to see this. You got to send this to me later. I'll, I'll see if I can find it Google now. It right now. Yeah. Hmm, was that an official release? I don't know. Um, was it some like it. Boss Logic shit or something like that? No, no, it definitely wasn't fake because because they had Robert Pattinson's Batman right next to her. Well, I mean, there's already been a ton of set photos that have been released, like people that have shown up on set and taken pictures before the lockdown happened, so before the pandemic, but. I don't think that they're talking about filming the Batman again until September, last I read. It's like the soonest that they're talking about filming for that fucking movie again. Flash yeah, it's going to be all on set too, right now? Yeah, they're talking about, like, it's all going to be fucking on set. So they stopped with all the locations. So it's going to be like going back to, like, the Burton days when it was all fucking filmed in studio. They're going to build the sets. Yeah, which is unfortunate because I, I know Matt Reeves is the kind of filmmaker I think he kind of designs his shots as he's writing the movie. So I'm sure in some ways it'll alter his vision. I don't know. I don't know. I part of me, part of me, part of me loved fucking Tim Burton's Batman though, and the way that it looked and how it was all filmed on a set. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it could be a happy accident. Oh, Quentin, did you send me this picture? Yeah, I did. Let me look at this shit, dude. Yeah, I just found it, too. Yeah, I gave up. I could not find it. Oh, shit, dude. That looks real to me, doesn't it? That looks pretty damn good. Yeah, that looks pretty real. Pattinson's suit. Is that the same suit that we saw? Yeah, yeah that was... Collar. Yeah, like how is It feels like his, like... Um. Yeah, it's like an armored suit okay. that I think we saw on the motorcycle or whatever. I am going to I'm going to post this picture in the show notes for this episode if you guys want to see it. So check it out there. Depending on I don't know, depending on where you're listening to our fucking podcast, some Spotify doesn't fucking show the pictures, but if you listen to our podcast on fucking iTunes, it should be there. And if you listen to our fucking podcast on, I know, oh God, I listen, Pocket Cast, that's where I go. With Pocket Cast, you'll be able to see it. 
Anyway, uh, Flash movie news from CBR.com. Comments from the Flash director, Andy Muschietti. This was the IT director. Further suggests that the upcoming DC Extended Universe film will, at least to some extent, adapt the status quo altering DC Comics tale Flashpoint. Quote, this... This is an interview that he had with Orden67, and he uh, was giving the interview in Spanish. So this is translated from Spanish. He says, it is a story of time travel. Flash travels back to try to save his mother. It is a spectacular action movie, but it has a big heart. Now, this sounds eerily similar to the plot of Flashpoint, the 2011 DC Comics limited series by Jeff Johns and Andy Kubert which set the new 52 relaunch into motion. Andy Kubert, man, those Kubert boys are fucking amazing artists. They are. They are. I mean, they're like, fantastic. their father I'm a big was, Adam fan myself. I love them both. I, I, I fucking think they're fantastic. Their father, nobody could draw Hawkman like their fucking father. But anyway, like, the, the Kubert boys, I think they're amazing artists. I could, I don't think they're the best writers. I love their art, though. Just being 100% honest here. But, um, this, the Flashpoint story, it follows Barry Allen as he travels back in time to save his mother, Nora Allen. Nora had been murdered by Eobard Thawne, Professor Zoom, reverse Flash when Barry was only a child, with his father, Dr. Henry Allen, being framed for the crime. And trying to undo this sequence of events, Barry inadvertently creates a new reality. One on the brink of total destruction. Muschietti previously hinted at his Flash film taking elements from the comic, though said it features a different version of Flashpoint than you're expecting. Barry Allen's first solo DCEU outing was previously slated to actually be titled Flashpoint, though that was before Muschietti's screenwriter and Christina Hodson boarded the project. So... I don't know. Like, what do you guys, what do you think about that? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to jump into this a little bit more because I got more rumors here from another outlet about what's going to be different about this. Like, this is what is the same when it comes to Flashpoint and that new 52 relaunch. Flash travels back in time to save his mother. I just don't feel like they've earned the Flash doing this yet at all. Like, they've yet to make us really love this movie Flash at all to now make us care about the ultimate payoff. But their hands are forced at this point, don't you think? I mean, with with them introducing a new Batman, if they do want to bring this Batman into the overall universe at one point, if they, you know what I mean? If they want to, ret- if they want to retcon, I know you agree. I, dude, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, have they earned this shit? Fuck no. But on the flip side, uh, if we got to undo everything in the Snyderverse, if Flashpoint seems like what they need to do, like that's what Flashpoint did in the comics. It's it, 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 the new 52. They basically in the new 52, Jake, and you know this. They picked and choose what they what they wanted to keep and what they didn't want to keep. From yeah, it's just a shame that they can't do at least one Flash movie first. You know, like it's like a, an alternate universe 
bringing in an alternate alternate universe at this point. It's just a really wild concept to do just immediately. But but I get it. How much how much of this fucking movie is going to be them just resetting the universe? Mm-hmm. Well, one th- I'm see that's what I'm curious about too. So like I, it seems all too convenient that they're doing Flashpoint at a time in which it would make a lot of sense for them to do some continuity fixing. That being said, I don't does it feel like their end game is still an extended shared universe at this point or is that just I mean they've been much more successful just making good movies. I dude, Greg, I I agree with you 100%. Like dude, should they even give a fuck anymore? It's like, you know what? You want Wonder Woman to be in a movie? Go ahead. Put her in a movie, whatever. Mhm. Mhm. But we're not getting Justice League again. Outside of the you know the Snyder cut, we're not getting a Justice League movie. Maybe that's what Flashpoint will will say. Maybe it won't be creating a new shared universe, but just erasing the concept of it, but still leaving a door open that if anything gets big enough, they could possibly do crossover events. Like maybe it's not so much to create a shared universe, but to deconstruct it. And what about what about the, what about these rumors of the Shazam movies? We're gonna mm-hmm. get the we're gonna get the Black Adam movie, and yeah. then like the third movie in that series is gonna be like Superman kind of being a mentor sh- to Shazam, right? Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. There's so much that I wish they could just restart, but they but they can't because money talks and the success but of they Shazam can. and they, Wonder Woman. They can with Flashpoint. But see, that goes back to Greg's point of Flashpoint. Is Flashpoint going to be kind of like the start of a new extended universe? Or is it going to be more of like, let's just make individual movies? Greg is saying like, hey, I think like this individual movie stuff has been working. If you just look at Wonder Woman, and, and I know like Wonder Woman has its detractors. Joker. There are, yeah, exactly. It, well, you can look at Joker as a completely like, an Elseworlds story. You can look at maybe as Matt Reeves, the Batman as an Elseworlds story. Um, right. But, but if you wanted to tie in Shazam with the DCEU, the DC universe, if you wanted to tie in Aquaman and Wonder Woman, you could tie those in. Those are easily tied in. But Greg, you're saying like, and I, I agree with you. I think those movies work better separately. Without without bringing them together, the Flashpoint the, the whole the whole reason to do Flashpoint is to kind of like reset this universe to bring it all back to take what they like from what they've done, keep that, and then leave out what they don't want, which basically keeping Aquaman intact. Uh, maybe getting a new Mira because of all the Amber Heard fucking, uh, flack that's come about. Uh, you know, right. but, 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 but keeping Aquaman, keeping Jason Momoa intact in that character, keeping Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, um, getting rid of the Snyderverse. That never happened. That never happened. But what are we going to do with Cavill? Oh, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. We don't know. Um, Greg, I, dude, I don't have an answer for you. Yeah. I don't. I mean, yeah. If they were doing a multiverse instead of an extended universe per se, then mm. you know what? Anybody can be in anybody's movie. Fuck it. You just chime it up to the multiverse and 
make good movies. You know, you, you want Gal Gadot to appear in a movie with Robert Pattinson. It's uh, Wonder Woman in that timeline when Robert Pattinson was Batman, Batman done. Uh, I could see them going that route and not necessarily trying to do this 20 picture epic like Marvel did. Just it's like it's basically an out to put anybody in anybody's movie. Mm-hmm. Um, let me get into this rumor that comes from Heroic Hollywood. Uh, it's about Ezra Miller and his Flash movie. And the title of this article was Ezra Miller's The Flash Won't Include the Amazon Atlantean War. Uh, you guys, I don't know if you've read Flashpoint, if you've watched the DC animated movie, that was a big part of it. Mm-hmm. When it was announced yeah. that Ezra Miller's The Flash movie would be loosely based on the Flashpoint storyline, fans wondered exactly what that would mean for the Scarlet Speedster's first solo flick. Then it was revealed that a major detail from Flashpoint would be altered for the movie version as Jeffrey Dean Morgan's Thomas Wayne won't be featured in it. Instead, the Flash will include Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne with the actor reprising his role as Batman for the first time since 1992. I'm excited about that. I'm excited. Oh, my God. Am I excited about that? I I don't care. I don't care. I, I know some people are like, oh, my God. You know, like, why are they doing, I'm excited, I'm excited to see what this fucking Batman, this version of Batman is 30 years later. Like, you know, I want to, I want to know, I want to, I want to know where this version of Batman is now, 30 years later, since we first saw his, since we last saw him in Batman Returns in 1992. Anyway, this article goes on to say, in the Flashpoint comic book arc, Thomas Wayne becomes Batman after Bruce Wayne is the one who dies in Crime Alley. So the movie version is already set to be very different. The changes don't stop there. An insider notes that besides there being no Thomas Wayne, Flashpoint Batman, in the yet-to-be-titled The Flash movie, there will also be no Atlanteans Amazonian War either with these two key flashpoint plot points missing from the movie the fans should expect a very different take on the classic storyline and i like you know i don't know um if you guys have watched the flashpoint dc animated movie that's a big (laughs) that's a big part of the story yeah well it seems like a budget saver maybe i don't know yeah it seems like they're just taking the flashpoint main concept and kind of doing what they will with it, like not really being tied to having to have the alternate realities that were featured in the comic and the cartoon storyline, but as an excuse to do whatever alternate reality storylines they want to do, which can be fun in its own right. Cause I mean, it's always fun to be surprised by what things are happening in a different version of the reality. Like, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't take it for granted that it's not going to, be a faithful adaptation of the comic book because maybe they'll bring us something really interesting and new just not being tied to that. I, I think the Michael Keaton stuff's already like one point yes, of that. Yes, yes, yeah. I agree. I agree. And here's the thing. It's like when we watched Age of Ultron, did that have anything to do with the Age of Ultron comic book? Oh, God, no. No. Oh, yeah, no. exactly. I mean, but I do like the idea on Flashpoint specifically – of ignoring what happened in the comic book for the sake of shocking us 
with alternate takes on these beloved characters. Like, I think if they do that smartly, that could be a great pick. Is the fucking endgame a flashpoint to retcon everything that's happened before? Uh, To a degree. I, I bet it will have something to say about the state of the DC movie universe. I think what it's... I don't think it's going to retcon so much as excuse changes that are going to happen in the future. You know, there's one thing about you mentioned Michael Keaton's Batman, and I I sincerely doubt this will ever be referenced. But this is an old Batman who went through his career with the Joker dying very early in his career. Right. Like basically, like I become Batman, I meet the Joker, I kill the Joker, and then I live on many, many years as Batman. It's just interesting to me. There's no Jason Todd. There's no Joker's not there to torment him for his whole life, unless there's some kind of you know he's always the guy who killed his parents sort of thing. I, I don't know. It's interesting. Would, would you would your mind be blown if? Oh my god! I know. Fan, I, don't think I, that's I know. The case. Would your mind be blown if? Well, I want to get back to what you're saying, Jake, but would your mind be blown if we did get Ben Affleck to suit up again and he stood side by side with the Michael Keaton Batman? Oh, I'd love it. Quentin loves it. Quentin loves it. I could see them doing that. I'm not the biggest fan of it. Like, I'm not fist pumping for it. But that's the exact type of thing I'm talking about, just a, a way to excuse the changing of the guard whenever and however they want. And that's the perfect kind of thing that punctuates that, I would think, is to have Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton in a scene together. Oh, I don't have, I don't have any attachment to Michael to, to Ben Affleck's Batman at all. It's not about nostalgia so much as it is like just explaining how different actors and different timelines can happen. Yeah. But all be connected again whenever they want them to be. So, okay, where does this go? Where does this go? If Flashpoint happens, if Flashpoint, ha- what is that fucking noise? It's not me. Is somebody fucking blowing up a fucking blow up doll? I hear it, but it's not me either. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think I think Jake just removed a marble sword tail from the tank. <laughs> <laughs> is the end? Is the end goal here though? Like, because is the end goal to introduce Robert Pattinson's Batman as the future Batman going forward? Or is that going to be like an Elseworld story that's going to be totally living on its own, its own entity, kind of like the Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix? Or introducing Michael Keaton as an older Batman and not being able to fucking you know, continue on as Batman. He he sees that his age is becoming a problem. We've got like maybe like one more movie where he's like, you know, maybe he's a mentor. Maybe we do get one more final movie where he is Batman. And, um, and, uh, you know, we do get a, like an action movie with him. Like, and you could say, oh, he's too old. He can't do it. But the, then again, guys realize that he, he literally just played the vulture in fucking, you know, homecoming. And, you know, he was a pretty active villain in that movie. I think that he still got a little bit more left in him. We could still see, you know, him as Batman with some action in a future yeah. film. We get one more movie like that where he's like, he's like Batman and he's on his last legs and he's fucking doing one final thing before he finally passes the torch 
the mantle of Batman onto a Terry McGinnis and we get, you know, Batman Beyond? Could that, is that where they're going or are they, are they using Flashpoint to bring Robert Pattinson's Batman to the, into this universe? Like that's where I'm kind of like stumped on like where they're going. Uh, and the, cause they're not, guys, they're not just gonna like, it's not just, they're not done with Batman. We're, we're getting more Batman. No, I right. agree. I wouldn't be surprised if they did the Terry McGinnis stuff. Um, that's a franchise they've never forgotten about, and they always heavily promote every time they re-release on DVD or add to a streaming service. Like, Batman Beyond has never been kind of hid, hid away in a closet by Warner Brothers. And right. I, I do think they would play that card again. And there would be a lot of nostalgia and love, I think, if they did a live-action, big-screen Batman Beyond Terry McGinnis story. Quentin, you seem to be in agreement. I would love to have Robert Pattinson be kind of that. I know he's going to be Bruce Wayne, but they could kind of do that storyline where, like, it's the older Batman training the new Batman, but it's just another iteration of Bruce Wayne. Um, because I love Batman Beyond as a, yeah, growing up, but... I don't know. I'm so, I'm kind of like you, Brian. Like I have these expectations, but at the same time, I don't know what I want. If that makes sense. I, I, I honestly, what I want is I want the, I want Matt Reeves Batman to be its own separate thing. I yeah. Want audience, and, I'm, and I, I view that too. Like I think that as well. I want audiences to be able to understand it though. <laughs> I want audiences to be able to understand it. That it's its own separate thing that we're not going to see Pattinson take on the role in like whatever extended universe they're planning. And I would like to see Michael Keaton pass the torch onto another Batman and for it to be Terry McGinnis and them to get another actor into the role. Whoever that, whoever that actor might be. But I, I, I don't know. Everything's so confusing and up in the air. We're, we're, we're in such a like, we're in so, we're in like limbo with like the DCEU with them kind of like giving us what like a lot of fans want with the Snyder cut, but then also kind of like it feels like Flashpoint's going to retcon everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, 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 we're, we're in such a weird place with DCEU that I, I don't know if anybody can tell us exactly what we're going to get. Like, it doesn't sound like they're going to go with Thomas Wayne. Uh, we're not going to get, we're not going to get Bruce dying in crime alley and Thomas Wayne becoming this Batman that uses guns. And then we're not going to, it's not like we're going to get Jeffrey Dean Morgan, you know, as fucking like Punisher Batman, like we got in the fucking comics and like we got in the animated film. Um, they're taking what they want and, uh, from these stories and, uh, using it for the, for the cinematic universe going forward. I, I, it, oh, I, 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 it's, I, it's hard not to think about how much creative input they're really giving Muschietti in this project too. When you start like making it this tool that has to move this whole thing forward, like, is that the creator's idea or is that a mandate from Warner Brothers at that point? And we've seen before in other movies, like what can happen when you meddle too much like that, you, you get an uncohesive mess, you know? I keep thinking well, they, if we get, if I think he, I keep thinking if we get Muschietti, we're going to get, who's the actor that played Pennywise? Skarsgård? Yeah. 
Yeah. Scars. I, I, I keep feeling like they're going to cast him as Joker just because of Machete's involvement. Oh, God. Oh, gosh. That's like such typecasting. I would hope you wouldn't accept that role. That Flashpoint movie has been through a lot of directors, though, hasn't it? A ton of directors. Of I mean, and, and, weren't uh, Lord and Miller on board for Lord a little Miller bit? And, Lord and Miller, yeah. they were actually, they were, on, they were on board to either write the screenplay or direct one of the two. And I know that they, and then they had, um, the game night directors, John Francis Daly and, um, is it S- Seth Goldberg or? Yes. I know it's John Francis Daly and, and, uh, the, the other guy's gold, last name is Goldberg. They were, they were set to, uh, to direct at one time and they dropped off. Um, was Seth Graham Smith involved at one time, Jake? I feel like he was. Jonathan Goldstein, by the way. Oh, Jonathan Goldstein. But Seth Graham Smith at one time was attached to this thing. Yeah, he was attached to it. He sucks. They they tried to go after Ron Howard. Not Ron Howard, but uh, Robert Zemeckis. Zemeckis at one time because of the whole time travel and then Back to the Future and all that. Yeah. There were rumors about Rick Fumiua at some point. I mean, it was. I don't know if he was ever close. Yes. Rick. uh, No, Rick Fumiya was the first guy that they had for it because they had Kiersey Clemens from Dope. She was going to be Iris. West. She was cast as Iris West up until recently. Um, and then she's, I think she's off the project now. You're right, Rick Fumiawa. Yeah, it's been through a fuck ton of directors, man. Yeah, it's crazy. So it just makes you wonder, like, how much control is a director and writer really having in this project at this point? How much of this is mandate? I like, think it's, I think it's all, I think, I think it's all mandate, Jake. I think it's all mandate. And I think that's why John Francis Daly and uh, Goldstein left. Yeah. I mean, you're probably right. That would explain why they've had so many creative differences with people. And I mean, whew, it's going to be hard to make a cohesive movie and it has to be this Swiss army knife of a tool to move these DC movies forward. Mm-hmm. Yuck. I oh. just wonder who it's a mandate from though. Like, there's no Jeff. I don't. I I keep hearing like Jeff Johns is kind of marginalized. Is it uh, who? Like who? Who's mandating? You know, is it some just studio heads that have probably changed in five times over? Yeah, I, it, I would think that's correct. It's like a board. Yeah. That wants a specific. Well, thing who's the, who's the, well? Who's the new head of um, Warner Brothers? They got that new guy in there. Well, I know. I thought it was Kevin Sujihara for a while, but then something happened with him, and I like, I have no idea. Walter Hamada. Okay, it's Walter Hamada. Uh, back, uh, back in 2018, he's like the new guy that they announced uh, is the new president of DC Films. He's going to oversee the uh, DC extend uh, the DC extended universe. It's Walter Hamada now. So, I think that. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> this, it's also confusing. It's also confusing. I do love the fact that we're getting Michael Keaton back though. I do, I'm not gonna lie. I do love that. I think like there's nothing, I, I, I don't have anything bad to say about that. No, that's gonna be one of the most fun things about the project. Like even if it's a complete mess, just, 10 to 15 minutes of that could be very interesting. Well, I think like, uh, could we get a chance to see like where he's at? Like, I, I think, I think Michelle Pfeiffer will pop up. 
Yeah. Yeah. And like we were talking earlier, I'm not necessarily sure between the end of Tim Burton, Batman one and a future old Michael Keaton, Batman, there hasn't been another Joker. That's a good point. Plus it's interesting. I mean, it's an early career Batman, but Michael Keaton's at least 30 something when that, you, you know, yeah, He's, it's not a young Batman, but it's clearly an early career Batman. I want to see right. like, and this is a Batman though, you know, like his Alfred has died. Long ago. Long ago. I want to see like how Batman has like kind of like, I want them to explore like how Batman is now that Alfred's passed away. You know, so I mean, there's a lot that they can really do with this. So I'm looking forward to it. I just, I just don't know how they're using Flashpoint at this point. Like really, are they using Flashpoint to really kind of like reset the whole universe or are they still just really doing like this whole thing where we're just going to use like individual films? Like we're just going to make individual films, just going to make good movies. We're just going to make good individual films. Here's a good Shazam film. Here's a, here's a Wonder Woman film. Standalone. Here's a standalone Aquaman film. It, it's not all about getting and getting the gang together. We'll yeah, see. I think it's a little bit fifty-fifty here. I, it, I think mm-hmm. it's a bit of that, and it's a bit of just having a creative license to show us some alternate reality storylines within a Flash movie. Yeah, with a big name that everyone's going to recognize and get excited by seeing. Star Wars news. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> Fuck, Greg. Did you want to talk about Ray Park? <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. Um, well, Ray Park allegedly <laughs> had uh, a sex act performed on him that he allegedly posted on Instagram, and uh, there are rumors that any future projects involving Darth Maul will not feature Ray Park because oh. he got his. <clears throat> Sucked. And then, um. Wait, hold on. So the, 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 Willie from Alf, the father from Alf, fucking. Yeah. Ray Park had some crack and <laughs> Willie from Alf sucked his dick. <laughs> Allegedly. No, honestly. So, so, okay. So like, this is real. Like I'm hearing about. This is about, legit. This, this is, is legit. legit. Like, like if I'm a Star Wars fan, I, I woke up to a very strange morning the other day when on Ray Park's Instagram, allegedly, there was a video of a, a, a lady doing something that he would probably appreciate, but that we don't need to see. Right. Right. So apparently like, there were all these rumors that there was going to be, you know, like all these series that would really tie in the Darth Maul story from that was sort of set up at the end of solo. And maybe he would come into the Obi-Wan series and maybe there'd be a Lando series or something. And maybe we'd see Kira again, but um, there's a lot of buzz this week that, if they move forward with Darth Maul, it will not feature Ray Park any longer. Because yeah, of a his... lot of people, they were alleging that his wife had cheated on him and that he released this as like revenge porn on Instagram. But then his wife made a statement just like a couple of days ago saying that they're all happy, him and his children are fine, and that they're being really hurt by all the lies that are being made about her having an affair. But apparently the video is she did confirm the video is him and her. Yeah. And that Disney is just not happy about him putting pornography on his Instagram, regardless of whether why would would he release that? What's credible to me, though, is any husband that consistently receives head like that is definitely going to be happy. Yeah, because yeah. Ray Park's <laughs> wife in her statement like said it was an accident that he posted it. Like, how do you, oops, I trip and posted 
a blowjob on Instagram, you know? What the fuck? That shit takes quite a long time to upload. <laughs> oh my god what the fuck what's story. going on star wars star wars <laughs> news is <laughs> hashtag make solo to happen uh solo it does it well ron howard shot down rumors <clears throat> about the solo sequel he was talking he was on um Sirius XM's Radio Andy, and uh, he said, well, there's no sequel plan now. It's amazing to be part of a Star Wars movie that seemed to be a kind of underground hit, which is not what you'd expect, but that's been an odd, strange journey for that movie. Um, but, yeah, he he was basically saying that there's no plans for a, uh, for a solo sequel. And if, if there are, he's not directing it. I mean, so I don't know. I, I, it's been weird with like the fans that, uh, the, the vocal fans that love solo that want to see this go on and, um, they want to see that, that, that story progress. And then like we kept hearing rumors that, oh, maybe it might be a, a, you know, a, we might get a Lando Disney plus series spinoff with, uh, Donald Glover. But uh, none of that seems to be, you know, concrete. We've got to get more of Donald Glover as Lando. They they can't they can't do that to us. Yeah, I agree with that. Jake, are you are you down for more Donald Glover as Lando, or can you pass on that? No, I, I think that'd be great. Um, I, I want to see more about him, though. I don't really want to delve into Solo One plot threads. I want, uh, can I get a Atlanta season three before I get any of this shit, Donald? Is that even going to happen? I don't fucking know, dude. I, that's what I want, though. I would want Atlanta season three over any of this fucking shit. That's just a side note. I don't know. You guys are talkative. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Oh, there's two seasons coming out. Season three and four have already been made. Of what? Atlanta. Shut the fuck up. Are you serious? That's what I'm reading. Oh, I fucking love Atlanta. Have you guys watched Atlanta? I have the first season, but not the second. Yeah, I've seen the first season too. Oh, you gotta watch the second season too. It's fucking great. Second season, like there's one episode in that second season, Donald Glover plays a completely different character, and it's fucking amazing. So fucking good. Has anybody dubbed the um, Ray Park blowjob video with Duel of the Fates in the background? No, that's, that's smart. That's smart. Because I might get on that. <laughs> I that's think like you should. Aiming for an early 2021 premiere, and season four will air, will air later that year, fall 2021. Dude, you know what I want to do in that fucking Duel of Fates Ray Park <laughs> blowjob video? It's like she's sucking on the one dick, and then all of a sudden, like. You hear like a lightsaber and a second dick appears. <laughs> I could see like the dint, 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 like with the head bobbing. Yeah. Working really well. Oh, that'd be amazing, man. Two dicks. Two dicks, though, right? Du- uh, uh, dual sided uh, penis. 
Yeah. Duel, duel of the cocks. Duel of, yeah. <laughs> duel, duel, <laughs> duel of cocks. I love it. I'm done. I'm done. I, 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 this is all I got, guys. This is all I got this week. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> on that note. That's all I got. I want to thank, you know what, Greg? I want to thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks. I, it, I, can I be mushy for a minute? Yeah, go for it. All right. Guys, you know, this is a tough time for people to get through right now. Um, and, you know, it was great seeing you guys at C2E2, Jake, for like two minutes. But it was great seeing you guys. And uh, this is a, bit, a real pick-me-up for me. And I, I really appreciate that. It's meant a lot. You know, it's tough being locked in at home and all you that shit. You felt like such – like I fucking I, – I, I messaged you and I said, I want you – you know, do you want to be on an episode? And you were like, yeah, but whatever. And then like you messaged me and like, hey, can I be on an episode? And you felt bad for asking. Well, do you know what though? And I'm being I'm being sincere. This show means so much to me that I don't want to come on if I'm not if I'm not right. And and when you had messaged me, I had been so fucking behind on watching shit. I just don't want to come on your show and shit the bed like I might have tonight. Have you, you know what I, have I, you, I try not I try not to do that. Have you listened to Jake this entire episode? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I and I I said to you I was like I was like I'll come on when I feel like I when I've earned it by watching shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, so I just didn't want to let you down. And, and I felt, I felt guilty reaching back. I just don't want you, to be one of those you, people that You watched me. more this episode than Jake has all fucking year. Well, <laughs> per, perhaps, but I still, Jake, I still love listening Jake, to you. Jake hates me. Jake, you hate me this episode. You hate me. No, I don't hate you this episode. <laughs> I love you, Jake. I'm not. You're. Don't overreact. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm having. I had a bit of thin skin, but I'm fine. All right. I, did you really get upset, Jake? And did I upset you? No, 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 hmm. no. I. The only person that upset me was myself. There. Yeah. No. The, honestly, at the end of the day, it's all a fucking joke. And <laughs> there's nobody else that I would want to host this fucking show with. Other than you, Jake, and that's a goddamn no, truth. I, I, I really appreciate that, and I I, I know that's the truth, one hundred percent. It it just you know, ugh. dude. I know, fuck it, dude. I know, dude. I you got a lot more going on in your life than I do. Like I fuck, I live alone with two cats. Jesus Christ, Jake. <laughs> you know what? That, can I, and I this is totally inappropriate for me to insert myself in this conversation, but. If what Brian says is hurtful to you, Jake, then just don't listen. Just like you don't watch all those shows that he asks you to watch. <laughs> That's solid advice. That's solid advice. Just know, Jake. The difference is, though, I have to, I have to turn those shows on. I don't even do that. <laughs> Oh man, no, I feel like there's another me on this show and I like it. (laughs) Can I be, one more mushy thing. Seeing you guys, I've said this off the air, seeing you guys at C2E2 before this went down, it was a true gift. I'm so thankful we had um, a little time to spend together. Um, So thank you guys for all that you do. It means a lot. The last two years you were there, and it's just like, I, I mean, like, I want you to be a permanent fixture at CTV2, Greg. 
Oh, yeah. I'll, as soon as we can, I'm coming back. I fucking yeah, you're probably 2022. Nights, Greg, for sure. Quentin, Thanks, buddy. Quentin, it was your first year at C2E2, and I feel like I barely got to see you. But you know what? What I what I can what I can look forward to is I can, I can look forward to listening to you on the real Zodiac. Yeah, I mean, I'll be I'll be at C2E2 as soon as it comes back to, yeah. and I'll be a lot more, uh, whatever the word is, I'll be there more this time for sure yeah you need to be a little bit more uh involved and social man it was it was nice seeing you you were just you were just uh you're a man of mystery like you were there and then you were gone (laughs) you know what i mean so well i was just on sensory overload just with everything because that was my first big comic-con so and i i came up with a buddy and my wife and uh i i just it was it was really weird because kind of behind the curtains um my my buddy surprised me that day the day of that he was going to be there like he flew from boston all the way to chicago met us at the airport which like i said i didn't know until i saw him at the airport and then so i wanted to make sure i spent enough time with him because i only see him once a year yeah yeah well it was nice it was nice meeting you and you know what it's also fucking great that the real Zodiac is back. You're not one of these fucking podcasts that like come and go. You're fucking back. No. And I love that. Yeah, we're here to stay for sure. Cause well, I mean, Amanda and I, we have a lot of great plans for yeah. the rest of the year. So, and you know, if you need a guest at any time, I'm, I'm down. Hell yeah, dude. You know, I always love talking to you. It's a lot easier to, uh, be on your show because you're in control. Like it's just like, you never know with whenever uh, Amanda and I do our show, it's like, it's just, we're always so thankful for people being on it that we just, we want them to be able to make the show what they want. You know what I mean? Well, uh, what I love about your show is like, it's a, it's one fucking thing. We're going to talk about this one fucking thing. Right. We're going to talk yeah. about this one fucking movie. That's all I got to fucking talk about. And it's like, I got to watch this one movie and talk about this one fucking, I love that. I love it. It's so focused and it's so fun and you guys always come prepared. And, um, yeah, I have a fucking blast talking to you guys. So listen to the real Zodiac. Subscribe. You're back on iTunes, which is fantastic. Back on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, everything. Like it's, it's up and running. So you can find us anywhere. Yeah. So listen to the real Zodiac. I'm going to be coming back. I'm going to be coming back. I'm uh, during sports month. Looking forward to that. Oh my God, we're so excited, dude. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fucking fun. You're going to have a great year. I, I, I love the format of the fucking show. So people need to subscribe and listen. So, um, yeah, guys, this is it. This is, the, uh, you waited, you waited two fucking weeks for this fucking, ep- this is garbage. <laughs> I was really scared to be on an episode that like wasn't getting, posted you know for like two weeks or whatever so i know a lot of people are going to be listening thank god greg was here because i really i feel like he really kept the show intact no no i agree i agree i thought greg saved the whole the whole thing made it a good episode no 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 this is a this is a great episode and you guys are a lot of fun and uh show's never been better oh the only reason the show is any good is because of you greg (laughs) yeah thanks greg it's you saved me it's fuck. It's what this this is. Uh, you saved it. You saved this fucking episode, Greg. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. Come on. You did. You saved this fucking episode. Fucking uh, Jake shit the bed. I shit the no. bed. Quentin shit the bed. We all shit the bed. I barely talked, dude. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot Quentin was here. 
<laughs> I thought I was listening to the episode. I was just trying to trying to hit pause this whole fucking time. Oh man, we'll be. Yeah, we'll, thank God for Greg. Uh, thank God for Greg. <laughs> thank God for Greg. Thank you, Greg. You saved us. Oh my God. You know. Uh, you know what other podcasts? You know what? You know what? Fuck it. You know what other podcasts are better than this? You know what you should unsubscribe to? You should unsubscribe to PCL and you should subscribe to number one, the real Zodiac. Uh, and then you should fucking subscribe to, have you guys been listening to, um, oh, what's it called? Smartless? Mm-mm. No. It's fucking, it's, um, it's Will Arnett, Jason Bateman and Sean Hayes. You know, Sean Hayes from fucking Will and Grace. And, yeah. And they fucking have a different guest on every week. And, uh, so like one of the, one of the three guys will invite like a guest and the other two don't know who they're going to invite. The first episode was Dax Shepard and the second one was Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh my God. I'm already subscribing. It's fucking great, dude. And then there's a new podcast. The guy that fucking made the show, Zach Morris's trash from funny or die got, (laughs) he got Mark Paul Gosseler to do a podcast with him called Zach to the Future. And Mark Paul Gosseler claims that he's never watched a full episode of Saved by the Bell. Come and on, they're 20 minutes long. And now, <laughs> Jake, have you ever watched? <laughs> I knew that was coming. I just knew it. He didn't watch the episode where Jesse was on speed pills. Come on, he watched that shit. He totally no, watched no, it. I watched it every morning, every Saturday morning. Me too. I was all about it. But no, uh, Mark Paul Gosselaar is doing a fucking podcast with the dude that uh, created Zach Morris's trash called Zach to the Future, where they talk about uh, Saved by the Bell episodes. They're going to specifically talk about different episodes and um yeah they, they they've had uh, a teaser episode and they had the first episode was just basically kind of like you know talking about like what they can expect on the show they gave a little clip of mark paul gosler talking to tiffany amber Thiessen about uh who played kelly uh kapowski um talking about like their time on the show and stuff like that. i can't wait i can't fucking wait i've listened to you know, some of the, uh, Saved by the Bell, you know, recap episodes and stuff like that where they talk about Saved by the Bell. But this is, this is actually Mark Paul Gosler talking about it. And this is a guy who fucking, he lived it. So I can't fucking wait to hear. I hope they get into the real shit. I hope they get into the real shit. I hope they talk real. I want to hear real shit about Dustin Diamond. I hope Mark Paul Gosler talks about his relationship with Lark Voorhees. Who played Lisa Turtle? Like they were, dude. They were fucking like in a relationship. Like they were like, yeah. you know. I hope they get into that dude, shit. That's a beautiful woman right there. Oh God, yeah. Didn't she go crazy though? Did she? I think she went crazy, man. I think like, and maybe crazy is not the right word to say. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what the PC word is to say. But she fucking, she kind of had a meltdown and shit Loco. like that. Yeah, she had a meltdown. She did have a mental disorder. But yeah, her parents were like, what? Wasn't her parents, like, they had a lot of, weren't her parents like Jehovah's Witnesses or something like that? And so they had like, I don't know, there's certain, she had some certain issues and shit, like on the set stuff. Like her parents wouldn't let her do certain things, but I don't know, man. I'm looking forward to that fucking podcast. Way more than this one. So unsubscribe. It hasn't to, started yet? Well, no, they did like a teaser episode and then they did like um 
like, uh, the first episode was just basically like introducing like what you can expect on the podcast. So they haven't actually like done a recap of an actual episode yet. Like an episode zero. Yeah. Basically is what they've done. Yep. And it's way better than anything you're going to hear on this podcast. So just unsubscribe Boom. to us and listen to that. So that's what people seem to be doing anyway. So. No, come on. <laughs> Not true. Dude, I, I just, I'm just so self-deprecating and I just, I really don't see the fascination with why people care anymore. <laughs> I'll tell you what. It's like, think about, there hasn't been a fucking significant theater release since fucking, like, when? Like, December? Uh, What's the last significant? It was probably Star Wars. The Rise of Skywalker, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know uh, how hard onward. that uh, Onward, I saw on VOD, I saw on Disney Plus. I saw it know? in the theater. Last movies I remember seeing in theater were Onward. The Hunt and Bloodshot. The Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, every time, and again, like, I swear to, like, listening to you guys for seven years, every time there's a new tentpole release, there are new names in the Leftover Army that crop up. Yeah. Like, that. that's, so I think it's just getting people either back in the theater or back to the new release cycle whenever that is, you know, and hopefully Black Widow, we get that before the end of the year. Oh, I don't know. Man. Fingers crossed. Are we getting it in November? I mean, is it really happening? I don't don't think so. I don't think so either. But how long are they going to keep that movie away? I just, you know. It's not going to drop on fucking, it's not going to drop on VOD. Sorry, people. There's no way. And there's no way, there's no way fucking Mulan is going to drop on VOD. There's no fucking way. My state is one of the best in terms of COVID rates right now. Mm-hmm. And I would not go into a fucking movie theater for a million dollars. It's getting, it's it. getting worse here now too. Yeah, like since they started, since they started to open shit up, like it, it's going up, there's more cases going up all the time. It scares the shit out of me. I'm constantly using hand sanitizer all the time. Yeah, I'm crazy with it too. I, fuck, I go to the gas station and it's like, I, I fucking, I fucking touch the, um, you know, I, I push the buttons and shit on the fucking, you know, prepay at the pump and I'm using hand sanitizer afterwards. And it's just like, Christ, I can't, like, it's scary. It's, it's something you can't fucking see. It's something you can't see. And you don't know if you're going to contract it. And anytime I feel like I'm getting like a little cough or something like that, I'm like, Oh fuck, did I get it? Yeah, it's over. Yeah. It's scary as shit, man. I was working today outside in the fucking rain and I started feeling like sick after that. And I was like, fuck, no, dude, it's just the rain. It's just the rain. You're working outside in the cold and the rain. So don't worry about it. But man, this fucking shit, I, I, I I'm so over it. I'm so over it, but God, I'm so old. We'll get there. I know. We'll there. I know. We're going to get you know, fucking You know those, like, those Star Wars scarves they sell on Facebook? I know you're not a big Facebook guy, Brian, but you other guys, have you seen that? No, like, I haven't. They advertise the fuck out of them on Facebook. They're like these gator scarves that have, like, from the, the eyes down, it's like a star. Like, and the one that everyone wants is the Mandalorian. I fucking got the Mandalorian one the other day, and it looks really cool. But it's so fucking small. Like when I try, I can't even squeeze uh, it over. I can't squeeze it over my head. I look like the thing from the abyss. Like it's just a face trying to get out of fucking fabric. <laughs> do not, do not fucking buy that shit. Cause you will, I almost died trying to get that thing the fuck off. I almost cut it off. 
It's so fucking tight. I gave it to my seven-year-old and he wears it. <laughs> Don't buy that shit. That's mm. uh, fine. So did Bla- when did Blossom lose her virginity, dude? So this All is right, what- good night, guys. <laughs> I'll see you later. This is what's, this is what's really depressing. I have no confirmation that it was ever explicitly stated that Blossom lost her virginity on the, on an episode of Blossom. However, in season one, episode six, she did go through extensive conversations about going to second base with her then current boyfriend played by Johnny Galecki. So later of Big Bang Theory, of course. So Blossom clearly saw some shit, but but we need a little more research to see if she had sex. Before that, he was Darlene's boyfriend on and they roseanne. they did have sex on roseanne yes and i think it was a threesome with my Bialik from <laughs> blossom it's a very special episode well who just said well it was not me i didn't say it was that you greg <laughs> Yeah, it was me. I'm sorry. All right. All right. <laughs> you know, uh, let's put this episode out of its misery. Okay. Misery. That was a good movie. Uh, James Caan. Uh, Not one of my favorites. Kathy, Kathy Bates. Bates. Yeah, it was one of my favorites until I, like, I watched the movie first and then I read the book. Oh, never do that. I know. The book is so much better. I did that with Ready Player One. Oh, see, I still haven't read Ready Player One. Oh my God, Brian! Dude. I know, dude. I know. That's all. Whew. I know. Jake got me the fucking book. I'm getting on Jake. I get on Jake all about this shit, not watching anything, and he fucking bought me the fucking book, and I still haven't read it. That's and I can, all good. It's I can, all good. I can, Spielberg ruined it now. I, I, yeah. I thought the movie was fun. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I love the, the movie. It's fun. Yeah. Oh man, that fucking uh, what was it that that scene? I watched it in IMAX twice because of that fucking scene where he's in like that car and shit, and they're going. You know what I mean? Yeah, the fucking, racing. Yeah, yeah, that racing scene was amazing in IMAX. Holy shit, dude! That was so much fun. I, I, to watch. Yeah, and it King was Kong. Yeah, in there, or whatever. Yeah, dude. it was worth the price of admission just for fucking that IMAX. Watching that in IMAX, it was just beautiful. I had to see it again just for that fucking scene. I was blown away by the movie, but the book is like 50 times better. It, aren't they right? Isn't, isn't, aren't they getting a sequel? Aren't they writing a sequel? Yeah, it comes out this year, November. Oh, Ready really? Player Two, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, so right. Hopefully it's better than Armada, which was his second book, which was not very good. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Gotcha. Guys, just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with another bullshit fucking episode. Thanks a lot. Later, y'all. <laughs> thank you, Greg. Thank you, Quentin. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. It means a lot. All right. See you next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. Ready like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture.
it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean it, race it, let's embrace it, Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers. That original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and live a shaft of crap, even though it is shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the poor kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and take. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Love it, hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftover. Uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftover. sure the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers.